That's Crocodile Rock from 1975 by Elton John. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druffin Drexel Show. This is being recorded on April 10th, 2016, a Sunday episode at around 8 o'clock p.m. A little bit late, but uh, scheduled time 8 o'clock p.m. And this will be the last show we've had. we will have for a while that is off schedule. The next show will take place 10 days from now on April 20th on the usual Wednesday time slot. So the upcoming Wednesday there will be no show, but the Wednesday after that there will be, and every Wednesday after that for a while we will probably have the show at the time you expect, 7.30 Pacific time on Wednesday. Right now I don't have any co-hosts. Right now it's just me. Often I'm joined by Brandon Drexel Gerson, who, I will be honest with you, is MIA today. I have not heard from him the entire day, and I believe he's sleeping. He has a really, really weird sleep schedule where he wakes up around this time. I expect that he'll probably wake up sometime during the show, and then we'll put him on. Tonight, we were also supposed to pick up a co-host that we've had before. I'll see if he's around anywhere. The Northern California guy who's done a good job here. He's he's kind of been Daredevil's replacement. I, I don't like to compare people, but that's kind of what he's been. Daredevil left, and Daredevil was a popular co-host here, but left on his own accord. Left the entire site, pretty much left uh, poker behind, and just uh, went on to other things in life. Had nothing to do with anything on this show or this site. But we had to find a replacement, and we went back to a guy we had on like last year, and decided to try him again, and he's done pretty well. Let's see if I can find him. Where is he? Hmm. I don't know. Wait, is this him? I think this is him. Let's try to put him on. Let's see if we can get him. Otherwise, I'll have to go solo here. But he, oh, there you are. Northern California Hello, guy. Hello. Hello. I wasn't sure if you're going to be here. You just kind of were silent for a while. I, I didn't like you didn't ignore me. You just didn't like communicate with me today. So I wasn't sure if you'd be here or not. Oh, I sent you a text um, saying I would be on Skype at eight o'clock tonight. I don't know if you got it or not. Oh, you know, I think I maybe got it and like saw it, but it was like checked it like right after I woke up and forgot. Okay, maybe it's my fault that. Uh, I didn't know whether you were going to be here or not. But it doesn't matter. You're here. You're here. And at least I will have one co-host, and hopefully two, if Brandon shows up. So thank you for coming back to the show. Uh, you actually did send me a text I do remember from uh, a few days ago regarding returning. You said, Hello, Todd. Northern California guy checking in. I haven't been around for live shows lately with a slightly erratic radio schedule lately. So you're making it my fault. But... Since Brandon called me out a few times on the latest radio, I figured I'd better step up and offer my services this Sunday if you would like a co-host. Let me know if you need someone, and I'll try to be around Sunday evening. So I, I did respond affirmatively to that, and to your credit, here you are on Sunday evening. So thank you. You got it, buddy. All right, so I'm in a secret location right now. I'm not at the usual place I am during the show, which means I, I don't know how good the Internet will be. The broadcast, the live broadcast at least, is only as good as the internet that I have to broadcast from. And also, uh, sound levels may be a little different for this show because I'm, I'm not using my usual equipment. 
the equipment I use when I'm at a secret location is portable equipment, which is not as good. Uh, Tilted Stone is saying volume low, and that's what I was worried about, that my volume would be low. And unfortunately, let me try this. I'm going to put the mic, I'm going to go the low tech way and just put the microphone up to my mouth as close as possible, which I usually don't like doing because I don't want to accidentally blow in the mic or something and make that sound. But I guess tonight I don't have much of a choice. This is the best I can do. The volume cannot get any higher than this. On this equipment, at least. The equipment in my usual location, I can turn the volume as high as I want. So, let me give you the usual show intro, and then we will get going. Tonight we have a free roll, a $100 free roll. And this is a good free roll, because we're not going to have that many people playing it, because it's a Sunday night and we get lower turnout in the free roll when it's not on the usual night for radio. But it's still $100, so you're going to have a an opportunity to win the money more easily. Now, with that in mind, I made the prize pool more top-heavy. I figured, why pay five places if there's going to be relatively few participants? So it's very top-heavy this week. It's 55 for first, 30 for second, and 15 for third. That's it. 55, 30, and 15. This money was all donated by Starbucks Spunk Bucket. He's from Europe. That's all I know about him, really. But he's from Europe. I think maybe Ireland. And he said this is dedicated to DJ Chap's sister, whatever that means. He's dedicating this to DJ Chap's sister. But DJ Chap's insisted today he doesn't have a sister, so that makes it even stranger. But that's the dedication he wanted. And therefore, that's the dedication I will give. <laughs> but thank you to Starbucks Spunk Bucket for sending that There was some confusion about this money a few weeks ago Whether I got it or not, but I got it Now, speaking of getting money If you win the free roll I will send it to you by bank transfer Bitcoin Cash Or check What is missing from there? Yes, PayPal As I mentioned last week, my PayPal is uh, having issues, and I will tell you what those issues are for our first topic. It turned out it's more than just me. Uh, I may eventually get it restored, uh, but at the moment I don't have it, so right now I can't send you the payment by PayPal. Uh, Right now, best would be bank transfer. If you can give me a bank account, I can send it to you. I think at almost any bank now, though if it's a bank I have, it'll be quicker. But if it's a bank I don't have, it'll still be, I think, only a few days to get the money. Other than that, uh, I can do Bitcoin if I have it and uh, cash or check, but that's a little slower. So if you want to wait to see if I can reestablish PayPal, you can. PayPal is kind of an odd company with with the way they behave with these things. So PayPal is not an option right at the moment, but I'm looking to restore that. The poker tournament takes place, by the way. It, ah, look at this. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna show you. Hang on, hang on here. Listen to this. Th- this is what happens. If I say I'm in a secret location, this is what happens. L- listen to this. Hear that? The phone's ringing. So- someone figured out where I am. Caller, you're kind of on the air. <laughs> just, 
All right, well, I'm going to have to take this. I forgot to take this off the hook. So somebody figured out the secret location I'm at. I'm not very good at, at hiding the location, I guess. And uh, I think the person saw my Twitter. Anyway, they uh, they decided to call the room phone in the hotel room I'm in and <laughs> yelled free fluffer. So thank you. Thank you for that call. I put it on speakerphone, by the way. I... <sighs> I thought of this before the show and then forgot to take it off the hook. Now it's off the hook. Oh, I see. I got a, another $20 from uh, Trader Ruski for the free roll. Um, he said he sent it. I don't know how he sent it to me because I don't have PayPal at the moment. <laughs> okay. He texted me. He sent it. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I go, wait a minute. How, how did he send it? Well, we'll figure out somehow. Anyway, it's it's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen. 8.45 is the start of the free roll. You have some time, 26 minutes from now. No Limit Hold'em. And you, you need a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. And if you want to know the rules for qualifying for the free money, go to pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll. That's all lowercase. PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll. Make sure you're familiar with those rules or you may not win the free money. Even if you win, you won't win if you have not met the requirements, which, to be honest, are not very stringent. If you want to call into the show, the phone number is the same as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. We also have the Mount Charleston line. We do. Mount Charleston is a mountain near Las Vegas. Get there in about 45 minutes if you drive there. I have an old 70s rotary telephone sitting on top of the mountain, which forwards to me wherever I go. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. That's the Mount Charleston line. No matter which number you call, show your caller ID or you will not get through. You'll probably get a busy signal. You can also text me anytime. At the main phone number for the show, 775-372-8355. You can also text Brandon anytime, even right now, if you want to bug him for not being here. That would be 203-299-2436. 203-299-2436. So you can text him anytime, just like you can text me anytime at 775 372 8355. As always, you can listen to the show on the call to listen line. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162 is the call to listen line. Call it from any phone. You don't need the internet. You don't need a data plan. You don't need a smartphone. Any phone in the world can call that number and listen to the show. It will not charge you even one byte of data to call that. Not even one byte. And it's it's also something you can use to listen to the streaming reruns we have 24-7. Because when we're not on the air, we're running reruns of the show, random reruns that of the show, various episodes we've had since uh, the beginning, four years ago. So it just picks one, runs it as if it's live, and then runs the next one and the next one and just picks them all randomly. And that's always on the call to listen line. And also, if you just go to the radio page on PokerFraudAlert.com, you can listen live there as well through the streaming reruns. Caller from the 442 area code, you are on the air. Hello. 
Hello. Where's Todd? Where's Tide? Todd. Todd. Uh, Todd's right here. That's me. You know who this is? No. The poor man. <laughs> Somehow I doubt that. Um, now do you know who this is? To do it again. Whatever you just did, I didn't hear it. It's the poor man. It's not the poor man. How many other people do you know who know who the poor man is? Uh, surprisingly a lot. <laughs> so, <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately. So who, uh, is, who is this really? What's, what's this poker thing you're advertising on Twitter? Um, this poker thing, it's a show I do here every week. Yeah. That uh, is about poker. It's about gambling. It's about scams in poker. It's about poker and gambling news. It's about just random topics. It's about a whole lot of things. It usually goes like six hours. Really? Yep. Wow, six hours. Yep. Okay. I was just talking about, I saw something up there about a free roll, but I have no idea how you how you get into it, how you play it, or well, whatever. So just... Yeah. You, you go By to PokerFraudAlert.com and click, click, I think I know who you this are, is by your... This is your friendly neighborhood Kobe Bryant hater. Is yeah. Is. yeah, I figured out who you are. Well, good to hear okay. from you. If you want to read about the free roll, I mean, you can play it. I know you. But if you if you don't get in there this week, you get in there uh, on the 20th when we have our next show. If you click on the radio yeah. tab on the – or not, the, the No Fraud Online Poker tab, you'll, you'll see uh, – you'll have to make an account. It's like a little poker room I have here. Okay. I'm just trying – okay, No Fraud Online Poker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I just have to sign up for something, and then you guys have one like every week or something? Yeah, you you have to sign up, and uh, you can the free roll starts at eight forty five, and just you know once you sign up, you don't even need to put a real email; you can just put whatever. Sign up and, and play, yeah. and then uh, you know if you finish top three, I'll I'll send you money. Seriously. Beautiful. I All got, right. I got finished with the races early tonight, and I figured I might play poker, but yeah, I'm probably not gonna have time to sign up for an account before eight forty five. So. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, my friend. All right. Very good. Thank you for calling in. Okay. No problem. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is someone I know from. Uh, is associated with a uh, a radio show that I used to listen to, and he used to listen to. It's a defunct radio show, but uh, that's where I know this guy from. And uh, after he talked long enough, I recognized his voice. So I don't know the the area code's weird though, because he's in California, and that's not a California area code. But you know, everybody's got a different area code nowadays. So. Yeah, I got some messages from Bukowski. Oh, something about Mason Malmuth. Okay, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Bukowski always sends me useful and good stuff. So anything from Bukowski to me during radio, I figure is important. It's uh, you know when Bukowski talks, I listen. It's kind of like the old uh, E.F. Hutton commercial from the seventies. So here are the topics tonight. The main topic, and I'll admit this is kind of a light news week, poker and gambling-wise, but the main topic this week, PayPal is closing accounts of poker players, including mine. Yes. Yes, PayPal is shutting down your account just because you are a poker player. Seriously, that's what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying every poker player has lost their account, but if they have identified you as a poker player and they think that you are using PayPal 
for anything having to do with poker, legal or illegal, they shut you down. So that's bad news, and I will talk about what's going on there. And I was a victim of it as well. A small-time poker fraud alert forum scammer, who has supposedly been gone for a while, but not really, outed, he self-outed his current account on the system, and Jay Searle, some of you have heard him call in here before, he is involved in this whole thing. I'm going to play you the video where he outed himself. It's actually a video kind of making fun of me. And I'm going to play the original video that he was making a parody of. He was actually making a parody of his own video, which was a parody of that Leave Britney Spears Alone video. So I'll play the two videos and explain what's going on. And I usually don't talk about forum stuff here, but I think this is a big enough story. This is a light enough news week to where we can talk about it. The Global Poker League seems like anyone who has a clue in poker is laughing at it. But but somehow everyone's kind of pretending it's a big deal. When I say everyone, I mean a lot more than I thought it would. Like like Poker News is making a big deal out of this and a number of uh other poker players are feigning excitement for this on Twitter. I, I can't imagine anyone is actually excited for this. I can't even imagine the casual poker fan being excited about this. This really seems like something where everyone's just pretending like they enjoy it. Everyone's pretending like it really matters when it doesn't. So we'll talk about the launch of the Global Poker League and, of course, the fail that went along with that launch. And there's plenty. We'll have to call up China for that segment. That's true. Well, I don't know. China may defend it. China actually uh, seems interested. He's like the one guy in the world who likes it, I think. So uh, China, by the way, he could talk about the other segment because he was the one who was scammed by the guy on the forum that we're going to talk about. The Panama Papers, they've been in the news. It was uh, millions of documents that have leaked from a law firm in Panama that was involved in setting up uh, shady international corporations, moving around or hiding or laundering money that people did not want the government to know about. So the Panama Papers are referring to those documents that have come out, and only a few media organizations have access to them. And even though I like to consider Poker Fraud Alert a media organization that we do not, So the full extent of them has not come out or been analyzed yet. But there are some poker-related figures and online gambling-related figures already involved in the Panama Papers, including David Bezov, CEO of PokerStars. A weed-themed casino, yes, that kind of weed, may be coming to Las Vegas. We'll tell you about that. This is a story, when I say this, I mean the next topic. The next topic is a story that is not timely. It is a story that has nothing to do with anything that happened this year, or last year, or the year before, or even the past decade, or even the past 12 years. This is a story from 13 years ago on PokerStars. Why would I ever tell a story from 13 years ago on PokerStars? Because I just recalled it, and I hadn't thought about it in probably about 13 years. But this is a story of an experience I had with a prostitute on Poker Stars in 2003. It's nobody anyone here knows. At least I don't think anyone 
knows this girl. She's never been on Poker Fraud Alert or never won poker or Donk Down. So it's, it's it's nothing like that. There's not going to be a big reveal here, but it's. Uh, I thought it was an interesting story, and it even has an element of Jewish. I shouldn't say haggling, but uh, Jewish money awareness, shall I say? So. I will tell that story for those of you that didn't already read it on the forum. I haven't been updating very much about the Phil Ivey Borgata lawsuit involving his edge sorting and Baccarat play because this is an ongoing legal mess and it would become boring to talk about every little update every every time there is one. But I thought this one was interesting. There's really three factions involved with this lawsuit. There's the Borgata, there's Gemico the card maker, and there's Phil Ivey and his accomplice. So Borgata is now attacking Gemico, the card maker, in a response, in a legal response that was filed. And uh, Borgata is, is really mad claiming that uh, Gemico is uh, is trying to trick people. But uh, I'll give you my opinion as to who was really at fault in allowing the situation to occur where Ivy could take advantage of them in the Baccarat game. Well, we've joked for a while about Amanda Leatherman, former uh, poker reporter and former girlfriend of Daniel Negreanu and former girlfriend of Joe Seabach, and former sex partner of about half the poker world. <laughs> uh, we've updated you about her radio career. She moved to Asheville, North Carolina, and, and started a radio career there as a morning host, even though she had no experience in radio prior to this. And we, of course, wondered how she managed to get that job. Even in a place like Asheville, that's not easy to do. I was actually just in Asheville two weeks ago and I was even considering dropping by the station to just see if there's anyone really there because my theory was that like no one's ever at the station it's just voice tracked but I didn't drop by and it turns out had I dropped by it would have been useless because Amanda's no longer there Amanda's radio career is over I'll tell you where she's gone and what she's doing or at least what she's not doing Steve Wynn of course, the owner of the Wynn Casino and the Encore, a longtime Las Vegas figure. Steve Wynn is building a casino in the Boston area, and he made a, a bit of a mistake, at least a verbal mistake. He, he said something that is making him look kind of cold and elitist. He said, nobody likes being around poor people. Nobody likes being around poor people. That could never go over well when you're a public figure like Steve Wynn. So I'll tell you why he said that, what he meant when he said that, and, and a bit about the project in Boston, which I had hoped, by the way, was going to end up being a Caesars casino and is not. Speaking of Caesars casinos, a very frequent question I get is, how do I earn diamond the cheapest in my area? That's, that's a very frequent thing people ask me. I get texts about this. I get people asking me in person. I get people emailing me or PMing me. I want to make diamond. I want to make seven stars. How do I get there 
with the lowest expected loss? What's the best way to get here? Well, I'm going to suggest in each area of the country, because I know we have people from all over the country, even all over the world, but they don't have Caesar's properties uh, in other parts of the world. But I will tell you in each market where you can find the best video poker and how you can earn diamond or seven stars the cheapest. General topics tonight, Bernie Sanders on a winning streak. He's winning primaries all over the place, but it's about to end and he really has no chance. Anyone who thinks that Bernie is going to be the nominee is deluding themselves. You may wish he could be the nominee. You may think it's crappy he has no chance when he's only 1% behind right now in the national polls, which he is, but he still has just about no chance. Like, really no chance. On the other side, Donald Trump, will he get the majority of delegates or will he fall short of that and end up at a brokered convention where he will probably not be the nominee for that reason? Something most people are not talking about is the state of Indiana. I think it will come down to Indiana. And we'll talk about Indiana and why that may be the pivotal state determining whether Trump gets the nomination or doesn't. Finally, there's a term called the pathological customer. The pathological customer is a customer at a, at a business, big or small, who takes up a lot of time for the employees and the management complaining about things that are wrong, uh, asking for refunds or uh, discounts when there's a problem, uh, basically ones who are very high maintenance, and yet they're always looking for the best deal too. So even if they don't have a problem, they're always getting something at the highest value for them and the lowest profit margin for you. So there's been a theory recently. There's been a theory that the, quote, pathological customer, which I don't think that's a good name, but that's a term that's been come up with for it. I, I don't think that's a proper name for it, but whatever. A pathological customer, there's been a theory that they should just get rid of them, that businesses should stop serving them once they identify a customer who is pathological. Should they do that is the question. Now, I will admit that I could very easily be described as a pathological customer, but I'm going to tell you why I think businesses would be making a mistake to get rid of the highest maintenance, low profit customers. You heard me right. I think they're making a mistake. And that'll be our final segment tonight. All right. So that's the agenda. Again, 775-372-8355, which is 775-FRAUD55 if you wish to call the show. Free roll is starting in five minutes, but you have 25 minutes of late registration if you want to get in. So, you have that too, just in case you can't get there on time, like I never do. I know you're not much of a golf guy, but maybe we could touch on the Masters towards the end of the show if we have some time. Yeah, yeah, we, we can do that. We can, we can talk on the Masters towards the end. If you if you make it, to, you think you're going to make it to the end, or you think you're going to get you're going to get too tired? I'm going to do my best to not pull a trade of Ruski. 
Okay. Now I'm gonna. You're a little soft to me. Let me ask the chat room how loud you are. I, mean, I, I don't want you softer than me, but I don't want you louder than me. I want you like around the same. What does the chat room think? Is uh, the Northern California guy too loud, too soft, or right around where I am? It's probably good because I'm kind of soft too. So okay, it says good. All right. Get the thumbs up from the chat room. So yeah, I most radio shows have an engineering staff that helps them with these things. I use the chat room as my engineering staff. So let's get going. Let's start the show. I guess I have like an over under bet on how long the intro would be. All right, uh, I'm talking about PayPal. I got a, a message of all things last week. Maybe it was more than no, no. It was last week. It was a week ago. It was on a Sunday. It was really weird. A Sunday. I get a message in the morning from PayPal saying that they have uh, shut down my account. And last week I, I was I wasn't telling you guys the whole story because I, I wanted to figure this out with PayPal before I made an announcement about it. But uh, the reason my PayPal account got closed, as you might guess, was that I used it to pay someone to take a tire iron to someone's kneecaps who I don't like. No, it's because I was gambling with it, or so they say. Now, I wasn't really gambling with it, and that's what's annoying, is that uh, they decided I was gambling with it, even though I wasn't. And and I saw specifically what evidence they pointed to, and, and what they pointed to is, is not gambling. And in fact, what they pointed to is completely legal. Um, gambling with your PayPal account would mean the following, like uh, funding an online poker site. That would be gambling. Uh, sending people money on PayPal to bet with them over something. That would be gambling. But But I didn't do any of those things with it. Not that I think it's terrible to do these things, but... I I think that should be fine too, but but even by what they call gambling isn't, and I I thought I had a decent case for appeal. Unfortunately, there is no appeal. There's no appeal process. The decision is final. You cannot appeal. That's what it said in the email. I called them up to talk to them, and they said, "Yeah, there's no appeal, and there's no one you can even speak to on the phone about it." You can email the same department, but you know what's going to happen with that email. They're going to print it out and wipe their ass with it. So uh, they, they shut it down. No appeal. Now, what happens to my money? Well, PayPal has kind of an odd policy regarding accounts shut down in this fashion. They don't take your money, which is good, but you also can't cash it out right away, which is bad. What do I mean by right away? Well, you have to wait... Six months to cash out, which is a joke. Six months you have to wait to get any money you have on there, which is amazingly stupid because this policy came originally for accounts that were shut down for some kind of uh, shady or illicit activity. So there it makes sense because they're saying, look, we're afraid you may have cheated some people and we want to give anyone you cheated a chance to charge back. So we're not going to let you take this money off until we are 100% sure 
that no one's going to be coming forward to say they want their money back. For example, JSIP, when he rolled everybody here, a lot of them were through PayPal, he would have been a good candidate to hold his money for six months. He had multiple people alleging fraud against him. So there it would make sense to close his account and then say, not only are we closing it, but you have to wait six months before we give you anything because we have to wait six months for any complaints to come in, possibly, about you. And that makes sense, and that's the right thing to do. But for, quote, gambling, why would you have to wait any time? Because no one is alleging I cheated them. That's not why they closed it. So even if they want to say I violated their policies by, quote, gambling with it, this has nothing to do with any chargebacks or anything that would uh, come back to the people who sent me the money. So the money stuck on there for six months. Now, I found one way around that, and I had like $1,770 on there, so that was pretty brutal. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to hold it for six months here. And It's not that I can't do without the money for six months, but who wants them holding almost $2,000 for six months? And, and who knows what will happen during that time? What if, they, what if they change their policy, change their mind? Yeah, there's a lot of things that can happen. You just don't want your account closed and your money frozen for six months, and, and they're the ones who decide what to do with it. It sucks. So I found a weird policy they have which I guess is kind of related to the fraud aspect, even though, again, this has nothing to do with fraud. I found that you are allowed to refund money to anyone who sent you money immediately. So I thought, hmm, well, this is good because a lot of the people that have uh, sent me money on PayPal are people I know and trust. So it's not like I'm mainly using it for like eBay sales where I would never want to refund someone who bought something from me. But anyone I know, I can refund them, and then they can just give me back the money some other way. You know, write me a check, send me a bank transfer, whatever. So fortunately, a lot of the people who sent me money are in that category, and I was able to refund most of that money back to people. And that's why if I sent you a refund recently, that, that's why you got it, because that was my only way to get it off. And unfortunately, you have to get exactly the amount in your account, you had to like structure it to where you can exactly send that amount of refunds. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean. Um, so I sent everything but $93. And then I saw that there's someone I know that had sent me a hundred. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll send this guy a hundred. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pay the difference of $6 and whatever cents I have to like deposit there to make it happen, but whatever, like, you know, then I'll get the whole thing off. Well, no, it won't let me do that. Why? Because 100 is more than 93, and I'm not allowed to deposit. So I'm just absolutely not allowed to send them the money. So uh, the only way actually they'll let me send me the money, which is weird, is uh, I, I can deposit to send to him directly. Like I can make a deposit that just directly takes the money from me and sends it to him, but I can't deposit the difference here. I can't just say I'm going to deposit $6 and whatever cents and send him 100 so that doesn't do me any good, obviously. So now I have to find like smaller increments of things that are in the refund period, like $20 here, $40 there. But I'll never get to 93 because that's kind of an odd number. So a little of my money will be stuck there, but that's not the end of the world. But uh, if you've been getting refunds from me, that's the reason. And again, this is something that I've emphasized for a long time, even though I kind of violated it myself. But you shouldn't leave a lot of money on PayPal because you never know what's going to happen. You shouldn't leave a lot of money on poker sites because you never know what's going to happen. You should only leave what you need. So this situation kind of sucks. Now, what's weird, and this this is why uh, I'm not completely pessimistic about having a PayPal account again, 
and that's um, you can act. I'm not banned from PayPal permanently. Just that account is banned. So apparently, PayPal when they ban your account, it's final, but you're not locked out forever. It's the equivalent of being banned from a forum, and you just make a dupe account and start posting on that. And even though the owner knows it's you, he doesn't ban you. Uh, that that's kind of PayPal's policy, believe it or not. So <laughs> it's weird. But, but I'm not sure if I, I want to go ahead and do that. But I might, and if I do it, then I'll just have to be uh, you know, careful with what I do with it. That uh, anything that uh, they even think uh, slightly constitutes gambling, that uh, I won't, won't do it. I'll try to be very careful of what to do with it. So uh, I probably will be a little tighter with... Uh, what you, what I'm going to be doing with my PayPal account than before? I, I, I again say I wasn't doing anything wrong, even by their own terms of service. I didn't deposit to any online poker sites. Um, I, I didn't do anything against the law with it. Not even anything slightly against the law. I didn't uh, place personal bets with anyone, or I, I, I just wasn't doing it. So, and they're not accusing me of these things. It's not like they're accusing me of. Things I'm, it's not like they're accusing me of being an online poker player with PayPal. I'm an online poker player, but I've never used PayPal for it. Like, it's not like they're accusing me of depositing like to Bodog with it, and, I, and I'm saying I didn't. They're not accusing me of that. What they're accusing me of, when I go back and read their policy, doesn't make any sense because that, that's not against what I'm doing is not against their policy. But whatever, there's there's no way to appeal it. Now the. the more interesting part of this story, perhaps to you, is the fact that this is now happening to other poker players. Because I came out with this on Twitter, that I was banned from PayPal for, quote, gambling. And I was told that this is happening to a number of poker players, including some people who listen to this show, including some people who read the forum. A number of people came forward to me, publicly and privately, saying, yeah, I lost my account, too. Right around the same time frame, too, like the last few weeks, for whatever reason, they decided to clamp down on what they consider to be gambling. Why are they so paranoid about this? Are there even any online poker sites that you can use PayPal to deposit to? No, there's not. It, it, it's, there's not, and it's ridiculous. I can understand if they want to clamp down on, like, if they think someone's running, like, a gambling ring. Like, forget online poker. Like, let's say someone's running a gambling ring, like a sports ring. Like, like, if they thought I was a bookie. And they thought I'm taking sports bets and paying out people and they're paying. Like I can understand wanting to stop that because they can get in trouble with the government if they know about this occurring and don't take steps to stop it. But they are not accusing me of any kind of illegal gambling. I'm not doing it and they're not accusing me of it with their service. I'm not illegally gambling at all, but um, at least I am playing on some illegal sites, but nothing having to do with them. So they are not accusing me of using their service for anything illegal. So it's so stupid because what, what do they think they're doing? You, you, that's a good question you're asking is what do they think they're doing? What, what are they accomplishing by this? But I think they're just being overly paranoid. What, what triggered this, I don't know. But uh, they banned me. They banned a whole lot of other people, including many I don't know. So it has nothing to do with me personally. I didn't spark a big gambling investigation. I'm just one of many people they closed. And somebody else who listens to this show a lot tweeted to me that they're closing a number of small business accounts too, alleging some kind of 
flimsy terms of service violation. So I don't know what the hell they're doing over at PayPal. I've never they have a really itchy trigger finger when it comes to that because my, I actually got an account on their band at one time because I sold something on eBay and it was damaged during shipping and I was trying to negotiate with the guy telling him to file a claim with the shipping company and he went and filed a claim against me and PayPal and they froze my whole thing for months until it got sorted out. Yeah, I, I've never over a twenty-five dollar freaking charge. Right, I've never liked them, and they're they were once even worse. What they used to do is they used to shut down your account and then give you these outrageous terms to get it reopened that that are very hard to satisfy. An example of this, and this actually happened to me. I I got banned once on PayPal before, and this was fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago, I got banned there. Uh, this is actually when they were accepting online gambling uh, deposits. And I, I, the funny thing was, this wasn't against their policy then. So this wasn't even having to do with that. Like, I was using it for online gambling, but they were okay with that then. That was actually within their terms to do. This is, shows you how long ago that was. But um, it was kind of the catalyst to a problem for me because I was using it to fund my account on True Poker. And at some point, True Poker started having errors in being able to receive funds from me on PayPal. There was just some issue, and they couldn't figure it out on their end. It just wouldn't work with my account anywhere, even though my PayPal account was fine otherwise. So I made a second PayPal account and used that only to fund True Poker. Well, at the time, I don't know if this is still true, but at the time, it was against PayPal's rules to have two PayPal accounts, which is stupid. Like, why would that be against the rules? But anyway, it was. I didn't know it was. And they, a, a bot on their system caught this and shut down both accounts. So fine. So you would have thought a logical company would say, okay, choose which of the two accounts you want and we'll close the other and we'll transfer the money between them, right? No. Uh, what they told me is both accounts are closed and you can only get the money if you prove your identity to us. I'm like, what? This has nothing to do with my identity, though. You, you don't, you're not worried who I am. You just don't like me having two accounts. Well, that's our policy to prove your identity. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll prove my identity. What do I got to do? They said, you have to send a copy of your ID and this and that, and you have to send two utility bills with the address matching your ID. I said, but my ID has a P.O. box on it, which it does. My utility bills don't match that address. And they said, well, if you don't have that, then you can't get your money. Seriously, they, they said, unless I can come up with the utility bills that match the address on my license, then I just can't get my money. And I said, well, what if I lived with a roommate and it was in his name? You're telling me I couldn't get my money? And it was like robots talking to me. I'm sorry, but our policy states you need to submit at least two utility bills. This is really the way they talked. At least you two utility bills and a identification and blah, blah, blah. Those are our policies. You need to follow these policies or send an email to support at paypal.com. And by the way, when I would send an email to the support, it would take like four weeks to get an answer, and they would just ignore everything you wrote and give you a form letter back that answered nothing. So finally, I got tired of it and just charged it back on my credit card, and I won the chargeback because they were too incompetent to respond to the chargeback in time. And that was that. So I actually stayed off PayPal a number of years after that and then came back, I don't know, maybe six years ago or so. And there was actually a class action lawsuit filed against them. 
exactly for this pra- for this practice for uh, closing accounts and making it very very difficult to get the money. And there was actually a settlement where PayPal, well, you know, they never quote admit guilt, but yeah, they they settled for a lot of money with the class for this for what they did because I, I'm sure it was intentional. I'm sure it was intentional that they made it really really hard to get your money and hid behind this identity crap that they made very very tough. And they probably figured that a good percentage of people either wouldn't be able to do it or just wouldn't hassle with it, and then they would just have be able to take what's in their account. Right, and and not only that, they didn't make their phone number public either. Now now they do, but in the past they didn't. Like back in '01, they didn't. So you, I had to put a lot of work in to even track down that number. And uh, by the way, one of the founders of PayPal, some of you may not know, is, or should I say, was Elon Musk. A lot of people don't know that, but he was one of the founders of PayPal. So I, I have a feeling I'm not going to want to drive a Tesla after this experience. Anyway, so I'm I'm off PayPal at the moment. Uh, I, I may reestablish uh, another account. If I do, I will let you know. I won't keep a lot of money in it in the future. If it gets banned again, I may have to just give up with it. I've also learned that uh, whatever I leave on there, I should leave like in careful increments to where I can refund people and get it back down to zero. That's important, too. But yeah, they piss me off. They suck. So be careful with PayPal. They they act as their own judge, jury, and, ex- and executioner. They are not your pal. Yeah, that's, right. that's a bad uh, that's a bad name, PayPal. It really is. It reminds me, there's a, an old video game called Pac-N-Pal, which Benjamin actually really likes, as I showed it to him. It's an old, like, early 80s video game that was based on Pac-Man but never released in the U.S. And it's about, like, Pac-Man going through a maze where he has to, like, go over keys, and then the keys unlock these little uh, areas of the maze where you can get in to get uh, the things you need to eat. It's not like the traditional Pac-Man where it's, like, a maze of of dots and power pills. This is just, like, keys and then items you've got to get to by opening the areas with the keys. But the pal part comes in is there's this green guy that can't kill you but runs around and steals the stuff that you unlock. So you would think he's at least somewhat of an enemy. He's definitely not your friend because he's, he's taking the stuff that you're trying to get for points. But he's considered your pal. It's called Pack and Pal. And uh, when I showed Benjamin this game, he said that the pal is not a very good friend. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to agree. That's a, kind of PayPal is the same way. So yeah, stay, watch out with PayPal. Watch out. And definitely don't trust them with much money. All right, so um, let's move on to the animosity and Jay Searle situation. This is a mess. This is such a mess. Okay, so I guess I have to start at the beginning, the very beginning, before any of this stuff started. This was from... uh, uh, about eight years ago, this viral video, one of the first viral videos, really. Or was it one of the first? Yeah, I guess it kind of was. This was Chris Crocker saying, leave Britney alone. And how fucking dare anyone out there make fun of Britney after all she's been through? She lost her aunt. She went through a divorce. 
She had two fucking kids. Her husband turned out to be a user, a cheater, and now she's going through a custody battle. All you people care about is readers and making money off of her. She's a human! What you don't realize is that Britney's making you all this money and all you do is write a bunch of crap about her. She hasn't performed on stage in years. Her song is called Give Me More for a Reason because all you people want is more, 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 more! Leave her alone! Okay, so you guys probably remember that. That was uh, Chris Crocker, a, a very uh, emotional uh, gay guy who loved Britney Spears. And I don't know if this video was... I don't know if he cried on the video on purpose. I don't know if this is all an act or if this was uh, really the way he felt and happened to record it and happened to strike upon YouTube gold. But this this was a very well-known video at the time. And uh, this may be more than eight years ago. It feels like it's like ten years ago to me. Do you know what year this was? I don't, but I do remember it, and I remember he got on a couple shows like that Tosh, Daniel Tosh show. He got on there as a guest because of it. Yeah, yeah. so he got to, he was pretty big on in. the internet at the time. So the reason I'm playing that is that in uh, 2007, I believe it was 07, uh, someone, a user on their name, Animosity, who was kind of, he was fairly well-liked on the site, no one knew much about him. In fact, no one ever seen his picture. Uh, no one had even heard his voice, as far as I remember. And he made a parody of that video about Brian Mikon. This is in the Neverwind Poker days, where a lot of the current forum members were you know, part of Neverwind Poker back in those days. He made this video about Brian Mikon, making fun of a lot of things that were happening to Mikon at the time, but pretending that he's telling everyone to leave Mikon alone. And this, this video got a lot of love at the time from this community. And how fucking dare anyone make fun of Brian Mikon after all he's been through. <laughs> he went through a divorce. He sold in WP. He got rolled for 12000 by a guy with a neck tattoo. <laughs> Just leave him alone. <laughs> So who cares if he's a losing player who tried to sell a CD on how to crush poker tournaments? And who cares if his lifetime achievement is a high score in Wii Bowling? He's a human, damn it! He has feelings, too. Why can't you just be like Michael? Sure, he's a closet homosexual, but at least he has manners. <laughs> you ungrateful, filthy, fucking degenerates. Like you all have pristine lives. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Martha? <laughs> Man Pee-wee. <laughs> so that was around 2007, and... Uh, animosity then moved on to a, another spin-off forum of Neverwind Poker called Boris. And that's that's where some of the trouble started. Uh, I think this was in uh, 2010. Uh, Animosity asked China Maniac, who's 
co-hosted this show before. In fact, he came on as a, uh, a guest co-host recently for some time. A China Maniac, who I've known for a long time, uh, he asked China Maniac in, in 2010 if he could uh, trade Full Tilt Poker money for China Maniac's Poker Stars money. So China Maniac said, well, I don't know you that well. How about you send me the money first? So China Maniac got a uh, notification from Full Tilt saying uh, uh, you're getting uh, $250. Well, unfortunately, what China Maniac didn't realize at the time was that the message on Full Tilt that such and such person sending you money doesn't mean that you've received the money. It just means they've initiated a transfer. So... If you initiate a transfer and you either blow all the money in between before it's processed or uh, China Maniac's even saying you could do this, you could transfer money even if you don't have it in your account yet, (laughs) Uh, that it'll still start the transfer and then just reject. So it was misleading to China Maniac. He got this message from Full Tilt and thought, okay, I guess that means the transfer's gone through. He sent him the PokerStars money, which was $215 to play the the Sunday Million. That's why why Animosity wanted the money over on PokerStars. To play the Sunday Million for 215, so he sent him 215. Animosity uh, presumably used the 215 and lost it, and uh, then China Maniac got that message from Full Tilt saying that the transfer there had been denied. So, of course, he went back to Animosity and said, "Hey, uh, and by, by the way, up till then, Animosity was not accused of any scams or any kind of shady business. Like no one knew that much about him, other than he was from." Uh, uh, the Kansas City, Missouri area, but other than that, he didn't have a bad rep. So China said, "Hey, you know, you your transfer got denied. Can you please resend?" Nothing. No response. Uh, so basically, he he went dark. He ran off, and China never got a hold of him again. He left Boris. He just stopped posting, which is so weird because this guy had thousands of posts between Never Win Poker and Boris. How could he possibly have uh, abandoned all that, abandoned the whole community over a $215 thing, even if he thinks he's going to get away with it? Like, is it really worth $215 to leave a, an online community you've been part of for so long and, and scam someone and be known as the scammer? It was so weird. Uh, nobody knew his real name, though, so it, it kind of died there. And China Maniac, who you know, what wasn't gonna, he didn't want to stress over two hundred fifteen bucks, so he just forgot about it. He just dropped it, just declared a loss, and said, "Okay, well, whatever. This sucks. If the guy ever shows up again, I'll hassle him about it. Otherwise, I guess I just got rolled." So that's the way it stayed for a while. Till two thousand twelve, I started this site in March of two thousand twelve, and very soon after I started this site, a new user registered named. Windsor Lockwood. Now, we had tons of new users at the time because the site just went up. So, I noticed a number of people were registering on the site who whose names I didn't recognize. That is, their screen names I did not recognize from Neverwin Poker or Donkdown. And some of them were people that just never bothered to register on those sites and decided to give this one a try. Other ones were people who wanted kind of a fresh start. Maybe they had a bad rep, not even a bad rep for like scamming, but like a bad rep for posting stupid things. They, they, they just kind of wanted a fresh start over here and provided that uh, I didn't have any knowledge that person was hiding because they were a scammer, I was fine. I didn't care if someone was disliked over on Donkdown and wanted to start a new name on Poker Fraud Alert so people didn't give them a hard time. 
and they could pretty much start fresh. I thought that was fine, as long as it didn't involve ripping people off. So I didn't know that Windsor Lockford, Windsor Lockwood was doing that. I just knew it was someone who seemed to have been around the community for a while. And it was a name I didn't recognize from before. But that described a lot of people. So I, de- I wasn't very suspicious. Well, Windsor Lockwood called into radio in 2012. And in that radio call, that very distinct voice you just heard came through. <laughs> so China Maniac recognized right away. He said, wait a minute, that's the guy who scammed me. So he called out Windsor Lockwood saying, hey, I bet your animosity. So why did you scam me of $215 and where is it? So, of course, Windsor Lockwood's reaction was to run away. (laughs) Again, it's $215. I don't understand. I don't care what money problems you're having. $215 is not that hard to come up with. But he ran away again, decided that uh, he didn't want to deal with it. And then he was gone. I forgot about him. China forgot about him. Well, that was until this week. This week, four years later, Jay Searles, who had complained that my thread about the valet parking situation was... No, my thread and, and my uh, segment here were both too long. He didn't like the attention I gave to that topic. He and his friend decided to do a parody video of the parody video. And this time the subject would be mostly me and the valet parking situation. And also just other things I've talked about uh, over the years. Now his friend is someone named Lannister. Lannister, some suspected, was just a second account of Jay Searles. But there was a real person, at the very least, behind Lannister. It was always just assumed it was like just some buddy of Jay, Jay Searles that he got to register an account and to, to uh, have a different IP than Jay Searles to just make it look like a second person's there. Like, it looked like the friend existed, but the friend didn't really care that much about this forum unless Jay Searles like, called them from backup. That was what it appeared to be. Turned out that wasn't true, because in this video, as you're going to hear, and the first voice you hear is Jay Searles, the second one is Lannister. As you're going to hear, you're going to recognize who Lannister is. And how fucking dare anyone make fun of Todd Wattellis? Now that's Jay Searles. After all he's been through, a valet drove his car 0.4 miles. Likely banging hookers and smoking weed the entire time. Just leave him alone. Look at the facts. They reclined his seat all the way back. They were listening to rap music. He would never listen to rap music. He's a human, damn it. Music shouldn't have been on there. It shouldn't have been on there. What do you think, Lannister? Here comes the big reveal. <laughs> He's a human. Why can't you all be more like Pooh? Who cares if he murdered his father for inheritance money? And who cares if he was born as Dudonk's Pockelganger with tribal tattoos? <laughs> At least he donates to free roll. <laughs> You ungrateful, filthy fucking degenerates. 
like you all have pristine lives. Free fluffer. Okay, so that was the the parody of the parody, and of course the video, the voice at the end is the same one as Animosities, Windsor Lockwood. It's the same guy. So Jay Searles, who's called this show, who's been a pretty much a troll on Poker Fraudler all this time, it turns out that he was brought to this site in the first place by Animosity. I, I never knew those two were connected. I don't think anyone did. So uh, Jay Searles, who's been criticized for welching on a bet with Vegas 1369 for $500 some years ago, turns out he's friends with a, a $215 scammer. And, and when asked about this, Lannister ran off and said, go ahead and ban my account. So he's, he's still not going to make it right. I've never seen someone go through such heroics to protect a $215 scam. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, he, he's had so many opportunities to say, sorry, I was in a bad spot then. I did some stupid things. Here's the money right now. I bet everyone forgive it, even though it, he shouldn't have done that, even though you shouldn't rip someone off and then take years and years to pay. Once you pay back, then people go, well, it's paid back now. Let's drop it. That's it's usually the reaction. But he's running off again. I don't. I just don't understand it. Especially if he actually enjoys this community or whatever. Like, if you think about it, if you just put away a dollar for every time he left, listened to a PFA radio show, then he could have easily come up with the money. That's true. We've had about 215 shows. You're correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't get this. I mean, he's always been part of this community for, uh, like, 10 years. So so why why leave himself known as a scammer? Why not just pay the 215 and come back? Why? And his pictures out there, his uh, videos out there. What's also funny is looking between the two videos, which are about uh, you know, nine years apart. The first video, he has a missing front tooth. It's very noticeable. The current video, he does not have a missing front tooth. So China Maniac theorized that perhaps uh, Animosity used the money he stole to buy a front tooth. <laughs> So obviously well, I would he, think it would take a lot more than two hundred fifteen dollars for a tooth. Yeah, that's true. Maybe he was saving up. Maybe he was just short two fifteen and needed that. That's like a two fifteen. That's like a filling. No, I know. I that's go. I know that. No, that would be a, a bargain. I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, the thing is, though, it is interesting because he had enough money for this expensive dental work, and and not to give two hundred fifteen dollars back that he stole. It's just anybody can come up with two fifteen. It's not hard to do. It's not like he owes 20000 I'm not saying if you scammed a large amount, you should get out of it because you're poor, because you have no way to make money. Like Whatever money you rip someone off, you should do your best to pay it. I've never accepted the excuse people use that, oh, I just, I'm broke right now, I can't pay. Uh, or uh, I have to wait till I'm back on my feet, then I'll start paying you. That's a bunch of BS, and you should never accept that from people. If somebody owes you money, especially if they owe you money when you were promised it much sooner. Like, let's say someone borrows uh, $1,000 from you today and promises that a week from today you'll have it all back. So you loan it to them based upon that promise. A week comes and they say, oh, man, sorry, I, I can't. Just give me another week. And then they keep dragging and dragging and dragging. Well, now years pass by. They haven't paid you back the 1000 And you give them a hard time and say, hey, you said you're going to give it to me in a week, and it's been a year. I haven't gotten a penny yet. 
And they go, come on, man, you have a lot more money than me. Come on, I'm barely paying rent here. I'm barely eating. I'm, I'm, I'm barely getting by. You, you don't need this thousand right now. Can you just wait till I'm financially okay, and then I'll start paying you? And then you start feeling like an asshole to have asked for it. You kind of almost feel guilty. No, I hate that response. Whenever people say you don't need the money, it's not their position to judge whether or not you need it or not. That doesn't change the fact that they owe it or how fast they should pay it back. Right, right. I don't think. Right. And another thing is that anybody can afford to make some kind of payment. And you know what? There's a lot of things in your life you can cut out to start making payments to people. Um, you know, stop having uh, coffee at Starbucks every morning. Uh, stop going to... to to the movie theater on Friday nights. Uh, stop eating out as often. Uh, there's a lot of things. You know, if if someone really cannot afford to pay back because every single penny is going toward their rent in a very basic place and, and very very cheap basic food, well, okay. I mean, still crappy, but at least uh, you can say, well, where are they going to get the money? But any kind of expenditures above the very, very minimum shouldn't be occurring when you owe people money, especially money that you promised they'd have a long time ago, that they gave you out of the goodness of their heart to loan you. So um, you should make it number one priority to pay back. And I don't care how little money you have. I don't care if you're making a minimum wage. If you're making minimum wage, say, okay, I'm going to set 10% of my paycheck aside to send this guy who I owe the money to. And believe me, anyone who's owed money is thrilled to get the money paid back to them in pieces. No one's going to say, no, you either pay me back in full or nothing. Like, if you owe someone $1,000 and you send them $50 every week, they'll have rather you paid them the whole 1000 like you promised, but that's way better to them than if you give them zero. Way better. Because it shows you're making an effort, it shows that you care, it shows that you're not trying to stiff them. So it's never an excuse to say, I just can't afford it right now. You can always afford something. You can always afford to send some nominal amount, $50 a week, something like that. So I I always reject that argument of, oh, I'll pay you when I have the money to be able to pay you. So with animosity, I don't get it. I mean, it's $215. He's he's dragged this on for, what, like six years? (laughs) Six years. That's that's what, like uh, 2,000 days? So He really could have put 10 cents a day into this and he would have had it paid off by now. 10 cents a day. That's, that's how outrageous this is. So, you know, I, I hate to talk about things like this, of scammers on my own forum, but that's the way it goes when you run a forum. People have criticized before like oh it's funny poker fraud alert has some scammers on there well look at two plus two they've had a lot of scammers they've had big scams go on there i blame mason malmuth for a lot of things but not the scammers he you can't control as a forum owner who registers there you can't watch every behavior that they engage in on and off the forum so it sucks but uh that's the way it goes and uh, some people have asked, okay, what are you going to do about banning him? I, I will ban him, but uh, I, I want to wait for to see how this ends and finishes playing out. There's no, there's no value to banning him right now while it's still all happening. 
It's not like he's going to scam anyone right now because uh, no one's going to send him a dime. So we will see. We will see. Particularly with the chat room saying. You know who I haven't heard heard from in a while, even though he posts occasionally. He's Bad Guy Twenty Three. He's kind of just vanished from radio, and I don't know why. Did he post in the radio thread tonight? I thought I. Yeah, saw he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. You see, Jay Searles is here. He says uh, Druff's going to ban him and not let him explain his side. I keep asking. Call up. Him. Tell him to call up tonight. Yeah, have him call up. That's a good. That's a good point. I wish I saved the guy's phone number. He's you know, when he's called the radio in the past. I've seen his number, but I, I don't save anyone's number. Like, it's the truth. Well, if there's one thing your audience should know, it's that you always give everyone a chance to explain their side. So it's not that you're censoring them. They're just afraid to call up. Yep. I mean, I I keep asking him on the forum to explain it, and he won't. Jay Searles is saying I'm not letting him. I mean, he's not banned yet. Have him him come on right now while I'm doing the show and explain it, either on this show or he can do it on the forum, and I'll read it on the show. He can do it right now as I'm speaking. He's not banned. He's saying I censored him on the forum. I didn't censor. I didn't delete anything. I did not delete anything he posted that didn't go through. wasn't my doing. Maybe the, the site hiccuped or something. I, I don't know what's going on. But uh, whatever he thinks I deleted, he can repost. So. I don't know what he's talking about with me censoring things. He says, if Druff simply admitted he was falsifying information, that would have explained it all. I'm not falsifying anything. I don't know what the guy's talking about. But I, I'd love to hear. I want to hear what happened with the China Maniac thing, why he's owed him for six years, hasn't paid a dime, and why he runs off every time that's brought up. Sounds pretty cut and dry to me. All right. Uh, Trader Risky, hello. What's happening, Jeff? Now, why isn't Jay Searles, if he knows this guy... Taking some heat for this. Well, he is. He's taking heat. You know, <laughs> yeah, he I mean, is. I, you know, I think if he's known him the whole time, he should be involved in helping the money get back, or he should be banned too. Yeah, he's. It's a, he's being obnoxious. Like he thinks he's being funny with with kind of trolling in relation to this, and it's just getting everyone angry. So, I mean, it's not a funny matter. It's not a joke when this stuff happens. I know this is six years ago from a different site, but. It, it's all associated here, and uh, it's not a joke to show up and rub it in someone's face that you rip them off. Like it's just not. No, funny. I mean it's all about integrity, and yeah. you know you should. I mean, you know, and it, it really it should be on the person. It should be on the the person that owes the money should be going out of their way to get the person the money. Yeah, they shouldn't have to chase. They shouldn't have to ask. They shouldn't have to do anything. Uh, you know what? Uh, Jay Searles is saying in chat that it's uh, it. it it's not cut and dry. I've just made up my mind already. The scammers love to say this crap. They they love to say, oh, it's complicated. You don't understand. There's so many other factors that haven't come out. That's a way to try to distract people. This one's very yeah. simple. It's very, very simple. Either China Maniac received the 215 and doesn't realize it, in which case uh, they haven't said that's the case. But if they claim that's the case, they should show proof that's the truth. 
or he didn't receive the 215, in which case he got ripped off. Uh, animosity. You know he didn't receive it. He they would have said it. They oh, would have course. brought it up. Of if course, he actually received. Of it. course. So so there's no there's no middle ground. There's no complicating factor here, and you can't even say that animosity forgot about it because every time it's brought up, instead of saying, "Hey, let me make this right," he runs off. There's an easy way to make this right. You go down to Seven Eleven. You say, uh, so you walk in there, and uh, you go to the clerk and he says, uh, "Hello, my friend. How can I help you?" Uh, yes, I'd like to buy a, a two hundred fifteen dollar money order. Okay, hang on, dude. I I will uh, I will make this for you. Can you please pay me first? Oh, um, can, can you take uh, can you take full tilt money? Huh? <laughs> I I do not know what that is, my friend. You need to be giving me cash, or I cannot be doing this this money order for you. So that that's all he's got to do. He's got to just get a money order and then say to China, "Where can I send it?" That, that's what you yeah, do. Yeah, you pay him fifty bucks four <laughs> times or whatever. Yeah, it's so stupid. There's, there's 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 no middle ground. There's no complication to this story. It's it's so straightforward. I hate that. I, I hate when people try to say, "Oh, it's complicated. You don't know the whole thing." Look, whatever's missing here, come out and say. If you don't say it, then there is no complication. You're just trying to create a distraction. That's what's going on here. No, for sure. When you make a bet, you know, even what you know with Brandon when I lost the hamburger bet to him. You know, I, I took him out to dinner because I wanted to, uh, you know, I don't like owing people money and it's important to get that off. And I think people will find too, if people make an effort, just like with Ken Scaler, you know, he pays you, he pays you slow, whatever, but he makes the effort so he knows he can always go to you because he's in the spot and you appreciate that. So I think people will find too, if they make an effort to do it, that they'll, you know, that is probably then they create create a relationship with the person that that they'll, um, you know, have somebody to go to. Yeah. All right. Well. <clears throat> oh, and now hold on, just to just steam to steam uh, Jay Searles a little bit. Back to the valet parking that you didn't <laughs> mention about the valet parking. The thing that pisses me off about the valet parking, you know, here in L.A., I don't know how it is in other places. I mean, I think it's so fucking outrageous that these valet parkers, when they valet park, they take up spots, you know, metered spots around the places to to park cars. Oh, really? Hmm. You know, and I mean, I think that is, you know, taxpayers pay for the money. That's it, true. It, you know, and it's ridiculous. That's true. They, they clog up all the rest. They clog up all the places, and it's fucking a joke. And it's, you know that the city doesn't do anything about it. That, that's true. You know, I never thought of that, but that shouldn't be allowed because uh, they're making a profit parking cars in public spaces, either public spaces, anywhere the parking's at a premium. If it's a place where there's just tons of street parking and they just uh, give people, you know, people give them cars just to park uh, because they don't feel like parking, fine. But uh, if it's a place where parking's at a premium, like it is in many places in L.A., uh, pl- valet places that park for profit shouldn't be able to use. They should either have their own lot or not do it. Right. They sell, they're basically selling things that we're paying taxes for. Yeah. They're selling the spots. It's ridiculous. Yeah, anyway. now that's not, that was not being done at the parking spot. They do have their own lot, but... Uh, yeah, I, but no, I, use the one I told you about. That's yeah, the best. I, yeah, I might. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's get to the next topic here. Okay, I'm, sure I'm going to stay on Skype. I don't want to... 
I don't want to take any of uh, Northern California's guys' time, okay, but okay. it works a lot better in Skype. So, you know, yeah, yeah. talk to me if you need me. But okay. No, feel you. free. Chime in. There's plenty to go around, buddy. <laughs> okay, cool. Just, just, right, don't make, just don't make any tea. Then we won't hear from you again. Got it. Okay. I, know, I bought some coffee tonight from Starbucks, so I'm good. All right. So let me uh, read some texts, and then we'll go to the topic of the Global Poker League for those who want to hear – a, t- a poker topic that doesn't have to do with a forum because uh, I've talked about PayPal and I've talked about uh, a scammer on this forum. But for someone just listening for general poker stuff, they're probably bored by now. So we will get to the Global Poker League shortly. Here's here's what uh, from the 410. Uh, I don't miss bad guy. He's back in jail. I, I don't think he is because he posted today. Unless they allow you ha- have uh, internet access in jail. From the five okay. one, from the five and, one. And, oh, by the way, I'm I'm, I'm going to kick in for any collect calls. Okay. If he wants to do it. So okay. So if, so right. So you I, can that's good. It, I'll, oh wow. I'll, I'll pay for it. I, so I can accept collect calls here from bad guy from prison if that's where he is. And uh, uh, Trader Ruski said he will pay for it. That's very nice. Very generous. Uh, this, this is from five one two. I shouldn't even read this, but this is from five one two. When I was talking about pathological customers, and then played uh, Hava Nagila to imply that. Uh, Jewish people, and I, I wasn't. Yeah, you guys know I'm Jewish, so I can say things like this. But uh, uh, the five one two said, so I guess Hitler killed a lot of pathological customers. That's awful. Come on. From the six five zero, new listener here just found the show. Want to say keep up the good work. I have to listen to the archive because I can't listen live. Have to get up at five for work. Sad face. He actually typed out sad face. That's that's also Northern California. That's the like Palo Alto area. And uh, the, the 512 guy with a Jewish joke said, sorry. But, uh, yeah, getting up at five for work sucks. And uh, I, I bet the worst part of it is that you can't stay up very late, even on the weekends, because then your sleep schedule will get all messed up, and you probably get tired early on weekend nights. But you know, any night you try to stay up even moderately late, you're like, oh, my God, I get up at five. I'm going to be so tired. So, like, if you stay up till 11, that's not unreasonable, of course, even for working people. But you're only going to get six hours of sleep. And you can do that a few times. But if you go through the entire five-day week with six hours of sleep, you're probably going to be too tired. Some people can do it, but a lot of people can't. Uh, When I worked, I I did the thing I called the sleep deficit. I would actually stay up till about 2 in the morning, or sometimes even later. And I would get about four to four and a half hours of sleep every night. And by Friday, I was exhausted when I'd be waking up. Friday was like the worst day because I'd have five days of this and I'd just be so tired. But uh, the thing is, I can't go regularly with four and a half hours of sleep. So what I, what I would have done there, what I did, I would have done, what I did was I built up a sleep deficit where my body needed more sleep to make up for the sleep that I didn't get. Some people say that's not possible. It is possible. I, I know for sure because I've done it. Uh, so... Basically, Friday night, my problem would be that uh, I'd get to Friday night and I, I wouldn't be able to stay up past midnight. It was like Cinderella. I couldn't stay up past midnight. And uh, if I tried, I would get exhausted wherever I was. So I would try a few times and I'd like almost feel like I can't drive home because I'm too tired. So uh, I would go to sleep by midnight and then I would sleep like 14 hours on Friday night to make up for it. And then that wouldn't be enough. Then I'd have to sleep like 10 hours on Saturday night to make up for it. Then after that, I would make up for it. And, and by the time... Uh, Sunday would come around, I'd feel pretty awake, and then I wouldn't need that much sleep on Sunday night because I will have caught up. But I found my weekends passed by really, really fast, 
And it wasn't just the psychological effect of enjoying the weekend more than the weekdays. It was because I was literally sleeping away half the weekend. I was sleeping 24 hours per weekend and uh, to catch up what I would lose on the weekdays. And the reason I did this was just I, I just didn't like the feeling that I'd get home from work I'd be home a few hours and go to sleep. It just to, to me, it just sucked. I, I wanted to feel like I still had a day. I wanted to feel like I still had a lot of time to myself after work. And the only way I could do that would be stay up late. So I was I was really borrowing from the weekends and giving to the weekdays. So that that's something I don't miss, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, but I I can understand the uh, not liking to wake up early. All right, let's go to the Global Poker League, which. Predictably is kind of a mess So I've talked about the Global Poker League before And some of you who might be new to this broadcast Or have not heard every episode And haven't followed what the Global Poker League is May say, what is it? And I could just ignore that question And go on and go on to the different problems they had this week And you'll just kind of be lost in this segment But Rather than do that, and rather than waste everyone's time with a long, boring, and drawn-out explanation as to what it is, I will let someone else explain it for me. Six in the Eurasian well, Conference. Try it again. Here we go. Consists of twelve worldwide. What the hell? The Global Poker League consists of twelve worldwide teams. Six in the Eurasian Conference six in the American Conference. Each team has a total of six players, and the manager of that team may choose whoever they like to play at any time, provided each player on their team plays a minimum of six matches across the season. The GPL starts the regular season with eight weeks of online arena action, which consists of six max and heads-up matches. Every Tuesday, all six teams from each conference will face off in two six max sit-and-goes. Okay, they're not doing a very good job explaining this. It's like 35 seconds in, and I'm already really confused. I I even know the Global, Global Poker League, and even I'm confused with what's going on. Do, do you guys understand this this explanation? Not really. I don't even know which online site they would be playing on. <laughs> it's their own site, but yeah, it, oh. this, this is a crappy video. Let's go on, though. One team in each conference will play as the home team, while the other five are away. Home team managers have the ability to pick their players once they have seen the lineup of the away teams. Points will be awarded to all teams competing, except for the sixth-place finisher per match. Now, now, this is where they can explain it better. Like, instead of saying... One team gets to be home while the other five are away. And um, like instead of ex- just going on from there about picking players, why not explain what a home team means? I, I don't think these teams are, are traveling to the location where they're based. I don't think the Los Angeles Sunset's going off to play to Brazil to play the Sao Paulo Mets. So why not explain where they're actually physically playing? First will get seven points, second five points, third three points, fourth two points, and fifth will get one point. Every Wednesday, each of the six Eurasian conference teams will battle in three heads-up games against an opponent from another Eurasian conference team. And every Thursday, each American conference team will do the same. For heads-up, one team from each matchup will play at home, while the other away. This is so confusing. I wonder if there's anyone in the world who understands all this except for, like, the creators. 
All three games will be played with three points awarded per game won and zero points awarded per game lost, with a total of nine points available. After the eight weeks of online arena, live heads-up play will be introduced in the Global Poker League Summer Series in Las Vegas. Okay, so they're playing online here. That's, that's all the stuff they're talking about was taking place online and. They were being confusing about the home and away. No one's really home or away. They're just uh, giving the, quote, home team special privileges. So then I guess in the summer, they're going to actually play live in Las Vegas. Teams from GPL's two conferences will face off against each other in cross-conference heads-up play in six heats across five weeks of daily action. Just as in the online arena, during studio heads-up play, they will duel for three games with nine possible points available per match. After the summer series, the GPL regular season continues with six more weeks of online arena action, after which the two teams at the bottom of each conference will be eliminated and the remaining eight will advance to the playoffs. The playoffs will see the much-awaited introduction of the Cube, the ultimate poker arena. A, t- <laughs> a cube, so they're showing a picture... This is, they're actually showing a picture of a cube. It looks like they're trapped like in a giant ice block. I'm not even kidding. They, they show this like circular stage surrounded by mass crowds of people, almost like a giant concert. And there's a cube which looks like they're trapped in a giant ice block, which, which strangely, it looks like they just stole footage from the World Series of Poker because I see something about like Pocket Queen's new house all in, which is from the World Series main event of uh, 2014. So poor, poor Newhouse has his name dragged into this, even though he's not even part of this. Two-day event hosted from an epic venue in North America at epic the end venue. of September. We'll see eight teams reduced down to four in a completely revolutionary 3v3 format. Finally, the first season of the Global Poker League will conclude its play with the live finals. Played from the Cube at the SSE Arena Wembley in London, where the champions of each conference will be determined on day one. I don't know if I believe this is all going to really happen. I don't know if I believe this is all going to really happen. I, it's it's going to be in the SSE Arena in Wembley. It's going to be uh, in some live venue in the U.S. <laughs> I don't know if I believe it. I think it may fall. I'm sure their intention is to do that. Yeah. But, you know, they're going to have a complete cluster as as the season goes on and everything else. And it's, you know, it's, it's the, it's the anti do thing all over again. Yeah. It's like the Epic Poker League plan to have that million dollar free roll. But yeah. It's folded. I, I, I just hate when something new like this is already saying you're going to be playing in the SSE Arena in Wembley. It just, it just seems like they're thinking really big. They're just thinking kind of too big here. Do they not realize the poker boom is long gone and it's probably not coming back? Yeah, do they realize like no one's going to go see this? Like in the SSE yeah. arena, they're going to have like 20 people watching this. And finally, on the grand final on day two, where the America's conference winner will face off against Eurasia's best to determine who will be crowned the Global Poker League champions. Okay, the SSE Arena in Wembley in England, it's in London, it has a capacity of 12,500. Now, I I can't even imagine they're going to get even 5% of that in the audience. 
unless they pay people. 0.5% I'll go with. <laughs> How embarrassing would that be if it's like they have it in a 12,500 capacity arena? Which is, if, if you are not in the UK, you think about like just a typical NBA arena like that. So, so think of a typical arena where your favorite NBA team plays. And there's like 50 people there. Like how embarrassing will that be? So, so anyway, that's uh, that's the grandiose plans for the Epic Poker League. They have some association with Poker News. That's why Poker News hypes this so much. Because uh, in this video I just played you, there was a Poker News logo in the background. But anyway, let's let's get to the story. Of what's going on with the Epic Poker League? Not the Epic. It might as well be the Epic Poker League, the Global Poker League. The it just started. They just got going with the online version of it, the beginning. And uh, so, so here's some of the problems. First of all, they said that it would be broadcast on the uh, supposed poker network Poker Central, which that's kind of a fail in itself. Um. Do you have Poker Central on uh, on your cable or satellite system, either of you? No clue. I mean, I have DirecTV. No, so I can answer you already. The yeah, answer I've is... had DirecTV, and I haven't seen it on my guide. The, the answer is no. You don't have it. I don't have it. I don't think anybody listening to this show has it. I think there's like one small cable company in, in Ohio. I'm not even kidding. I'm not making this well, up. The, Bu- the Buckeye Network, right? Yeah, the Buckeye Network or something is, is carrying it on channel 648 or something. But other than that, it's not on real TV. So that, that that's the first problem is a Poker Central. The, the 24-7 poker channel is uh, already a failure itself. But putting that aside, they said they're going to be carrying this on Poker Central. Well, on day one, Poker Central, this is on April 5th, conceded that uh, they're not going to be broadcasting any of the matches due to technical difficulties. (laughs) They tweeted on uh, at Poker Central Twitter, due to technical difficulties, we will not be able to broadcast any of the GPL matches today. We apologize for the inconvenience. I mean, this, this is not hard to do. If I so want just, just for today or for the whole series, uh, just for that day. Okay. But but how hard is this? Like uh, DJ Chaps puts on uh, videos of himself uh, playing music. He does it fine. How can DJ Chaps broadcast to the entire internet and, and the global poker league and Poker Central cannot? How hard is it to live stream something in two thousand? Well, he's got his right. sister well, helping him out. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, with that, they probably just don't want to pay the extra AV fees that they're going to get charged by the venue, probably. Well, I don't know, because they wrote on Poker Central first before they, they tweeted that. They said, uh, the, our live stream of the GPL is down right now. So I really think it was it was difficulty. So anyway, day two, they, they sorted out whatever the difficulties were. And indeed, uh, they were broadcasting the GPL on Poker Central. It was on Apple TV, Xbox, Roku, quote, etc., according to GPL founder Alex Dreyfus, who I always thought was kind of a, a, snake oil, a snake oil salesman type. So it was going, and the way it worked is you would be looking at their own 
little custom poker site, and you would see video streams of uh, of, of each of the uh, each of the players that that are in this the little squares at the bottom. So the uh, then they were having uh, technical difficulties with scoring it that uh, with the points that were being won. They were not being attributed to the right teams. <laughs> Again, it's very, I know it's very difficult to do simple mathematics, but uh, for some reason they, they couldn't add points properly. So th- this would be like watching uh, the Dodgers play the Giants and, and Buster Posey of the Giants hits a three-run homer, and, and the, uh, on TV it adds three points to the Dodgers. And then they don't fix it. It just stays that way. It just says three nothing Dodgers, even though you know the Giants just hit a three three run homer, and the Dodgers have nothing yet. You just they just leave it up there that way. That, that's like the equivalent was happen, happening here with the Global Poker League. The, uh, this happened, for example, with the L.A. Sunset Maria host team versus the Sao Paulo Mets. Uh, then Daniel Cates, Jungle Man, he's on the Berlin Bears. He was playing Tony Gregg from the San Francisco Rush. And he called off his entire stack with Jack 8 suited pre-flop. <laughs> and uh, people are going, "What? <laughs> what is this? I thought I thought Jungle Man was good." Can you think of many players who when they, when they have a very large a pretty large stack I'm not talking like super short stack here. He, he's got a, a, a pretty large stack. He gets Jack Eight suited, and uh, he he calls it off. Pot Ripper would do it. <laughs> so, yeah. So people were like, "What the hell? What's wrong with you, Jungle Man?" So this is what Jungle Man tweeted again on on April fifth. He said, "Misread my hand in GPL. Thought I had Ace Nine suited somehow." Not Jack-8 suited. Now, that, that's a pretty big mistake to make. How does Ace-9 look like Jack-8? Uh, I was playing cash on the side, pretty tilting, even though it's not for money. <laughs> so so uh, at least Jungle Man, I've criticized him before, but at least he's smart enough not to take this crap seriously. He's, he's playing some cash game on the side, and, uh, and either he was just punting off his stack because he was sick of it, or, uh, or he, quote, misread his hand. He was paying such little attention... That he he mistook ace nine for jack eight, or I, I think he was probably just punting off his stack because he didn't give a crap. So that shows you how much people really care about this. They're they're getting some kind of like hourly fee to be part of this. So I, I can see how a high stakes player like Jungle Man. I don't know why he got involved in the first place if this is his attitude, but I I, I think he probably was playing a high stakes match and was like, oh my god, I don't feel like doing this. This is like the worst. Like a, I kind of had an example with this, not with myself, but. Uh, you know, this year there's that World Series of Poker tag team event. They had a, a kind of a similar event, but it wasn't tag team. It was like a team World Series of Poker event without a bracelet. In uh, I think it was an 08 or something, 08, 09, something like that. Well, we had uh, Reggie Man on our team, and Reggie Man was in the main event, and the main event was kind of conflicting with this thing. Well, Reggie Man, who did cash in that main event, he had just busted for the main fairly deep in it. And cashed. So then he had to go to this $500 buy-in team event. And, of course, he's not going to care about it at that point. 
he spent all these days playing the main event with hopes of winning, you know, many millions of dollars and it didn't quite get there, cashed for five figures. You think at that point he's going to give a crap about uh, this, this $500 team event? No, and, and his play showed it. So maybe this is what was happening with Jungle Man, that he's playing a, a cash game, and then it's, it's time for him to play this online match. He's like, oh, my God, this is the last thing I feel like doing. So he punted off his stack. So that, that, that's the problem with these online tournaments. You, you never know what the person's really doing in the background. You don't know if they, uh, they've got something else going on. So... That shows how little he thought of the Global Poker League. Um, then the manager of the Montreal Nationals, Marc-Andre Ladocure, uh he tweeted a picture of himself watching the GPL on an iPad. So that's not bad. Like That shows he has interest in it. That shows he's uh, following what's going on. Only problem... The picture he posted was him watching on an iPad while he was driving. (laughs) Whoops. So that got a lot of backlash of people telling him that uh, he's going to kill someone, that uh, he should be watching the road, not this stupid tournament. So he then went and removed the tweet as if it never happened. So... All these things occurred, and uh, another thing happened. This is really weird. Let me get to it. Um, you guys may have heard before of the ocean when you're playing poker. There's a uh, the flop, the turn, the river, and then if, if you're playing some variant of poker which uh, isn't like Hold'em or Omaha or any other of these flop games where uh, they add an extra card at the end. Just uh, I, I don't even know what games currently have that, but the one if you do have a form of that just for fun, it's called the Ocean, the last card. Well, apparently the Global Poker League has an ocean. Uh, this is courtesy of Professional Rakeback when they, uh, they, they tweeted this to me. This was in the heads-up match with Martin Jacobson versus Anton... Uh, uh, Wig something, I can't even read it. Wig, it's just Anton Wig. Anyway, they were playing heads up, and uh, Martin Jacobson had Queen Eight of Diamonds, Anton Wig had A Seven of Diamonds, and they got it in, and the board read Five of Diamonds, Four of Diamonds, King of Hearts, Seven of Clubs, Two of Diamonds, is that it? Nope. Also the seven of spades. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The, the software they're using for the online match displayed an extra card. <laughs> There's a picture of it. If you go to uh, Professional Rakeback's Twitter, which is P-R-O-F-R-B-Com, P-R-O-F-R-B-Com, uh, you'll see a picture of it. So twitter.com slash profrbcom, you'll see a picture of, of the uh, software that they're using for the Global Poker League displaying six community cards. Cool. Very good. So that's what's happening with the Global Poker League. I still think it's going to be a failure. I still think that Poker News is just hyping it because they probably have an investment in it or they've been paid to hype it. And I, I think in reality, no one really cares. Except maybe China Maniac. He seems to like it. <laughs> I know I don't care. 
Yeah, it'll just be more TV content for poker, but I mean the whole league idea is just just ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's a it's not a team sport. Poker's never been a team sport. It's no, not a no, team sport. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, nobody gives a shit. Nobody wants to root for a poker team. They, if anyone wants to be a fan of poker or root for for something in poker, they root for individual players they they know and 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 watch on TV. You know, maybe you root for Phil Hellmuth or Daniel Negreanu or someone like that. You know, you're not you're not going to root for a team. It, it's just never going to be a team sport. It's just weird to have a team format with it. If you want to have like a gimmick tournament with a team format, fine. That can be an interesting change once in a while. But to have a whole league around it, it's just weird. So, all right. Mark my words, it will be a failure. It will not last. They, it'll last as long as the money keeps coming in from stupid investors. They, they always get dumb investors to throw money at things like this. And, and Alex Dreyfus is, is very much a snake oil salesman, and he's good at uh, BSing people into thinking that he knows what he's doing. So, Yeah, but that shows we should you know raise money for poker fraud alert. Yeah, that's, that's what I – like they're I, giving money to that. I mean, exactly. That's, that's what I always – like I have to admit, sometimes I take a pessimistic uh, view – of, of ever raising any money for this site, thinking, uh, you know, unless I, I'm thinking, okay, unless I come up with some sort of uh, amazing idea that's that's got a high chance of making money, no one's going to want to invest or contribute anything. And in fact, I even would feel guilty accepting money from someone for something that I think doesn't have a high chance to work. But boy, if, like this really just shows if you really want to, you can. You can you can always find suckers who are willing to invest money in these dumb things as long as you can. Package it as something innovative or something that's going to be huge. And we talked about on this show last week, uh, guys that were giving money to that Mark Giorgantis scammer who was claiming that he needs money to bankroll his casino play where he wins every single time. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's outrageous. No, I've, I've been given it. I've been given it some thought. I mean, I, I think even the. I think even hats, T-shirts, and uh, other stuff alone, we could raise some money. Yeah, we, we probably could. You know, I've, I've given away the... We don't have any t-shirts, uh, but... Um, I, I've i given away hats before, and I know uh, Trader Ruski assisted in uh, helping me find the person to produce them, and I appreciate that. But... Uh, I, yeah, and I'm going to send some samples, because I think we should start... Uh... Kicking that into gear now. Maybe we should. Maybe we should make a second. You know, maybe we should. Maybe we should make a second round of hats because they were popular the first time. And uh, I. Yeah. People will pay for it. You know, I don't think people will probably pay for it. But I'm not sure if I want to. I'm just not sure if I want to do it because I like like just giving them away for people being loyal to the site. It it cost me some, you know, several hundred dollars, but I said, okay, that's that's fine. I'll just. uh, I'll just do it for yeah, but maybe there's some other things too, and it might even be good to put out a little survey, see what people want. We could maybe do some card holders or I don't know something. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll think about what to do here. Oh, by the way, I just got a text here. It's got a, a text from Brandon regarding his status on tonight's show, and I think this text is worthy. Of this, if it'll ever load. Okay, here's here's an update. Here's an update from Brandon. Nine twenty p.m. It came in uh, 
35 minutes ago. I just noticed it now. Just waking up, got a massive migraine. If I can, if I can shake it, I will be on. This is one of those twice-a-year headaches. Do you have a host? I presume he means a co-host, not a, a casino host. Um, I, I don't have a casino host. They all drop me like a hot potato. They really do. But uh, as, a, as far as a co-host, I have two. As is uh, Brandon, I, I don't know if he's listening. If he's listening, he knows. He may not be able to listen because of his headache. So, so yes, I hope you get better. So we may not have Brandon tonight. I, I know how these feel. I don't get migraines really, which is fortunate. But I, I get tension headaches, which are not as severe as migraine. It's 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 uncommon that a tension headache will be terrible. Uh, occasionally they do, but. Uh, a whole year can pass where I won't have an absolutely terrible headache. That's the, that's the good side. The bad side is I get a whole lot of these. I probably get 200 to 250 uh, tension headaches a year. So much that I'm just used to them being part of my life. Well, if that weed-themed casino is open, Brandon could go down there and get cured right quick. That's true. That's, that's, it's better hurry up and open. Maybe if it was open, we could have uh, had him on the show tonight. Yeah, I I get uh, tension headaches, especially in the summer and winter. That's when I really get them. I get them almost every day in the summer and winter. In the fall and spring, they ease up some, and I, I still get them like you know, two to three times a week. But that's uh, I do have some days where I don't get them. But I I get them so much that like every day of the World Series, which of course is in the summer, I do not play a single day at the World Series without to Excedrin pills uh, somewhere on me, either in my pocket or in my backpack or whatever. I always have to have them because I know these, these come on so easily. So that's... Uh, as I, I know what it's like to deal with headaches, and uh, I almost had a headache uh, perhaps ruin what would be my relationship today and, uh, of course, would have prevented this uh, my son from being born. Because when uh, Benjamin's mom was going to come out and see me here in Vegas for the first time in uh, over 16 years, I hadn't seen her. Uh, that week leading up to it, I was getting some unusually bad tension headaches. And I was concerned that uh, they were going to continue. And I was concerned that I was gonna, it was going to be hard for me to uh, ha- have a good time with her and, and, and have her enjoy herself with me if I have a horrible headache. And uh, uh, I asked her, so it, it turned out that weekend it wasn't bad. I had one that came on, but I took pills and it went away. But it wasn't as bad as earlier in the week. But I, I asked her after that, after the relationship had been going for a while, I said, you know, what if those headaches that I had earlier in the week, if they were there during the uh, the weekend, and, and I was really, like, uh, incapacitated by them and could really do, not do much, uh, what would have happened? And she said, oh, then it probably wouldn't have worked out and I wouldn't have seen you again. <laughs> so, so, so uh, yeah, you have to get off to a good start with these things. So I'm, I'm glad the headaches uh, went away that weekend. But I, I don't usually get like really terrible ones. That's why you you, re- you don't hear me saying I can't do the show because of a headache, even though I, I get them like two thirds of the year. When I do have them, I just take the pills and uh, do the show. Excedrin takes care of them about 95% or more of the time. 
But for that other small percentage that doesn't, that's when I break out the Vicodin, which fortunately I only have to use once in a while, so I don't have a problem with worrying about getting addicted to it. So that's, that's always something I, I get concerned with when I take Vicodin. I don't want to ever overdo it. All right, so let's see here. The Panama Papers, let's talk a bit about that. That's a, a growing story in the news. Let me get to my uh, information about that. Who's breathing? There's someone breathing here. My bad. Okay. But I was on mute. No one's allowed to breathe during this show. Let's get to the Panama Papers information. So the Panama Papers story broke uh, about a week ago. And basically... A Panama law firm was helping uh, a lot of shady people hide money, launder money, set up uh, shady businesses where they'd incorporate over there. And most of their database, including all the client data, was sent to a journalist group, which has now been analyzing it for a while. Uh, A lot of the Accounts belong to corrupt government officials. A big situation out in Iceland with that, and uh, even in China and Russia, this is uh, a lot of people connected to the government in those places. Strangely enough, very few Americans have been outed as being part of all that. And it's theorized that for whatever reason, this company just wasn't very popular with Americans that they used other similar companies. This, this wasn't the only company that dis, did this sort of thing, so it just seems like for whatever reason, uh, Americans just didn't gravitate towards this one. Well, because you probably do Delaware or uh, Vegas for the same type of thing, right? Well, no, but this is... But that's... Uh, yeah, you can you can set up corporations easily in, in Nevada, for, but uh, th- this goes beyond that. This is for really, like, really, really shady things. Extra shady, Got yeah. It. Extra shady, you know, evading taxes, you know, hiding money, laundering money, uh, running businesses that you don't want regulated in any way, or money that can't be touched or seized. There's a lot of uh, hiding money that you don't want anyone to know you have. A lot of different things that uh, these are used for. Basically, if you let's say you received a whole lot of money that you shouldn't have gotten, you stolen in some way, or received uh, from sort of illegal enterprise, okay. You can't just go deposit in the bank. So um, what you would do is you would take this money to this law firm in Panama and have them set up a company for you. And and uh, this would be the way you would, you would launder this money and, and hide this money. And then just uh, one day you just kind of show up with a company and, and it, it, it seems a lot more on the level than if you just uh, have... Uh, you know, drop a pile of money that you illegally received into a bank. That, that would never work. So, um, with the Panama Papers, there's now some connection to the online gambling world. And that's, that's why I'm talking about it here. And it has to do with uh, two different uh, entities in online gambling. One of them is the founder of Playtech, which is a very, very large online gambling company, uh, a, by the name of uh, Teddy Sagi, S-A-G-I is his last name. By the way, this company in Panama, 
the uh, this legal firm in Panama that specialized in all this stuff. The name of it is Mossack Fonseca. Mossack Fonseca is the name of them. So one of their clients that was identified in the Panama Papers was uh, Teddy Segui of the uh, Playtech. He is an Israeli national who now lives in London. He's been tied to at least 16 different companies that Mossack Fonseca created over the course of several years. So uh, that's what they will do for you, Mossack Fonseca. You've got a lot of money you want to launder or hide. They create these companies for you. And don't ask questions. Um, the statement now, Sagi responded to these accusations, saying, you know, "How are you part of the Panama Papers? What were you doing? Where were you hiding?" He's a billionaire, by the way. This guy did really well. Uh, so he gave a statement to an Israeli-based media outlet called Haaretz, and uh, Teddy Sagi told Haaretz that he did not establish the companies. He only purchased them. Well, there's a problem with that statement. That's exactly what Mossack Fonseca does. You send the money, and they, quote, purchase companies for you, and that's how they start laundering your money. So that, that really says nothing. That, that's one of the uh, services they provide. That's exactly what they do. Uh, it, it also turned out, uh, since... This whole story about Sagi came out. It turned out that they dragged out old skeletons out of his closet and found that 20 years ago he was sentenced to nine months in prison after pleading guilty to charges of bribery, securities fraud, and aggravated fraud in connection with the scheme. So uh, that's Teddy Sagi of of Playtech, which is they, they identify themselves as a gambling software and services company. And uh, you've, you've probably seen a lot of online casinos and stuff being referred to as uh, as Playtech skins. So that's the same Playtech. That is the same Playtech. And uh, it was founded in 1999, Playtech. They provide software for online casinos, online poker rooms, online bingo games, online sports betting, and uh, even... Gambling arcade games. They earned six hundred fifty, sorry, six hundred thirty euro, million euro. That is not six thirty euro, six thirty million euro last year. And uh, their net income last year, after everything, was uh, one hundred thirty-six million euro. So uh, big company. And uh, Teddy Segui, the founder of it, who founded it seventeen years ago, is a billionaire. They employ more than 5,000 people. And they are headquartered in the Isle of Man. Now, what else is headquartered in the Isle of Man? Hmm. What else have I talked about on this show that is headquartered in the Isle of Man? That's right. Poker Stars. Poker Stars is headquartered in the Isle of Man. And they still are, even even though uh, Amaya bought them. Amaya is not based in the Isle of Man. But uh, anyway... The uh, the poker platform that uh, Playtech runs is iPoker. I once played on iPoker before it was uh, 
it dropped out of the U.S. market in 2006, but I used to play on there. Anyway, that's the pl- same Playtech, and uh, Teddy Sagi is wrapped up in these Panama Papers. I, I can't wait to see what comes out related to all that. But a more interesting story, at least for us, is the fact that perhaps David Bezoff, the uh, controversial CEO of Amaya, who owns Poker Stars in Full Tilt, is also related to the, well, sort of related to the Panama Papers. So here's what's going on. It turns out that there were two data dumps from Mossack Fonseca. One happened a while ago, I think three years ago, and didn't get much press. The other one, the bigger dump, happened recently. So apparently the stuff that incriminates Bezov... Uh, that ha- that was from the older papers that came out three years ago, but they're just being discussed now because of the other papers that just came out, the, the newer papers. So now they're uh, they're bringing up the Bezoff stuff, and also because Bezoff has been in the news recently for the insider trading accusations. So here's what's going on with Bezov and uh, Mossack Fonseca. There was a payment processor for a while known as Zappa Holdings. That's Z-H-A-P-A Holdings. And they did a lot of payment processing for illegal online gaming sites. Among the shareholders of Zappa Holdings, this is in 2007 and 2008, were Isam Mansour and Gulisa Bezov. Now, is that a coincidence that the last name is Bezov? No. Gulisa Bezov is David Bezov's sister. Uh oh. So, Gulisa Bezov was a shareholder in Zappa Holdings, a, an online payment processor, which processed for a lot of online gaming sites, including illegal ones, in 2007 and, uh, and beyond. And, uh, Isam Mansour was also a shareholder. Now, who is he? Well, Isam Mansour, I'm not exactly sure who he is, but his trading privileges were revoked recently by the uh, regulatory body in Quebec when he was identified as someone with a suspicious trading pattern in relation to Amaya stock. So this is someone, there, there's some accusations regarding insider trading that took place uh, between 2010 and now involving Amaya and involving people very close to David Bezoff, uh, his brother and, and another associate. And David Bezoff's currently in a lot of hot water for it, and they're investigating him in Canada. And as part of that investigation, there were 13 people whose trading privileges were frozen by Quebec because they had suspicious activity that really looked like insider trading having to do with Amaya. And one of them was this Isam Mansour. And he also owned shares in this uh, Zappa Holdings like David Bezov's sister, Gulisa Bezov, did. What does that mean? I don't know. But remember, Zappa Holdings was one of the companies that Mossack Fonseca was uh, involved with. So... There was something pretty shady about that company in the first place, probably how it was funded. And it's also possible that it will be found eventually that Absolute Poker 
had a connection to the Panama Papers and uh, Masak Fonseca because they had a connection to Panama. In fact, uh, before the uh, Black Friday came down five years ago, where Ultimate Bet and Absolute Poker got busted along with uh, Full Tilt and Poker Stars by the Department of Justice, before that happened, they were uh, they had an office in Panama that was like a duplicate payment processor in case the one in Costa Rica went down. So they had a they had a connection to Panama. So it will be seen if uh, Absolute Poker had any uh, connection to this very shady law firm in Panama. So as you read all these news stories about the Panama Papers, uh, keep in mind it may shed some light on some of the inner dealings, maybe the initial funding of some of these online gaming companies that uh, you know and maybe love or maybe don't love so much. And there's always been a question to me since I learned about the beginnings of Amaya. When I found out that Amaya was originally a tanning salon, that's really what it was. It was a tanning salon, and it rose to be the owner of Poker Stars in, in the last 11 years. So 11 years ago, it was a tanning salon. That's all it was. And um, I've always wondered how they, how they progressed from there and how, where the money came from. Was the tanning salon just a front in the first place? So it'll be interesting, especially if they have a connection to this uh, Mossack Fonseca law firm and the Panama Papers. It'll be interesting if if we eventually learn what funded Amaya in the first place. But I, I, I really think that whole Bezov family is very shady, and I think more and more is coming out that's uh, confirming that. Do you guys uh, follow the story at all? Uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, with this one yet. Okay. What about you, uh, Trader Risky? You know about this one? Or yeah, a... I mean, I watched, there was something on Sunday morning this morning about the, the Iceland thing, but I was half watching it. Okay. I'll tell you what really got my attention with this Panama paper story was that was the gambling connection. I was kind of loosely following it until uh, I heard about this stuff. I'm like, okay, now now I've got to learn more about it. Now I've got to know. That's a, it, this this seems like the uh, a perfect thing, a perfect firm for shady online poker or even online gambling companies to use that don't want uh, either don't want legal exposure or uh, or don't want the money invested in them to be uh, identified where it came from. So who knows how these things were originally funded, a lot of these sites. You know, when you see these sites exist, like a site springs up and it has a lot of expenses to it, you don't really think about it. You just see it's there and all you think about is it's safe to play on, uh, is it fair, blah, blah, blah. But you don't really think about where did the money come from in the first place. And, and in your mind, you just picture like a big company. You picture some kind of operation that is large and that would make sense to run something like that. You don't picture something very small that sprung up out of nowhere running something like that. But in many cases, that's really what it is. It was like it was like the payment processors that were working for uh, Poker Stars and Full Tilt. A lot of them were like one-man operations where, where people were literally doing it out of their apartment. And I never pictured that. I always pictured that like real companies were sending me these checks. But no, it was like some 28-year-old living in a one-bedroom apartment doing it. So we'll see where that goes. I will update that as necessary. 775-FRAUD-55, 
8355. Um, Jstat saying Playtech is owned by Caesars. No, he's probably thinking of something different. Okay. Um, Backdoor B asking, who are these guys? It's uh, Trader Ruski, our, a frequent uh, contributor on the show, and uh, the Northern California guy who's been a co host pretty often in the last few months, especially since uh, Daredevil took a permanent leave of absence. Okay, let's check out the next topic we have for the evening. Moved uh, along pretty well. I've only been on for a little more than two hours. According to Mumbles Badly, uh, Trader Ruski and I are just a bunch of no-names. No, that's okay. That's okay. It's uh, You don't have to be a big name to be uh, effective. I'm, I'm happy to have all co-hosts here, as long as, especially if they do a good job. Speaking of big names, you heard back from Brandon yet? Uh, let's see. Let's see what he said. No answer. I, I think we're not going to have him tonight. That's that's my prediction here at this point. But maybe you know maybe it'll feel better and he'll just kind of feel like I, I want to jump on radio. We'll see. I I shouldn't dismiss it just yet. So anyway, here's a story, a little bit of a lighter story. A weed themed casino. Yes, that kind of weed, not like a tumbleweed, but the kind of weed you're thinking of when I say weed. A weed themed casino is coming to Las Vegas. Now everybody gather round and listen if you would. When I tell you every person needs a way of feeling good. Every kitty needs a ball of string and every dog a stick. But all you need is a bag of weed to really get a kick. One, two, three, four, five. There you go, you're all getting it now. When Texas people want your good, they go assault a queer. When stupid people need a thrill, they rent the rocketeer. When Michael Jackson needs a rush, he humps a guy like me. But all we need is a bag of weed to keep us worry free. One, two, three, oh, a bag of weed, a bag of weed, oh, everything is better with a bag of weed. But you don't need nothing, and you don't need speed, because everything is better with a bag of weed. Have a go, Brian. As Mr. Okay, so that's a bag of weed. It's from Family Guy. And uh, so this is what's going on. It's really strange. Um, the company that is responsible for the High Times magazine, which is a, a magazine about pot, uh, they want to take their cannabis-themed brand to the gaming industry, according to the New York Times. Uh, partners of the company have acquired a gaming license in Nevada and they want to expand their brand of hotels to open up a uh, they want to open up a hotel and casino right by a marijuana dispensary that they're going to be opening 150 feet away from the Las Vegas Strip 
it's legal to sell marijuana in Las Vegas as long as you get the proper licenses, the medical marijuana. So uh, they, they've already announced they're going to open up this uh, dispensary 150 feet away from the Las Vegas Strip. And now they want to go one step further and actually have a weed-themed casino. So th- this sounds like a joke. But this is actually uh, uh, a statement of, of what uh, they might be doing. Instead of bourbons and sodas, these waitresses are carrying trays full of vaporizers and water pipes. <laughs> the games themselves have names that sound more like Cypress Hill songs. Craps and blunts, roll and roulette. <laughs> so they that's they they really think they're going to get this going. Now, I don't know if if Las Vegas if the city's going to approve this, if the gaming commission will allow any of this. But uh, keep in mind, marijuana is legal in Las Vegas, provided it's for medicinal purposes. Now, of course, just about everybody getting marijuana for medicinal purposes. In Las Vegas is not getting it for medicinal purposes. That's uh, the, the whole thing's pretty much a sham, as you might expect. Where uh, there's doctors, where their entire business, their entire office, is for writing medical marijuana prescriptions. And this is what happens: you go in there, you say, um, I, "I need medical marijuana." Okay, why do you need it? Well, tell me what's wrong with you. Well, well, um, my back hurts. Okay, here's your card. Like that, that's how it goes. They they give you a card, and then you can take it to these dispensaries and show that you're uh, eligible to purchase it, and then and then you can buy it for free. Uh, not for free. You can buy it legally, not for free. Huh. Uh, so that's how it works. There's there's no real examination. The whole thing's a sham. The, the whole thing is a roundabout way to make recreational marijuana legal. And and I've always said. That regardless of where you stand on the marijuana legalization issue, it, it, it should be whatever was intended by the voters. Whatever the voters approved should be the law. So if the voters approved medical marijuana, then it should really only be medical marijuana. And there should be safeguards to prevent things like this. There should be, for example, doctors should be limited to uh, giving out uh, only a few cards every month to where they can't revolve a practice around it. Um there, there should be a threshold of uh, of the seriousness of the ailment, and, and only certain ailments should be approved for this. And there should be uh, stiff penalties for doctors who are found writing these cards or giving these cards out to people who don't really have the ailments they claim. So th- there should be a lot more oversight on this, and this could easily stop if there was a lot of uh, you know if there's undercover investigations, blah blah blah. And you say why why waste your time with this? Why why not just let people get the smoke pot? Well, if marijuana legalization is approved completely, and, and you can just uh, buy marijuana uh, without a medical prescription, if it's just general marijuana, not medical marijuana, then then that's a different story. Then let the voters approve that. But if the voters approve medical marijuana, then that's what it should be. It shouldn't be medical marijuana, wink, wink, nudge, 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 when uh, a a large percentage of the people voting for it really thought that they were voting to allow people with glaucoma to use marijuana to uh, help their condition. They're two very different things. 
So regardless of where you stand on the issue, uh, the spirit of whatever is voted in or whatever law is changed should be upheld. And uh, that's, that's why I think it's a sham. And if they, if they really want to legalize marijuana, then, then put that up to the voters. Let them know what they're really voting for. Don't, don't trick them. That's what happens, the trick. That's what, the whole medical marijuana thing is a trick. It's, it's not a, a trick nobody knows about. I mean, most people know what it really is. So I also don't like these leech doctors making a lot of money from this because what are they doing? They're not practicing medicine. They're not really helping anyone. All they're doing is uh, using their medical license to exploit a loophole in the law. So they, they're like a middleman that shouldn't be making any money from this. They're not giving a service to anyone. So I, I, I don't like that either. These doctors are like leeching off the system. The, the government puts a requirement in and then they, they don't make it very stringent. So doctors change their practice to where the, all they do is write these bogus uh, cards. And if you're someone who, who likes smoking marijuana, you, you should want to see a full legalization thing passed. You shouldn't want to see these middle ground things like this. So. Yeah, but for, you know, if they do get it approved, I've definitely heard of worse ideas. And for the poker industry, you know, they could probably get some good games going there. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it'd be a good place to play poker. Maybe, uh, maybe, uh, they have a poker room, I'll want to play poker there. Everyone uh, high on weed there. Maybe that's a uh, good opponent to have. I, I don't yeah. know. Like, like how, how good is a poker player on weed? How much does it affect them? I don't know. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of uh, good poker players who actually play well while using. Yeah. For see, some, of them, some of them actually helps them focus better. You know, I, I don't think it's like alcohol where it's going to impair you. For some people, it actually, like, slows down their mind and actually helps them analyze and focus better. Yeah, right. I guess it could also keep I mean, it affects them... everyone differently. Yeah, I guess it could also keep some of them calmer who are prone to tilt. So yeah, it, may, it, may not be, uh, it may not be something that would degrade their game. I guess for some people it could help. So I, I have to well, think... Well, and all the people that get busted in the parking lot of the... Uh, of the Rio, the yeah. Sheld- <laughs> the Sheldon Adelson. Yeah, but the Sheldon Adelson one, too. Oh yeah, Sheldon Adel. But it looks like you know the Rio does it too. So you can't just say Sheldon. It's not just Sheldon doing this one. The Rio does it as well. Yeah, but I just heard they were busting people at the parking lot for smoking in their car. So uh, yeah, could be interesting. And I think I think the doctors that they have, like a lot of the dispensaries, they just have like a doctor on site. Oh, they do. I didn't even know that. And I, yeah, and I think it's like <laughs> seventy bucks. Yeah, it is. It's so around. It's I know it's like around that. Yeah. A, so it's almost like you're getting a membership to be able to buy smoke at those places. Yeah, yeah, because it's not it's not actually technically a prescription because prescriptions are a federally mandated thing. So what it is, it's a doctor's recommendation. Okay, yeah. And, and I'm seeing the chat. I, I knew I had to look at the chat after this. I knew we we have a lot of people who uh, smoke pot to listen to this show, and, and that's fine. I, I don't care if you want to smoke pot and listen to the show. Like I'm not I'm not coming out here to, to bash pot smokers. I'm just saying that. Uh, I had a feeling that looking at the chat room, there's going to be some negative responses to what I said. So uh, FPS Russia, for example, just said, Druff advocating the escalation of the war on drugs. War on drugs is not a trick of the private prisons. Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not advocating an escalation of the war on drugs. I'm saying that whatever law is passed, you need to be honest, especially ones that are passed uh, through a ballot measure. You've got to be honest with the people with what you're passing. 
And this is not just about weed. This is about everything. Like another thing that pisses me off is when new taxes are passed that are supposedly temporary. And so they, they, they mention some tragedy that occurred or some, some emergency that needs to – emergency funding that needs to take place in the city. And please pass this extra tax that will only be for six months. So people are like, oh, OK, it will only be for six months. Fine. And then at the end of six months, they either quietly make it permanent or put another measure on the ballot saying um, this just affirms uh, such and such tax. This is not raising your taxes. This keeps taxes where they currently are. Uh, but if, we, if, if you vote no, uh, then we're not going to have enough money for the schools and, and, and for the, the, the fire department. So then everybody goes, oh, my God, we, well, we're not raising taxes anymore. So, yeah, let's just keep things how they are. So they just made it permanent. So, like, I don't like when ballot measures are dishonest. I don't like when people are tricked into voting for something, believing one thing, and it turns out the truth is another. So if, if, you, want it, if you want marijuana legalized, then there should be a ballot measure for that, and if the people support it, then fine. If the people don't support it, then okay, well, I'm sorry, but that's not uh, where the people's support is right now, and what you want isn't what the majority wants, so you, you, you don't win. Sorry. But, do you think but, it should even come down to that, though? Like, do you think the majority should even have a say in what other people put into their own bodies? Well, there's – well, yes, but that's a whole different argument. But the, but the thing is here, it's uh, – um, you're not going to be able to change these laws. I mean, yes, you are electing people to decide uh, whether to change the law or not. Okay, and if and some play, you know, some states may choose to change the law without a ballot measure. They may change the, uh, through the legislative process. Fine. Again, that's the uh, whatever politicians get behind that uh, stake their reputation upon it, and uh, and and if that's what happens, that's what happens. But I I just don't like of any type any kind of dishonest ballot measure. I don't like any ballot measure that comes out that you vote for it believing it's one thing and it's really not that. And that's what yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from on that with with the deceit and how it's not really being used for the purpose that it was portrayed. Yeah. But I would just I would just argue that whatever someone wants to do to their own body shouldn't really be anybody else's or any government's business. But that's just my personal belief. Well, look, that's fine. Look, and there's even there's even threads on on my site on, on Poker Fraud Alert that are about marijuana issues of uh, where do I get the best vaporizer? That, and I don't censor things like that. If people want to discuss that stuff out there, they can. I'm not going to allow drug deals on the site, but if they want to you know, have discussions of that sort of thing, I'm not going to censor it. So, uh, so I'm, not, I, I'm not even trying to uh, stop people from doing what they want with, with, when it comes to uh, smoking pot or anything else. But I just want honesty in, in these ballot measures – and and if uh, if one thing's passed, that's what that's what should become law, not something that's uh, totally different. Uh, it, it's funny. I I thought of something else. Not again, not related to weed, but when I went to go renew my car registration in Nevada the last time, uh, they uh, the car registration fees were a lot higher than I expected. This this wasn't recently, uh, but it was uh, my, my cars aren't registered in Nevada right now, but they were back then. And the registration fees were a lot higher than I thought they would be. In fact, they were about equivalent to California's, which are pretty high. And the woman at the DMV decided to editorialize to me when I said, wow, I didn't expect it to be this much. And she said, yeah, well, uh, they pretty much just tripled here because of a ballot measure about the schools. 
And they misled everybody about how much the registration fees are actually going up. And everyone voted for it, believing it was just a, a small increase to help the schools. And, and then when they show up to the DMV, a lot of people are paying like triple they were before. So she she was like, <laughs> she was pissed off at it, and she was just a DMV employee. So uh, maybe she was also pissed because people were shocked by this and we yell at her. I didn't yell at her. I mean, she, that's not her decision. Uh, but uh, she was definitely on my side that that was ridiculous. And so... Maybe it wasn't the la- maybe it wasn't the last time I registered. It was probably the first time I registered. Actually, I guess I'm misremembering a bit because uh, I would if it was the last time I would have known it. It, it, it would, ever since I registered my car here it was expensive, so it must have been the first time. But it was just another case of uh, tricking everyone through ballot measures. So anyway, we we may have a weed based casino here. I don't know if it's going to come to pass. It probably has to go through a lot more hurdles than it appears right now. But at least they're they're attempting to. Well, you remember Reefer Poker back in the day, right? Yeah. Not only do I remember them, they actually, like, uh, temporarily sponsored... uh, The radio show. Yeah, the radio show, like Never Win Poker or something, yeah. Either Never Win Poker or Donk Down got a, a, a temporary sponsor from Reefer Poker. I think uh, we got a response. Let me see here. I think we got a response from Lannister, a.k.a. Animosity, regarding what I was saying. Let's see. See, he's lying here. He says, I, I typed out a huge response everything, explaining everything the other night, and Druff deleted it. He doesn't want the truth because it's not as fun as this drama. That's not true. See, this is the type of trolling crap that they're doing here. This this makes me want to just ban him because this is such a lie. Why would I ever do that? Okay, I'll tell you what, Lannister, since you claim I deleted it. I didn't delete it. I'm not going to play your game with this. Just type out your response again. Save it on Microsoft Word. Put it on Microsoft Word Lockdown, as someone we know likes to say. Okay? Put it on Microsoft Word Lockdown. And then if I delete it again, supposedly, then repost it. And if I keep deleting it... Or call radio tonight. He won't be censored on here. Right. Or, right, call radio. I won't censor you. And if you say I keep deleting it, then feel free to send it privately. To someone, a, a neutral third party, who who can then read it and share it with people. But he's not going to do that because he didn't post anything. He and, just knows he's full. Of no, BS. he's full of crap. So he's now saying, "Oh, I posted a whole long thing, and Dandruff deleted it, so that's why I'm not reposting it." What a dumb answer! This this is like they're they're trolling with the whole thing. They they, they think this is a joke. They think this is funny. That they're going to get amused by this. This is a like they. They want to keep the controversy going. They want to keep the the trolling going, and so th- this is the latest tactic: is saying that I'm deleting their answers. Oh, this is okay. I saw he posted. I wanted to go read it. It turned out it was that stupid one-liner about me deleting things. Okay, so I'm going to talk about another thing that uh, is illegal. In a lot of places, but legal in a few. Prostitution. 
I had an experience with a prostitute in 2003 on Poker Stars. I did. No reason I'm telling this story other than I just remembered it. <laughs> I just remembered it a few days ago, and I, I, the, the memory just came rushing back in my head for no reason. It really did. I was just like sitting there. I'm like, oh, wow, I remember that story. And I don't think I ever told it before. So, so here's what happened. 2003 Poker Stars was very different than the Poker Stars you see today or the Poker Stars you saw before they left the U.S. market. It was, it was in its early stages. The site opened in 2002. I joined it in April 2003. And it was pretty small back then. It wasn't... It wasn't a tiny site, but it wasn't even in April two thousand three. It's it wasn't even the biggest site yet. Party Poker was bigger than they were by by a good deal. I I was playing the thirty sixty limit game, limit hold'em, which was uh, the biggest online limit hold'em game running at the time, at least to my knowledge. And uh, I got off immediately to a good start there. I, I sat down, I just immediately started winning at the 3060, the games were good, and uh, I won like $30,000 in, in the first month I played there, so I was very happy about that. I thought, okay, maybe it was a fluke, so I, I continued playing the next month, and, and I won another 30000 that month too, so I said, okay, well, <laughs> now, now I should start thinking about maybe uh, quitting my job and doing this full time, because I, I was working then too. I, I was barely getting any sleep during the week, even less than normal, because I would stay up to like five in the morning playing on Poker Stars. And indeed, I did leave my job just a few months later. So uh, uh, the games were especially good then, because Poker Stars, their claim to fame at the time was they were running a lot of tournaments. They were like the site you would go to for tournaments. The other sites, like Party, didn't have many tournaments. Poker Stars is the really they were really the site that really pushed the tournaments big time. So good tournament players would win on the tournaments, and then and then they'd take a shot in the cash games and lose. So I beat a lot of the tournament players. I used to wonder where these guys got their money because there were guys I thought were fish that were bad at limit hold'em that I would crush over and over. I'm like, where are they getting all this money? They're losing to me. And then, then I looked at the tournament results, and I realized that, that these were the ones who were winning the tournaments, and they just weren't good at limit hold'em. So... I even met one of them at, at the World Series, and he told me, he said, you know, I used to play you on Poker Stars all the time and the Limit Hold'em, and you you always killed me. You, you made me realize that's not my game. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, I was the biggest winner for uh, kind of the middle of 2003 in Poker Stars. I, I Pretty much between when I joined in April and all the way through around, like, the late summer, I was the biggest winner on there in the cash games. The biggest. And I know from observation, like I, I, I could tell from watching the games of, of who was winning, who wasn't, and, and nobody won more than me during those months. So uh, the reason I'm saying this is not to brag. I, I'm saying this because it, it got attention from people who, who would watch because the poker boom was just starting, especially uh, right after the World Series of Poker when Chris Moneymaker won. Now, when I first joined Poker Stars in April 2003, there was no... Chris Money, I mean, Chris Moneymaker existed, but he hadn't won anything yet. But shortly after that, he did. 
So the poker boom was just starting to get going. And and they also had the World Poker Tour on TV, which got a lot of people into poker. So there were a lot of railbirds on poker stars who would watch for long periods of time the thirty sixty limit game. And the reason they would watch that instead of no limit was that, like the way the games were listed on Poker Stars, the uh, um, it would list from the biggest game down. So thirty sixty were the biggest blinds that, of any games that were running. So they would just click on the highest appearing game, which is thirty sixty limit hold'em. Also, no limit cash wasn't as big back then in two thousand three. So anyway, they they uh, they they'd watch there, and I and I developed like some some fans. Who watched me play and, and Railbirds could actually chat then That's how I know this Nowadays you, if you open up a Poker Stars table In fact not just nowadays Like even as of 10 years ago You would open up a Poker Stars table And try to chat If you're not sitting at the table You can't chat But in 2003 you could chat As long as you had an account there You didn't even need, need any money in your account You could still chat now, a lot of them would use that chat to beg. Hey, man, can you give me $10? Oh, wow, you just won a pot that was 1000 man. Hey, can you give me 10 bucks? Like I, I got that all the time. It was so annoying. But I just tuned that out. I just didn't respond to those people. But I, I did talk to some people there who, who would just, like, watch every day. Some even would, uh, would cheer for me when I'd win a pot. It, it was kind of nice in some ways, in between all the begging. So one of the people... Who was watching me and was uh, Very complimentary about How I was playing and how I was doing And all that Had a female name And and kept trying to talk to me So I said to her You know I I, I doubt that you're actually a female I I have a feeling you're really a dude Because usually Female names on poker sites are really guys And she said Go take a look at this uh, one cent, two cent table. She told me which one to sit at or which one to open. And you can see my picture. She couldn't sit at the 3060. She didn't have enough money to sit at the table. But uh, she had enough to sit at a one cent, two cent game. So she told me to open up that table and I'd see her picture there as her avatar. So I did. I, I opened up the game. And I, I saw this very pretty blonde girl's picture there. But that didn't mean it was her. That could have been lifted from anywhere on the internet. So that's what I said. And so she said to me, okay, do you have Yahoo? Do you have Yahoo Messenger, which was pretty big at the time? And I said, yeah, I have Yahoo Messenger. She said, okay, uh, my name is, is, is such and such. Add me on there, and I'll turn on my webcam, and, and I'll do whatever you want me to do to, to show that I'm real. So now before you get any dirty thoughts in your head, I didn't ask her to do anything sexual or anything. And I, I don't think that's what she was offering. I, she just was saying, like, I could tell her to touch her nose or whatever I'm going to tell her to do to prove it's not like a video loop. So we did that. I, I went on Yahoo. I added her. I, I looked at her webcam, and indeed she was real. She was the girl in the picture. It was, it was a, a a pretty blonde girl, looked like early to mid-20s. And uh, so she was real. She was legit. So for that, from that point, we, we became friends, and, uh, and she would – friends is kind of uh, – Going a bit too far But we, we became friendly And we never talked sexually It wasn't like that But uh, she was watching me play all the time And was was always cheering when I would win And th- this went on for about a week Eventually she got comfortable enough with me Where she told me what she did for a living 
And what she did for a living was that she was a prostitute. Yes, she was a prostitute, and she showed me her website, which she used for her trade. So I went to the website. I was very curious to see what was on there. Went to the website, and there was a picture of her and all that. But right at the beginning of the website was a disclaimer saying that this site is not offering any services for sex. That what you're doing is you're purchasing her time only, her time for her companionship, and that anything sexual that happens is just something that happens for free between two consenting adults. <laughs> if you, you might think that might work, but it doesn't. That <laughs> she thought that was some... I, I think someone probably advised her to put that, because I, I, I think I've seen that before, but uh, that doesn't work. You, you can't claim, oh, this wasn't prostitution, it was just, uh, he's just paying for my time, and I just happen to want to have sex with him when he's paying for my time. That, that defense does not work. But she thought it would. She lived in uh, in Orange County, by the way, in California. She lived, uh, I think, in Newport Beach. So, anyway, I went on to look at her site, and then I saw something especially perplexing. It had her rates there. So, I remember this. Her rate was $300 for the first hour, $200 for the second hour, and then $300 for the third hour. <laughs> and I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. So it makes sense to discount the second hour to try to encourage people to buy two hours instead of one. But why would anyone buy three hours when they could just buy two hours, and if they need a third one, just add it on for the full price? I mean, it, it makes no sense. So... I, I was going to say something about this and that stupid disclaimer and ask her about, like, why are you putting these things and why is the pricing so weird? Like, why is the second hour a discount and not the third? It just didn't make any sense to me. So, But I, I, I decided, you know, I'm going to come off as a jerk if I say this, and she's been very nice. I'm not going to say anything. So I didn't say anything for a little bit. Then came a day shortly after that, and I didn't do very well. I... I I was running really badly on Poker Stars, and I was getting some bad luck, and I was losing a bunch of money, and I was I was very frustrated. And I'm not going to take this out on other people, but at the same time, I, I just wanted something to take my mind off of the bad session I had. So I, I opened up Yahoo Messenger, and I messaged her, and I messaged her, and shortly into the conversation, I decided to amuse myself, and I said to her, you know. Uh, this disclaimer on the front there, you realize it doesn't really mean anything. It, it, it's it's not going to prevent you from getting busted. I, mean, I, I don't want you to get busted or anything. I'm just telling you that this disclaimer doesn't really prevent you from getting in any trouble. So she started arguing with me. Oh, yes, it does. You know, that, that's really what they're doing. They're just buying my time. You know, so she's like responding to me as if I'm I'm arresting her. <laughs> like, so I I'm like, okay, well, forget about that. Tell me about your pricing. I don't understand it. Because why would someone buy three hours in advance if they could just buy two hours and then pay full price for the third as needed, only if they need it? Why would they ever buy that in advance if the third one's just as expensive as the first? Why not just buy two hours and then one hour again if you need it? So she didn't understand the question. 
And she came back going, well, no, no, they they buy how much time they need with me. So if they need one, they pay 300 If they need two, they pay 500 If they need three, they need 800 I go, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying to you here. And I explained it again. I explained to her why the third hour being full price is weird because no one's going to buy it in advance that, for that reason. I'm like, what? What are you doing in the in the third hour versus the second? Is there some is there something you're doing for these guys in the third hour that you're not doing in the second? Why is the third more expensive than the second? It doesn't make any sense. And she started getting really agitated. She started saying, "Why does this matter? Why do you keep asking about my pricing? Are you a cop or something? Are, are you trying to you're trying to find out too much here? What, what's going on here? I thought you were cool up till now. What's, what's your what's your issue?" And so I said, I'm not a cop. I just think this is kind of a a weird pricing structure. So I kept pressing for her. And this is all for my own amusement. I I didn't really care. And I wasn't going to hire her. I wasn't trying to negotiate a lower rate. I was not going to hire her. But I, I kept asking her, what could possibly be the reason you'd give a discount for the second hour but not the third? Why is the third full price? What was the reason? What went through your head when you came up with this pricing model? Well, I never got my answer. She told me that I'm a fucking asshole. And that she's blocking me and never to talk to her again. So that was the end of that. Well, there's probably a reason why she was a prostitute. And if she was smart enough to figure out or understand your question and what you were asking, then maybe she would be <laughs> in a different career. Yeah, probably. One, one thing she did tell me that was interesting, though before all this happened was that uh, she's a losing gambler. She admitted that she said, I'm a losing poker player, but, but I can't stop playing. And, and I also like going to the casino and gambling. And, and that's why I do this prostitution thing because I can make money quickly to go gamble with. And I know I lose, but I, I kind of can't stop. And so I, I was actually trying to help her. I'm going, well, you know, if you know you're losing here, maybe you just shouldn't do it and replay it at low stakes. I, I was trying to give her advice just not to do it, but uh, obviously it fell in deaf ears, but I was just wondering, even if she didn't understand it, like what went through her head when she made those prices? What went through her head saying, okay, for the second hour, I should make it cheaper, but the third hour, okay, let's make it that more expensive again. Like, (laughs) I still can't to this day figure out what she was thinking when she came up with that pricing model. So, uh, that was, that was the end of my brief friendship with the poker stars prostitute. And, uh, I never saw her again after all that. And, they also killed the chat for the Railbirds. That could have had something to do with it, too. And it's not like I was looking at the one-cent, two-cent games to see if she was still there. But, uh, like, I I never heard of her, like, rising up and dating any of the uh, high-profile poker players or anything like that. So Is her website still active these I, days? When was I, the last time you checked? I wish I could see. I have no idea what that website is. <laughs> I, I wish I saved it and I could take a look. Even like, even, like, in one of those archive tools to look what it looked like back then. I'd show everybody, but I, I remembered nothing about that. Like, pretty much after she blocked me, I just put it out of my head. Because uh, what everyone's got to understand here is that I wasn't looking to be with her in any way. It was really just something for my amusement. I found the whole story of, you know, the prostitute who who does it to support her gambling habit to be interesting. And, and also, it was just like a, a, a fan of mine at the thirty sixty game. So, th- that's the reason I talked to her. But, uh... At the same time, I wasn't looking to have sex with her, and at the same time, when she uh, didn't want to talk to me anymore, I wasn't exactly crying. I just uh, kind of forgot about it very quickly, 
until there's definitely been some odd things that happened like back in the day on poker stars i remember there was some thread somewhere about like play money badoogie cyber sex like these these people were sitting down on poker stars on a play money badoogie table to have cyber oh because nobody was because nobody was there they figured (laughs) out Like, as if, as if, in this day and age of internet, that's the best form of chat communication they could figure out. Yeah, why, why, money Badoogie on poker? Why don't you just go to AOL Instant Messenger or something, or Yahoo Messenger? Why, why go I to play money? Bad- it's so funny. <laughs> I wish I could have seen that. That's funny. If yeah. you Google it, yeah, I don't know. The thread might still come up. It was like a long time ago. <sighs> well, yeah, I, I. Uh... I did run into a number of weird things over my time in online poker. All right, let's uh, let's go to the next topic. Let's go to the chat room. Oh, no, I think... You might have missed your calling as a pimp, Druff. I, I, you know what? That's what Eric Ryland would have done. <laughs> Eric Ryland always talked about like you. He'd run into these like girls online, and he would he would offer uh, he'd give them tips on how to be good cam whores and stuff like that. Like I didn't. Uh, I don't know. I, I just never went there. I just, I, I'd be amused by the human side of their story, like just wanting to hear their situation. But I, I wouldn't ever think of like, oh, I should be a pimp and help them out. Like, you know. let's let's see. Um, someone's PMing me their address. If you've won the free roll, then, then like, don't PM me in the chat room. PM me on the site with the address to send the check. Don't don't do it in the chat room. Um, let's see here. The chat room is, is like a lot of, uh, fighting between Jay Searles and other people there. Great. The lurker in the chat saying, geez, Druff, you should have splashed the pot. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't have wanted to. Okay, let's go to the next topic. Oh, Druff, just real quick. I did put that 20 in before you. Uh, I sent you the other Oh, yeah, yeah. You told me that in the but text. I can, uh, yeah, but if you want to refund that to get rid of some of the Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm actually going to be refund. I'm actually going to be refunding it. <laughs> okay, and then I'll just put it. I'll just drop it in for next week's or All right. whenever it is. I appreciate that. Okay, let's see here. Right, let's see the text we've received here. Oh yeah, for the seven oh two. This person reminded me of of something that I, I should talk about, but was not on the agenda about uh, the Atlantis Resort, where they hold the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure. If you are a Caesars Total Rewards card holder of any level except for gold, the bottom one, you can stay there either for free or for a very big discount. So I will. Uh, Tell you guys about a big new marketing partnership that Caesars has that you may want to take advantage of. I'm on the fence whether I will, but it's it's actually something pretty good. This is from the five one zero. This is a big Golden State Warriors fan. Give my dubs, referring to the Warriors, the respect they deserve, and stop throwing shade every chance you get. Like the salty Laker fan you seem to be, they don't need rest. They're young and at the top of their game. Then again, every time you bet against them, you lose. So do your thing, Todd. Sit back and witness history being made, per the request of the Black Mamba himself. Yeah, the Warriors beat San Antonio tonight. Surprisingly, in San Antonio, the Spurs had not lost at home all year. It's almost the end of the season, and uh, 
Golden State started out nine points behind and uh, ended up coming back and winning in the fourth quarter. Pretty pretty easily they won at the end. So they kept their chance of finishing with 73 wins alive. Now they have 72 wins. They just need one more win in the final game of the season, and uh, they will have set the record. For, uh, did Popovich uh, roll out his starters yeah. for that game? Or oh, yeah. Oh, did? Yeah. The, the Warriors just beat him. This is this is the day after they just played. You know, this is the back-to-back uh, game on the road, and they just barely beat crappy Memphis with players out by one point, and some people even questioned the officiating, thinking that uh, the officiating was being done to enable the Warriors to win and, and keep the record chances alive. But uh, anyway, this this person saying not to put down the Golden State Warriors as I have recently saying that they haven't looked very good that they may lose in the playoffs because they're wearing themselves out chasing the record etc cetera, etc cetera. I admit tonight they, was very... they play Memphis again to win it Yep. this is from the 816 I guess I have Lannister's phone number now unless this is a fake number but it's, you know, he lives in the 816 Dref this is Lannister I want to clear up this big misunderstanding well call in then I don't want to do it Text during a radio show. If you, if you really want to text me the whole misunderstanding, uh, text it. Uh, if you want to text the story, I'll read it on the air. For the five one two, well, Mycon was going all in with five three suited pre flop. I guess it can't be that good. I guess he's talking about the the jack eight suited that uh, we talked about earlier with uh, Jungle Man used. And the four one zero asking, can he get a hat? Yeah, I. I I'll give you a hat. I know who you are. And uh, if we make new hats, you will definitely be one to receive one. All right. So let me let me uh, add another call here. I think this is China Maniac. Hello. Caller, you're on the air. What's up, Jeff? So it is China Maniac. So, so uh, what would you like to say here? No, I just heard you saying uh, Lannister was texting you. Have him call in now and he could tell his story. Now, that's good. We should have uh, Lannister and China Maniac on at the same time. That will cut right I mean, to the situation. Pretty just, he pretty much just admitted in that thread that he was part of like some whoever scammy or something. I don't know if they used his account or whatever, or they used someone else's poker stars account. He's saying there's like another party involved. So uh, well, whatever. But, but, I, I don't really care. But it's like, his fault. Like, like, I mean, I don't. Right. That, that's it's it's, I'm it's just saying, like, the buck, uh, yeah. as of this point now, and even when it happened, I don't even remember if I posted about it or whatever. I don't really care. It was just a small amount of money. Um, I mean, obviously, nobody likes to get rolled, but at the same time, whatever. I mean, if he has a story and he wants to tell it, then he can tell it. Well, he definitely should tell the story, and uh, but it, you know, it's over two hundred dollars. It's not a, a staggering sum of money, but if it's owed to you, you should be paid. That's, that's the truth. All right, so see, here's here's an interesting thing. I'm going to talk about this right now before I forget. This is Sermon 702 texted me here, and I reminded me, because I, I I meant to talk about this, then didn't put it on the agenda, and I'm glad this guy reminded me. I got a surprising email from Caesars the other day that everybody got. I think at least everybody who's a platinum and higher. The Caesars, they have four tier levels. They have uh, gold, which is the bottom. You get that just from signing up. Platinum, diamond, and seven stars. Okay, I'm a seven stars, but there's a lot of people who are platinum or higher. So I got this email from them about a, a new marketing partnership they have. 
And they have a lot of these marketing partnerships that one is based on getting tickets, another one is based on uh, Starwood Hotels, and, and most of them are pretty crappy. Most of them aren't even worth your time looking into. Some of them they really pump up like they're really uh, cool, and then you look into the, de- the details and they're useless. So I was surprised to see that this one is not useless, and this one is surprisingly good to where I'm wondering if there's a catch. But there may not be. So... In the Bahamas, there's what they call Paradise Island, which is where the Atlantis Resort is. You've probably seen it advertised a lot of places, and of course, that is the location of the PCA, the Poker Stars Caribbean Adventure, in January. Uh, I got what I think is reliable information that 2017 is their last year there, but putting that aside, this isn't really about Poker Stars. This is about... Atlantis and the ability to stay there for free or very close to free for some people. Apparently having a platinum card or higher now entitles you to take one trip to Atlantis per calendar year and the benefits you get are different according to your tier levels. Now, if you're platinum, which isn't really that hard to get, in fact, if you sign up for the, for the Total Rewards credit card, which is a free credit card, there's no fee, you you get platinum, and you and I think you keep platinum for as long as you have the card. If you're a platinum, you get a complimentary two-night stay in the Beach Tower. The Beach Tower, I guess, is probably not their best tower, but it's, it's whatever. Uh, then you get... Up to two additional nights at, quote, a special casino rate. So supposedly cheap. But you do get the first two nights free. Then uh, you get access to what they call the Aquaventure, a one-of-a-kind 141-acre waterscape with 20 swimming areas and 11 pools. And then you get what they call the uh, Casino Experience Pass, whatever that is. So those two aren't worth very much. But the two nights stay for free for just being platinum, which is the second lowest card at Caesars, is pretty good. Now, there is a resort fee there. I don't know how much that is. And if you're a platinum, you still have to pay the resort fee. Uh, Isn't the the food there, like, astronomical? Yes. uh, I'm going to get to that. But, yes, I've heard that the the food is very expensive there. But uh, that's just being platinum. So you get the two-night without the resort fee. I mean, mean, you pay pay the resort fee, but you get the two-night basic fee. Uh, for the room for free, and two more nights they claim are discounted. So that's pretty good for just platinum, which really other otherwise comes with very few benefits. But if you're a diamond, which again only requires one-tenth the play that it requires to get to seven stars, if you're a diamond, now you get a four-night stay for free in the beach tower, and that's truly free. You don't have to pay for the resort fee either if you're a diamond. So uh, you can do that, or I guess the beach tower isn't the worst tower because you can, go, you can also stay in the coral towers and then also get a $100 free slot play in, in addition. Oh, no, but you don't get the resort fee. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how the property works, but I, th- I think it's that you get the beach tower and no resort fee or the coral tower and 100 free slot play, but you got to pay the resort fee. But still, you know, just, just take the first one there. You can get a free four-night stay and not pay anything except for the food, if you want. So I, I think for a diamond, that's pretty good. But trying to maniac may say, well, 
if the food is that expensive, maybe that's still worth it to them. Though, though how much are you going to eat? You know, if you think about it, like uh, how much are you going to even if the food's very expensive, how, how much can you really eat to where it's not worth staying there four nights free? I've heard stories of like poker players going there and just getting food like room service. And like leaving with like five to ten thousand dollar bills over a week. <laughs> okay, I, I guess it's possible, but it, it's room service, and I've seen poker players be reckless with things like that. But, but okay, but yeah, here, I'm sure. But this kid, well, the kid said he was eating, he was ordering like peanut butter and jellies too. They were like twenty bucks a piece. Like yeah. it was like astronomically bad. But yeah. I'm not sure. I've never been there. I'm just going off what I heard. Yeah, now, that's an interesting thing to think about. But now, listen, if you're a seven stars, you get something extra. You get a complimentary four-night stay at a deluxe ocean suite, which is obviously better than just a room in the beach tower. Then you also get complimentary room taxes, uh, complimentary taxes, made gratuities, and resort fee. So, I, I, Are you really expected to give made gratuities there? I mean, I, I know people do that, and I've done it before too, but are you, you're, is that like something that you're billed for? I didn't even know that until I just read this right here. And room taxes, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think there's. I, I, yeah, they they tax. I think they tax everything, and there's gratuity on everything. Okay. I actually did a quick Google just now, and for like a plain cheese pizza, thirty five dollars, oh, seven bucks a slice, three uh-huh. scoops of ice cream, ten dollars, fifteen percent gratuity is added to every every meal automatically. Right. Yeah. Uh, so 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 I guess there's also room taxes and made gratuities, which if you're not a seven stars, you have to pay. So that, that I guess that for the right. diamond, it really isn't completely free. But but you, you do get those for free if you're seven stars. Then you get a $100 resort credit per night, which I, I thought would cover the food, but probably won't at those prices. But at least it takes $100 off every night. So if you stay for four nights, you get a $400 food credit. You get $250 of slot play. And then a few other little benefits that aren't really worth mentioning. So I don't know. I'd have to look into it more. The problem is the Bahamas are really far from me. I'd have to go all the way first to the east coast of the U.S. and then go to the Bahamas from there. It's just such a pain in the ass. You know, if I was in, like, Florida or something, I think I'd do this. But uh, Do Do you need a passport to go there or no? Um, that's a good question. I don't know if you do or you know, You probably do because I think any time you fly out of the country now, you need it. If you don't, if you drive out of the country, you don't. But I think flying, you do. Not one hundred percent sure, but I think that's the the rule now. I know for Canada, that's the rule. Like if I if I were to fly to or from Canada, uh, right. then then I would have to use the passport. If I were right. to drive into Canada, I don't need a passport. I, I, isn't like the Bahamas a U? Is it a U.S. territory? No, or? no, it's its own country. No, it's not. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, you may need a passport. I, I have a passport, so I'm fine. But so I, I've I've been considering: should I do this? You can do it once a year. I'd have to look into the food. I had to see if there's any gotchas here. But if, let's say this, like let's say at the seven stars level, this is all completely free to at least the room part. After every, I think we, I, I think they're trying to say that here. I think I think when they're saying complimentary room taxes, made gratuities, and daily resort fee, I think they're trying to say like the room really really is free this time. No BS. And then I would get $100 per day in resort credit, which I'd use for food. And then 250 free slot play, which I would just run and wouldn't gamble with anything else. 
So could I really have a free or very close to free trip there minus the airfare? I don't know. I mean, I can't say it's too good to be true because Norwegian cruises, they have something similar where it's not completely free, but as long as you like taking cruises, you get an excellent deal. I mean, like a really excellent deal. And I've been taking advantage of that every year. So, and that's just a marketing partnership like this one. And when I say a marketing partnership, I mean the Caesars does not pay them and they don't pay Caesars. It's one of these things like where Caesars benefits because this is a benefit of having their card. And and the average customer believes that Caesars is giving it to them. And then for the, uh, on the other side, for Atlantis, for, for Norwegian cruises, they get a gambler over there and they have a casino. That, that's the reason Atlantis is doing this. They figure a Seven Stars member is a degenerate gambler who's going to lo- lose a lot more than this back to the casino. But obviously that would not be me. I wouldn't play in the casino other than to run the $250 of free slot play. Now the other question is, if I come to the Bahamas, will they end up detaining me and putting me in a refugee camp for making prank calls to the refugee camp? <laughs> and, and, am I risking my safety? Am I risking my freedom to come to the Bahamas? I don't know. Will there be an international incident between the U.S. and the Bahamas over prank calls? So up, up till now, I, I thought I'm untouchable. I, I knew the Bahamas can't come get me for what I did. But uh, if I go there on their soil, will, will the refugee camp come get me? Will, will I be eating mashed potatoes with anchovies? We might have just sent that to you, Jeff. It'd be a <laughs> trap. I'm so happy this guy in the 702 messaged me about it as well because now I know at least he got it too yeah that would be the perfect trap to make me think I'm getting some like great value thing and then send me there and put me in a refugee camp I would never see it coming yeah unless it's one level up and he works for Caesars or (laughs) part of the Bahamas he is in 702 so he could work for Caesars that's a good point huh so yeah so, so upon examining this further as I was reading it out loud uh, I guess the platinum deal isn't that great unless you're going to go there anyway because uh, you're getting only two nights and you're still paying the resort fee, the maid gratuities, and the taxes. So, And you're, you're paying a lot for food. And in case you think, oh, I just won't eat there, I'll just go outside the resort. Uh, no, you, there's, there's nowhere else to go. So you're, you're stuck eating there. Though, you know, people have told me something, you know, people on the site who've, who've said I need to lose weight and my stomach's fat and all that, maybe I should go to Atlantis for four days. And when I see those prices, I'll probably be so uh, put off by them, I probably won't eat and I'll probably lose weight there. <laughs> so. Especially if you think about it, you know, I would go there with, with uh, you know, I'd, I'd probably, probably take uh, – Benjamin, his mom, and in between us, if it's a hundred bucks for all of us, that's not very much per day at those prices. So I, I, I might just forego eating and let them eat and just starve myself for four days. Maybe that'll be like my weight loss thing. But but seriously though, it's it's, it's worth looking into. It's worth looking into uh, whether this is is really free. If this guy just texted me again, he said, "I bet sports for a living." That's interesting. So it doesn't work at Caesars. I I, I wasn't serious about that, but. Uh, that's interesting at sports for a living. Uh, this is a question from someone in 213. 
I have a question about seven stars. If you make seven stars this month in 2016, which will last until January 31st, 2018, which is true, uh, will you get your annual retreat for 2016 and 2017? Signed, the Jew Coalition. Well, I'll give you your answer, Jew Coalition. Yes, you will. When you earn seven stars benefits or any benefits, diamond, seven stars, platinum, it will last for two calendar years, the current one and the next one. And you will get full benefits for both of those years. Believe me, I know. Also, uh, he wrote another question. When you used the retreat at Cherokee, as I just did in March, uh, did they give you a rental car allowance since it's so far from airports and did they provide transportation to and from the airport? Uh, no. They, they, I had to rent my own car. They would not give me anything, and uh, they would only provide transportation if I flew into Asheville, which uh, is not a convenient place to fly when you're from the West. So uh, the answer is no. I rented my own car, but that was fine. Uh, I was going to do it anyway. I would have liked the money back for the rental car. It would be nice if they gave me some money, but no, they, they don't. But other than that, I thought it was a, a nice place to go. An interesting change. All right, let's see here. Let's go to the uh, back to the agenda. Someone's asking, is the 702 guy Brandon? No, Brandon wouldn't do that. He wouldn't pretend to be someone else. He would just say this as himself. This was honestly just a listener who wanted me to mention this thing, and I did. And In fact, I'm glad he did, because I, I would have mentioned it if I remembered. Okay, so uh, the Phil Ivey edge sorting case with a Borgata is going on, and this has been raging for quite some time in court, and I have not commented on it because I, I just found it was getting tedious to talk about. I, I didn't want to mention every little legal development. It was it was stuff that I would read, but I wouldn't talk about it here because I just didn't think it made good radio. But I, I read a story today that I thought was worthy of talking about here. Now, for those of you that don't know, Phil Ivey used an Asian female accomplice who I guess had trained herself and her eyes for years to recognize very, very small flaws on the backs of playing cards. So where to you and I, it would just appear to be 52 identical cards on the back. To her, she would notice very small irregularities and in fact trained her eyes to zoom in on these uh, little patterns and, and see if she could find any flaw. She trained for years to do this. She developed a nickname. The Queen of Sorts was the nickname she had because she did that. So basically she was the skill in the operation and Ivy was the bankroll. So they, they were partners here. And she did this with, she'd done this with other people too, not just Ivy. So uh, they did this at Baccarat and they noticed that uh, certain cards manufactured by uh, Gemico there's a lot of noise in the background. Who's making that? Who's making noise here? Oh, sorry. It might be me. I'm just putting, trying to put a microphone okay, on this okay, phone. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so anyway. Phil Ivey and, and this Queen of Sorts woman, uh, she, they were... Uh, they played at a few casinos. One of them was Crockford's in the UK. Crockford's didn't pay them, and they sued Crockford's. Crockford's caught them in the middle. Borgata did not catch them at first, but upon uh, uh, the Crockford's thing coming out, they reviewed Ivy's play and realized, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, he did the same thing to us, but we already paid him. So in the reverse now, the Borgata is suing Ivy because uh, 
they've already paid him. He's suing. He was suing Crockford's and lost because they hadn't paid him yet. So this Borgata versus Ivy case has been going on for a long time. But there's a side situation, a side dispute in this whole thing, and that's between the Borgata and the card manufacturer, Gemico. The Borgata claims that Gemico gave them improperly secure cards, that it's their fault for manufacturing cards that were different from one another on the back to where this could be exploited by someone who's observant. And that they were trusting Gemico to give them cards that are identical on the back from to where this couldn't be done. That they were trusting them, that they blew it with the security with their cards, and therefore they are liable. And that uh, so they're suing Gemico as well. So there's a battle going on between Gemico and the Borgata here. And some legal filings took place. And... An attorney for the Borgata named Jeremy Klausner filed a response to uh, Gemico. And and what the Borgata has been doing, they've actually been uh, making some of this public to the media, and some of this they've not made public. So it's interesting. They're selectively making some of their filings public to the media. Almost like if, if they have something that they think will make them look really good, they put it out, and if they don't, then they don't. So uh, here's what the Borgata had to say. Here, here's what uh, their attorney, this Klausner guy, had to say. Uh, he says, Some factual inaccuracies must be highlighted with respect to the issue. Gemico claims that the Division of Gaming Enforcement of New Jersey cl- conducted an independent investigation, and there was no finding that Gemico violated any laws or regulations. There's actually no there's absolutely no evidence that the Department of Gaming Enforcement conducted any investigation. Contradicting itself in the very same paragraph, Gemico highlights the fact that the Department of Gaming Enforcement does not have any investigative reports or similar documents related to the case at hand. If there's no reports or similar documents, how can Gemico say that an investigation was conducted or any finding was made? It cannot. More important, Detective Andrew Koch testified that no one for the Department of Gaming Enforcement even inspected the cards. Gemico also tries to confuse the issue by creatively interpreting De- Detective Koch's ter- testimony. Gemico would have, would have this court understand that Detective Koch, in his discretion, administratively closed the investigation without issuing a criminal complaint, although he could have done so. This Interpretation does not square with the actual testimony. It is clear that Detective Koch wanted to bring a criminal complaint. He testified that he determined edge sorting is a cheating scam, which I, I don't agree with, by the way. I don't. I still don't feel Ivy was cheating. I, I feel they were just, they noticed the cards uh, gave away what they were on the backs and they were taking advantage of that. That's, that's the, they're just using their own mind. That's not, I don't see this as cheating at all. It was the casino uh, being negligent. Anyway, it it goes on saying, although there are circumstances where Koch can sign a criminal complaint, he was directed not to do so in this case. He was directed by superiors to conduct his investigation, meet with the attorney general's office, and let them decide whether to bring charges. The deputy attorney general that Koch was working with uh, sought permission to charge Ivy and Son, but permission was denied by her superior. So that's interesting. I didn't know this, that... uh, 
they were attempting to criminally charge Ivy and his partner, but uh, that this permission was denied by someone high up in the uh, attorney general's office. So I, I never knew this had any criminal element to it. I had always thought this is just completely civil. That would have been strange if Ivy went to jail for this, but uh, I guess the the uh, deputy attorney general actually wanted to charge him according to this filing, and then uh, someone above him said, uh-uh, we're not doing it. Interesting. So, uh, so they're claiming here that the Gemico is uh, trying is claiming that uh, there there is there's no. It's already been investigated by the gaming And that there's nothing they've done wrong And this uh, this Borgata Attorney saying uh uh-uh, uh that's not true They they never did anything uh, he, Then they wrote more important As stated above there's overwhelming evidence That the playing cards do not apply With applicable res- regulations This court Can and should determine that the cards at issue Violate those regulations Once that determination is made Jemico's argument that the regulatory compliance guarantee Is irrelevant is becomes moot Because the cards do not comply with the regulations The guarantee was breached So so basically they're saying that uh, The cards were no good And therefore uh, Anything that uh, Protects them in the law Shouldn't uh, shouldn't apply here if, If they gave cards that did not comply With the regulations in the first place However, there's of course the other side of the story. The gambling code they are talking about in these filings by the Borgata demands that all cards at the casino are identical and indiscernible to players. Well, that would seem to make sense, but what does identical mean? Do you think that there's ever been a deck of cards where all 52 cards are identical? The answer is no. There has never been one. It is impossible to manufacture cards that are identical to one another on the back. Impossible. There will always be very, 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 very slight, tiny differences. Now, most of these differences are so small that you would need a powerful microscope to be able to see them. So that doesn't matter. Provided the human eye can't see them, then the differences don't matter. So the question is, what does identical mean as far as this regulation is concerned? Because it cannot really be identical. So what do they mean by identical? Well, the common sense approach would be identical to the point where the human eye Cannot tell the difference So this is where we're Kind of stuck in a gray area Because it seems clear That that the reason Ivy had to use this partner Was not because his eyesight Was bad, was because She had a special talent that almost Nobody has To be able to see these tiny tiny Differences in the cards That she trained for years To be able to do And that's why she was sought out to do this. That's why she was bankrolled to do this. By people like Ivy. So if this was something you could just train yourself to do as an average person, you would do it yourself. You wouldn't need this woman. 
Ivy had her there because he couldn't do it himself. I have a feeling if I tried it, or if you tried it, you would not be able to do it either. So the question is, if we have kind of like a freak, like this woman was, with being able to do this, does that really mean that Jemico was negligent by making cards that almost everybody could not tell the difference except for this one woman who has this amazing ability to be able to do it? Now you can say that they should have really, really taken care to make them so identical that even someone with an extraordinary ability like hers shouldn't have been able to tell. It should have been something you need a microscope to see. So I can understand that argument too. But Jemico could say, look, (laughs) from all our testing, a human being should not have been able to tell. This is just one person with extraordinary ability that hadn't been seen before. So... That's is that your is that your opinion saying they can't be identical? Or is that what they're claiming? No, it it, it it's the truth that nothing can be identical. Nothing. No, but if they're printing from a press, if they're the way they print the cards, if I print flyers and I print a thousand flyers, they're all going to be identical because they're all printed. No, there will be very very slight tiny differences, tiny that you'll never be able to see. But everything has a, a tiny, tiny difference to it. The, the, you're never going to be able to print two things that are absolutely identical where not one difference could be found. It's just, well, to, but then that would be random, though. In other words, if there was consistency on how they were changed, and you're saying that you can't print two things, even if it's run through the same press, you know, then it wouldn't be, you know, then how would it, be that all the kings were this way and all the aces were that way. I, I think what was happening is I, I think and someone correct me if I'm wrong. I think that they once they would see the uh, they'd see the card, they see the backs first and see what's turned over, then they'd remember what they were for the next time. For the next time it comes through. I think it was it was, it was that re- rather than just noticing oh the kings are this way, the aces are that way. I, I think that's the way it was. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think that's what's going. I think that's why the reason for this whole argument is. So that that's that's uh, one problem here. Now there's um, there's a there's a concept in in the law known as uh, uh, contributory contributory negligence, and there's a similar term called comparative negligence, and, and that's basically saying that. Uh, even if you can say that the one you're suing was negligent, meaning that they, they were careless and did something wrong that ended up harming you, if you were also negligent and caused, and caused part of the problem yourself, then uh, it either reduces or eliminates their liability to you. So it should be noted here that had the Borgata not agreed to these silly rule changes that they demanded which they claimed because she was Asian and superstitious where they had to turn the cards a different way because if they didn't turn the cards a different way it still wouldn't be close enough for her to see them and and if they didn't uh, uh, do a few other things I think uh, what was it they turned the cards a different way and they made a few other allowances which I don't remember anymore but anyway had they not changed the rules for, for Ivy uh, at, at their request, 
then this wouldn't have been possible. So Jemico's also been arguing, look, you guys did it to yourselves by changing the rules for him. If you if you kept the rules as they were, this could not have been exploited. So, so that's where the contributory negligence might come in. Where they can say, look, Borgata, you did this to yourselves. You, you moved the cards closer to them, allowing them to see this. Had they been at the distance they were supposed to be, then they couldn't have done this. Which is true. So, but I'm not saying I'm totally on uh, Jemico's side, because they did make cards that she was able to do this with, which they shouldn't have. They, they should have done a better job. And well, I'm sure Jemico had an agreement with the hotel. When they agree to buy the cards, they're saying that they're going to give them cards that are all the same. Yes, and, that, and that's what Borgata has been saying is that they that they they basically had an expectation that these cards were going to work a, a, as they were supposed to, and weren't going to have any kind of flaw where people can tell what they are from the back. And and Jemico saying back, well, number one, this was highly unusual; someone would be able to do this, and and we'd never seen anything like this before. And number two, uh, you guys changed the game and moved the cards closer to to Ivy and his partner. And if you hadn't done that and kept them at the distance they were supposed to be. Then, then this wouldn't have worked anyway. So you, you guys screwed yourselves by doing something non-standard. So it's, it's an interesting argument. I'm not sure who is correct here, but uh, what I was saying with the contributing, the contributory negligence and the comparative negligence, um, I actually had a, a prank call which kind of demonstrated this. Uh, if you remember uh, Colonel Fabersham, I think this is on the Donktown show, but Colonel Fabersham once called the Aria when they had that funny parking lot where they had all these spots that look like spots, but then you get there and it's, it's like a they have a marking on them showing no parking. So it was really frustrating. I mean, it was based on a real experience of mine driving around the lot looking for parking and and seeing what looked like a spot, and then I'd get closer to it and it wasn't a spot. Because when you drive through a, a, a parking structure looking for a spot you look for any opening between the cars so I really had that frustrating experience so I made a prank call based on it where Colonel Fabersham claimed that every time he thought he saw a spot and it wasn't and he just went crazy looking for a spot and by the time he finally found one he was in such a terrible mood he showed up to the poker room on tilt and lost $10,000 so he was saying that he's blaming them for it and believe it or not they offered (laughs) Colonel Fabersham a free weekend stay there and put him in the computer too bad I couldn't uh, redeem it because I'm not Colonel Fambersham in real life. So uh, anyway, the, the, where the uh, comparative negligence comes in is that uh, Colonel Fabersham cannot make a legal claim, even if you want to say that uh, they're at fault for the way they made their parking lot. He can't say that the bad decision he made after that to go play poker when he's in a bad mood was their fault. He didn't have to go play poker. So if he chose to do it anyway, then that's his negligence. And therefore, they shouldn't owe him anything. So from a legal standpoint, Colonel Nigel Fabersham was in bad shape. So that's a good example of of comparative negligence. And, And the general standard, by the way, for this, is that if the plaintiff is found to be 50% or more at fault for the situation, then they lose. So if there's a situation where two parties are at fault 
and the one suing either has an equal fault in it or a little bit more than equal, then he cannot win anything. doesn't matter if the other side contributed 40% of the problem. doesn't matter. Once, once it's 50% or more of the fault of the plaintiff, he cannot win. So that, that's basically what uh, Gemico is trying to say about Borgata, that they contributed to the problem at least 50%. So we'll see how this plays out. See if the chat room has anything to say here. Grenada Roger says the player scouted the shuffle technique used by casinos and found Borgata's shuffle technique had the weak had a weakness. The Borgata dealers would split the deck into a two pack into two pack, but would not reverse the position of one of the packs. If they did, the edges sort the edge sorting wouldn't have worked. Interesting. Edge shorting requires the players to return the cards to the dealer in a specific way with irregular the irregularity in a certain position. It may take a couple of shoes to get the deck properly aligned. The players need the table exclusive to make it work. That means they have to have it themselves. Once that is done, the play, then the player's up the bet. Hmm. I didn't know that. So basically, you're returning the cards back to the dealer in a certain way. And then the way they shuffle, um, you remember the, I guess it, it aligns the deck properly to where you can see which card is which, and uh, I see. Hmm. And of course it has to have differences, and there it won't work. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see here. You know, I haven't looked at the ratings tonight. Let's see what the ratings are. Ah, better than I thought. Actually, almost, uh, to be honest, we almost had a full-rated show tonight. I mean, right now the ratings are down. But uh, as far as the peak listenership tonight, it's just a little bit below where it usually is on Wednesday. Hmm. Better than I thought it would be. Let's try to take a caller. Oh, we did. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, Todd, it's Marty. Marty, hello. So you are, uh, you've recently been unbanned on Poker Fraudler. You made a return, which uh, <laughs> I see people uh, are reacting well to. So so what's going on? I, uh, you wrote that you're not in Mexico anymore? Hey, can I ask you a favor? Yeah. Can you uh, please be respectful to me tonight? Okay. And don't uh, mock. And don't mock me or uh, belittle me. I'd really appreciate that. Okay. Go, go ahead. Tell, tell us what uh, w- you calling to tell us about your situation. What's what's this? Uh, what's the topic of tonight's phone call? The topic of my phone call. Yeah. Are you calling for a reason or just just a call? No, I just figured I'd call to bug you. Okay. Okay. But you're you're no what's longer. The, what's, what's the show, what's the show about? What what have you been talking about? I'm uh, not listening uh, to the show. Uh, a lot of different things. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to rehash the show, but uh, we're actually just about to go to a new topic. So I'll just before I do that, I'll I'll talk to you here. So so you're you're, you're no you're you're really you're you're really hyped up right now. You kind of sound like you're on meth or something. No right? no no, I'm not on meth. I'm actually not hyped up. I've been doing the show for three and a half hours here. That's uh, but okay. Listen, did you? Oh, hold on. I have a surprise here. I have another person to add. Someone I didn't expect would come on. Brandon, hello. Brandon? Can't hear you, Brandon. No, we'll let Brandon figure this out. I can't hear him. So, Marty, uh, so you're no longer in Mexico, right? 
Yeah, Mexico is really a, a dirt pile. <laughs> it took me about a year and a half to figure it out, but Mexico is um, it's uh, it's not a very good place. Now, by the way, Mex- by the way, uh, Mexicans hate Americans. Hmm. They they really do. They really hate us. Uh, um, anyway, I'll, I'll let you continue. Um, I've had a couple of drinks, so I, it's your show. Go ahead. Okay. No, no. I, um, so, so you know, when I when I read your story about me- leaving Mexico, one thing that surprised me the most is <laughs> that, is that you said that you got Mexican food that was good for the first time once you left Mexico. That in Mexico, all the Mexican food sucked, and you had to go to San Diego for good Mexican food. I don't care if I ever see another tortilla as long as I live. Uh, I am so burned out on Mexican food. It's ridiculous. I literally had to cross the border to get back into Mexico, or excuse me, to get back into San Diego to to go to Chipotle because the Mexican food in Mexico fucking sucks. Um, I don't know if you know what uh, birria is. Birria is like a um, a, uh, pork stew and uh, it's hard to explain um i don't know see i was I picturing know. i was picturing let me tell you this actually kind of disappointed me because i was picturing in mexico where I, i've i've been to a few times but i haven't spent much uh, time there i always pictured that uh, if you went to get authentic mexican food in mexico it would be really good and it, it's disappointing to hear that it actually sucks no no it's no it's it's not it's not it's not good I mean, unless you want, unless you want to spend thirty thirty five bucks at Lobster Village in Puerto Nuevo for a lobster dinner, yeah, yeah, then it's good. But for the most part, Mexican food is pretty awful. Huh. Um. Anyway, um, on to bigger and brighter things. How's it going with you? How little Benny? No, Ben's fine. He's five and a half years old, and. Uh... I heard I heard he uh, I heard he hacked your Twitter account the other day. What's up with that? He did, he did. Oh, and in fact, Charter, if some of you remember him, actually commented on it. Uh, where uh, Benjamin Benjamin actually has a phone that uh, I let him use. It's an old iPhone that I don't use anymore. So I gave it to him. It doesn't have service, but if he's connected to the internet, he can use it. So he likes to use that to send text messages to me or his mom. And and most uh, of his, most of his text messages are just junk. They're just a bunch of those uh, emoticons or whatever. But <laughs> but but uh, so what happened was I was I was in the car with him and I, I let him use my phone to to send text messages to his mom who was away on a business trip. And and then uh, I didn't realize while he was using my phone he switched over to the Twitter text message number which is it was on my list which is the four zero four zero four. If you send it to that, you send it to Twitter. So he was texting to Twitter, and whatever he texted to Twitter would show up on my Twitter as if it came from me. So he tweeted all these uh, hearts, and it's it's funny the stuff that he tweeted really made it look it almost made it look like it told a story. Like I was almost really looked like I was tweeting with emoticons to make it look like I was just really in love and, and expressing a um, you know how much I love someone. It was really just him just texting junk. So uh, Charter saw it, Christian Harder, and texted back to me. This this is when I realized something was going on. When I when I took the phone, I saw I had a tweet from Charter saying, "You in love, bro?" <laughs> so then I went. Oh my god! Are are you are you still playing that that laugh track? Well, yeah, Come but on, uh, man, you're uh, better. No, you're the, better than that. No, no, you're people, than no, that, people like the laugh track. The laugh track is a. Uh, 
it's a staple on the show. But anyway, but I I, uh, I actually uh, I actually met Charter at the Rio uh, on my second World Series event. He's actually a really really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, Charter's nice. I like yeah. Charter. So he is a good guy. How did he? I, I saw his stats the other day. The guy's won three point six million dollars well, in earnings. What happened? How did he go from being a you know, I, I remember Charter from the old days, and he was kind of a just a your average, you know, average guy. And then, how did he explode? What happened to him? Well, no, he he, yeah, he, he became good at tournaments, and uh, and he got people to back him. Now, the, these stats are very misleading because he's entered a lot of tournaments, a whole lot of them. So I don't know how much he spent in buy-ins versus that three point six million, but uh, yeah, he's a good tournament player. That, that that's for sure. Uh, but he does play a lot of them, so it's it's always hard to tell with tournament players how well they're really doing. But uh, anyway, he 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 does have some kind of backing deal with uh, with someone who's backing him, and he, he's had that for a long time. So that that's what he's been doing. And I mean, I I personally couldn't do it. I know you like the tournaments, but I I, I can't stand tournaments uh, other than the World Series, which I do once a year. Uh, I I can't stand tournaments because. I don't like the inconsistency with him. I don't like how you go long periods of time winning just about nothing, and you're you're just waiting for that big score, which may or may not come. Well, I'm kind of burned out on tournaments. I'm I'm uh, more geared on cash. I've been playing at Ocean's Eleven, and I've been playing uh, a lot of live cash lately. I, I actually prefer cash games now. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you? What, what do you out, I'm kind of burned out. I'm kind of burned out on tournaments, to be honest with you. Now, now, what do you play at uh, Ocean Eleven? What what games are you playing there uh just just the, you know still the same you know one two one three games just i, I still play low limit um it's because it's easily exploitable the the competition at that level is ridiculously bad so um and i consider myself a decent cash game player so um when i'm sober enough to play poker i do pretty well now, now, what when you so, play at uh, Ocean's Eleven? Uh, what what style do you use? Are you are you very wild and unpredictable, or are you just uh, a more of a solid type player? What what is your uh, what is your style? You know what? I just like making unpredictable moves. I like squeeze plays, pre flop. When everybody limps in, I like to bust out a really really big squeeze play. Like if I'm on the big blind, and just hope I catch a piece of the flop. I don't know. I mean, I'm still pretty conservative. I don't like to call raises with junk like ace deuce offsuit or ten jock offsuit. I, I like I like position. I think position is the most. Uh, I think position is the most important attribute of live cash game play. Okay. Now, um, now, now that you're back. In, anyway. now that you're back in the U.S., uh, are, are you considering in the 2016 World Series of Poker? coming and playing any events, uh, including maybe... No, no, no. Okay. I'm, ne- I'm never going back to Las Vegas. It's a shithole. It's a, it's gonna, it's a pile of fucking shit. I'm never going back to Las Vegas. I don't care if someone wants to stake me for the main event. You will not see me back in Las Vegas wow. ever again. And I'll state that for the record. Okay, and so are you going to be living in, in San Diego for the near future? Where, where are you going to be uh, living now? Uh, well, I haven't seen my mom for a couple of years. I was actually, I'm, I know you like to say I, I ran home to mommy, but I haven't seen my mom for almost two years. I want to go to Sacramento and see my mom. Um, let's see, what else? What am I going to do? I don't know. You tell me. What should I do? What well, should I, I do, Todd? I, you tell I, I, me. I don't know. That's that's up to you. I, 
There's a lot I don't uh, get to see in the day-to-day life of, of Marty. I only. I, to... I really, I really like Southern California. I forgot how much I loved L.A. You know, if you recall, I used to work for the L.A. Times, and I really loved L.A. But um, there's a lot going on in Southern California. It's really fun. Plus, there's commerce, and there's the bike, and hustler, and there's a lot of great places to play poker. So I'm. But it's so expensive. Fuck. Yeah, it is. It I is. don't have three. I don't have three thousand dollars to pay first and last, and you know, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm still, you know, I'm not exactly flush with cash. So um, I'd love to live in Southern California, but my God, it's so expensive. But I've, I've spent the last week and a half or so just doing a PCH road trip. Uh, came up from Mexico, and I'm. Um, I'm kind of on the road right now. Really? So, what are you still in Southern California right now? Uh, Central California. I'm Central. near uh, San Luis Obispo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So, so are you are you headed back towards Sacramento? Is that where you're going to be eventually and visit your mom there? I don't know. You okay. tell me. I've, well, you said you tell me. What, what should I? What should I do, Todd? I, give me give me your advice. What should hey, I do with the rest of my life? Is that Brandon? Oh, it's Brandon. You got it. We got it working. Brandon, hello. What's going on, bud? Is, is that Brandon? Yep, Brandon. What's up, guys? Brandon, Brandon. I'm so happy to hear your voice, man. I, I don't have any bad feelings against you, dude. I know. I love I you, man. I don't have any. It, it, no, you you always you always keep saying that you always keep saying I hate you or I have some kind of lingering animosity. I don't, man. You're you're it's okay. All, you're okay, man. It's all in the past. Listen, I, I do yeah, want yeah. to ask you. Do you really have yeah. to bribe? You really had to bribe your way into Mexico. I read the thread a little while ago. Yeah, yeah. man, absolutely. I had, I actually, I had a, I had a, I had a hundred and sixty bucks on me in cash, and then when I drove through the border the second time, I got stopped again. I'm like, fuck. And then, uh, you know, the cops, the the federales are banging on my window, and you know, I, I was really stressing out about my dog. You know, it wasn't just me. You know, I don't give a shit. I just wanted to get back home to my dog. You know, he's like. Poor little guy. So I basically had to beg the federales to let me back in through the border, but he wanted $100, so I we debated for about 20 minutes. You know, he was going to send me back. You know, the, I already – keep in mind, this is the second time. I already got deported once. But the second time, he's, you know, he's saying, oh, I want $100, I want $100, and I, I just kind of chipped him down and – Finally, took eighty bucks and let me through back into Mexico. So the answer is yes. I did have to bribe my way back into Mexico. And, and now, you got I'm, you got kicked. What I'm, what I'm confused first... about is I read your post. The first time you thought that they nailed you because you had an expired tag and you're in the far yeah. right lane. The second yeah. time though, you said you made it through and you saw the sign that said. Uh, where you were yeah, 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 but, yeah, so exa- they, yeah. How do they nail you the well, second time? Yeah, I did. I did make it through. Uh, look, when you when you cross through the border, I don't know if you've been in New Mexico, but when been. you cross in, okay, well, in well, you know, then there's like thirty different lanes, right? And I, I, so the second time I went all the way to the left because you know my Jeep was pretty high profile. You know, it's a you know, I get I was getting rubbernecked all the time in Mexico. They want to rip off my Jeep every time I'm I'm turning around. So anyway, uh, the second time I decided, okay, go to the left hand sides because I'm I'm gonna get recognized. It's only two and a half hours later, like three hours later, so I went through the 
the left the left side the second time, and I was through, and I saw the sign. You know, there, there's a sign right that says Ensenada Rosarito, and I'm like, I'm like, ah, God, I'm like, fucking, thank God, I made it through. All of a sudden, these guys are like beating on my window. They they pulled me before I could get. I was through the border technically, but they stopped me before I was able to get on the road, and you know, they basically busted me the second time. So that was when I got pulled back over and I had to bribe this guy. And how so, long until you had to leave the country? Like, what do they give you? I mean, you know what I mean? You bribe them, but how long did that buy you time for? No, I was, no, I, I, they was, I wasn't bribing myself for time. I was just trying to get back across. I mean, no, I was, no, I was you, living in Rosarito. Right, but what I'm saying is, do they say like, okay, $100 or $80 and we'll let you go, but you have to leave the country? Because I thought you said they were deporting you. Or like making no, you no, no, no. The, the first time they, the first time they deported me. The second time I was just trying to squeeze back through the border and I had to pay this by a hundred dollars just to get back in through the, across to Mexico. I, I, I mean, but technically, I, mean, stuff, I, I guess what I'm asking, like, were you already moved out Were all your things already on? The- no, 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 no. All, all my stuff is, all my stuff was still there. My dog's there. I'm, I'm staying at this place. You can look, I'll tell you what, I'll, since I'm gone, I don't give a fuck. I'll just, <laughs> might as well say, I was, I was staying at, at uh, this place called, um, El Pariso Artis, which was, it was literally a block away from the Rosarito Beach Hotel. And I was living, literally living, living beachfront for 600 bucks, but, um, so I just I wanted out, man. Is after the second time, and then you got to, to your dog, did you leave right yes. away? That's what I'm trying to get at. What happened after that? No, no, no. I, I, I waited about another week. I, my okay. rent was due. My, my rent was due, and, and I was just kind of ready to come back, and I didn't want to, um, you know, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of short on cash, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to come back. And that's, you know, I turned around and made it back across. But, you know, I, technically, I did not get, quote, unquote, uh, deported, but the first time I did, uh, over expired tags, the second time they were, you know, I, after I brought the border guard, he let me back in, but about a week and a half later, I, I came back. Well, so, I have, so I have a question have here. Expired tags in Mexico, they'll just kick you out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. You don't even know, man. They, <laughs> it wasn't just me. When I got pulled over the first time for the tags, they had like like ten or twelve other cars. They rounded up, and we all got ushered back across the border by the federal police for expired tags. Or a lot of people are trying to get in cars that don't have current registration, or you know they're they're trying to like literally smuggle cars into Mexico. So. When I got pulled over, you know, it wasn't just me. It was but 10 other people, like 10 or 12 other people. I had to sit there for about an hour and a half, like, going, what the fuck, you know? And, I'm, you know, I was appealing to them, going, come on, you guys. I'm like, come on. And I was trying to wait a few couple 20s at them. But, no, they were really diligent. They wanted to – they were steadfast. They're like, stay there, stay there. And there's, like, 12 other cars. And we literally got escorted back by the federal police, like – Literally, when I say deported, I didn't get deported from Mexico by the right. federal police. But just, yeah, they just made. You well, I have yeah. I have a question here. I have a question. Uh, 
you you left Mexico. You know, I know you had to go back and get your dog and your stuff, which makes sense. But uh, w- what about the the rent you had pl- paid in this place? Was there uh, rent you had paid for you didn't get to use because you're you're leaving Mexico so abruptly, or, or was the the rent already? No, up I was I was paid I was paid up until the first. I mean, I wasn't trying to squeeze out on rent or anything. I just you know I had I had had paid my rent. I just figured it was kind of time to bounce. You know, I haven't. Any- I haven't even told the second phase of the story, but I have some issues with, um, <laughs> oh my God, this is a whole other chapter. I don't want to even, I don't want to give you the Cliff's Notes version. I need to write, write another thread about this, but um, <laughs> I'm just sitting here cracking up about this story, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I had another 20 minutes to tell this story. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, I mean, do you think that you were on, like, were you, were you on their radar, do you think, in Mexico? Like, were they, like, Oh, hell, oh, fucking, oh, fucking hell yeah, man. Oh, fucking hell yeah. Brandon, you know what? Dude, I got, I got busted by the cops. I mean, let me tell you guys a really funny story. When I was, when I, after, like, six months in Mexico, I was at this bar called The Lighthouse. You can look it up online if you want. It's called the Lighthouse. It's like KM fifty fifty two. It's like fifteen miles south of um, of Rosarito, and it's it's a nice nice club. Uh, this guy George owns it. It's a it's a pretty popular hangout for expats, right? Anyway, I got completely shit faced. So um, this is when I had my when I had my Jeep and I and I had the top off. I had pulled the hard top off, and I'm driving back from the Lighthouse. I'm totally ripped, and I run out of gas. So I'm sitting there on the side of the road in the middle of fucking Mexico. I'm going, oh my god, I'm run- I'm out of gas. I- I'm actually paranoid because I'm, gonna- I'm thinking I'm going to get, you know, I- I'm a little nervous. So the cops pull up behind me after like I'm. I literally just sat there in my car for like 15 minutes. I'm going, oh my god, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So the cops pull up behind me and they put their lights on. I'm like, oh great. So the, the cop comes up to my window and. You know, I, I didn't even want to bullshit him. And he's like, hey, you've been drinking, haven't you? And I said, yeah, yeah, I had a little bit too much to drink. I said, hey, man, I ran out of gas. Well, you know what these guys did? There's two of them. You know what they did? They went and got me gas. They're like, wait here for 10 minutes. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be right back. And they, they went to the Pemex, and they brought me two gallons of gas, and they escorted me back to my house in Puerto Nuevo, and it cost me a grand total of 500 pesos, which is basically like 30 bucks. And so the moral story is the police in Mexico just want to get paid. They're, they're not looking to ruin your life. It's not, you know, imagine if that happened in California. Imagine if I got, if I imagine if I ran out of gas all wasted in California, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to impound my car. They're going to arrest me for a DUI, and they're going to fuck my life over. The cops in Mexico just want to get greased. Yep. So, anyway, um, that's what happened there. They, they literally, these guys are like, okay, wait here. They're like, wait here for 15 minutes or 10 minutes, and then they, they go to get me two gallons of gas. They come back with gas. Then they escort me back to my place in Puerto Nuevo, and I just paid them 500 pesos, like 30 bucks. And we just shook hands. We're like, all right, have a good evening. How I got long popped. You, I got, long were you, what was the total amount of time you were in Mexico for? A little over, I guess a little over a year and a half. But, and you never saw the insides and all these crazy stories. You never saw the insides of a Mexican jail, though, right? Nope. 
That's quite impressive. Yep. Hey, do you want, do you want to you want to know a real you want to hear another funny story? I didn't have any I didn't have any issues with Mexicans. You know, everybody's like, "Oh my god, Mexico's so dangerous. It's so dangerous. It's not dangerous. Don't do stupid shit. Don't go to Tijuana looking for crack and whores at two o'clock in the morning. Be respectful to the Mexican people. You'll be all right." You know, I did have problems there. I had I, I had three incidents. And the three incidents I had, two of them were with these asshole Brooklyn fucking jerk-offs that were, you know, they're expats. They're like East Coast fucking losers. And I got in a fight with a black dude at a bar in Puerto Nuevo. <laughs> and that's it. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have... Pardon me? No, I said I didn't even know they had black... Was this a tourist, the black guy in Mexico? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's there's one. I think there's like one black guy in Mexico right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I happen to get in a a fight with him. So um, I'm telling you the truth. What about the hookers in Tijuana? Do you have any interesting stories? I I mean, I, I, you know, I haven't been there in years, but I remember that red district about 15 years ago. Uh, I mean, there were just hookers and whores everywhere. Yeah, I saw that too. I, I saw that too. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, just... to be honest, the only time I spent in Tijuana when I was was when I was crossing the border just to get gas. I didn't spend any time in Tijuana. It was all it was all Puerto Nuevo, Ensenada. You know, I lived in Ensenada for a year, and then uh, I stayed in Rosarito when I first got there. But honestly, I I couldn't tell you anything about Tijuana. I I, st- I stay out of trouble, man. I'm not I'm not I'm not out there looking for now, trouble. Ensenada, I'm not into in Ensenada where you lived. Was, was there any sort of like miniature red light district there or no? Nothing like that. I don't know, man. I I I I, I was there for the beach and to hang out. I, I'm not into the hooker and drug scene, believe it or not. I no, I'm, I'm a drug I, was, I just didn't know. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is it like random like. You know, you, you're going to a bar, restaurant. There are working girls everywhere. Or is it, it's not really like that. It's only kind of in that one concentrated area in, in the Baja part of California. No, I, I I know this is a disappointing response, but I'm just not into the big nightlife hooker scene, man. Uh, one of the reasons, the only reason I came to Mexico is because I for the weather and because I wanted to play poker again and just to because I was pissed off about the whole situation in Oregon. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not into drama and hookers and the nightlife, man. I so, so what happens now myself. So what happens now with poker stars? Are you kind of just admitting that you're done for a while in terms of being able to play since That's you're true. back in the U.S.? Well, um, I don't know. I'm, you want, you want an honest answer, Brandon? You can, whatever you want to say, buddy. I'm just. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, do you want, do you want an honest answer? Um, well, my honest answer can, is don't say anything that can incriminate you, though, because there are people that believe. No, 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 no. nothing's gonna, nothing's nothing's gonna nothing's gonna incriminate me. Um, there are but the Isle of Man that listen to this show, so it's don't true. say anything that wouldn't want the. <laughs> there actually are. We're not even kidding. Look, the, the truth of the matter is, I really don't care about online poker. It's I have to be motivated to play. I have to be hungry to win, and. After my after my scores last year, I just kind of lost my interest in playing online. I I can't I can't sit there and grind it out for 
eight hours a day like a lot of people. You know, there there are a lot of grinders down in Mexico in, in Rosarito. You know, there's at least two or three thousand guys that move to Rosarito just to play on Poker Stars. But you know, the the truth is is that after my scores last year, I I honestly just kind of lost interest. I can't you know I can't sit there and grind out poker. It's just you know I have to be I have to be into it. I I got to be hungry. You know, and I just kind of lost my edge. I just kind of lost my edge, I guess. It was kind of like, remember Rocky Three when he went up against that Clubber uh, Lang? That was, you know, the guy played by Mr. T. Yeah, but, yeah I know it's different, but, you know, I remember, though, he lost his edge, and then Clubber Lang kicked his ass. And uh, No, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not that I don't. In, don't you think maybe in six months or a year you're going to miss that and say, shit, I want to get back on Poker Stars now and, and just – start playing those no you know uh, actually no you know I'm, I'm having fun playing live man i forgot how good i was playing live you know it's ironic because i suck at online cash but i'm a beast when it comes to live cash and you know i've been having fun just playing live cash it's a lot more fun i i, I have i haven't played live poker for almost two and a half years i i get back to la and san diego you know, I was at Commerce and Ocean's Eleven, and I stopped in at the bike, and I forgot how fun it was to play live cash. So, um, you know, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it's the truth. So, um, you know, I've been putting my trust. Somebody had posted on the fraud site, I don't even know who, that I, I just remember looking at it, but I don't, I don't think I watched the video, that they alleged that they had film of you uh, winning uh, – a bat or being a part of a bad beat jackpot at, at, at one of these casinos. Do you know about this? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm the one that posted the video. I mean, it, I don't know if it's online, but um, it is online. Yeah, it was a it was twenty. It was a, Yeah, I, I couldn't look it up on my phone for whatever reason, but um, I'm the one that put the video up. I guess someone, I guess one of my trolls, probably bottom set, some addict. Um, posted my video, but it was after that beat jackpot. Some guy hit quad. It was quad nines versus quad deuces. I just had the table share. I, I won like eighteen hundred bucks. It was a twenty-two thousand dollar jackpot, and um, that was not even three weeks ago. So, um, yeah, Brandon, listen, back. man. It really is good. To Brandon, yes. Brandon, Brandon, listen, man. It's really good to hear your voice, man. I hope you're doing well. I am. No, it is. Okay. No, it is, man. I really, hope you, I really. I'm, I'm glad everyone was respectable. I think this moving forward is how we should go about these things on the radio. I mean, Druff. Well, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't, uh, no fighting with anyone. I haven't, I haven't talked to you forever, man. But it's really good to hear your voice. I hope you're doing really well, man. Okay. Well, well Marty, thank you for calling in here. We're going to move yeah, to other nice topics call. here. With thank you for letting us know, and we look forward to the part two of your story. Uh, I think the, part of why he moved back, Druff, to be honest with you, is people have told me that Marty's a real big. Uh, Trump supporter. So I think he wanted to be oh. back right around the general election. Is that true? Oh, Marty? my God. We don't, don't even get me started. I don't even think Todd has – we need a separate segment for Trump. We need a, this is going to be another – Yeah, I, I don't even want to do that right now. <laughs> I know. Well, he, Todd doesn't want to do it, period. That's okay. Last time I called to talk about Trump, Todd hung up on me. That's why I was so fucking pissed oh, off at him. You guys, you guys want to, you guys want to talk about Donald Trump? Let's do it. But you want, you want to talk about this political race? I suggest we schedule 
a radio show specifically for this clusterfuck of a, of a, of a pre-election. Okay, but you'll have to be sober for it, though. Why, do, why should I be sober? That's not well, anyway, it doesn't make good radio otherwise. Well, he's done pretty good tonight. No, tonight, oh, tonight he, he's done okay. Are you hammered yeah. now or just kind of halfway there? I'm kind of halfway hammered. I mean, not not real hammered. I mean, I'm, but, yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I would love, I would love to do like 30 minutes about Donald Trump and this election. I would love to. Okay. Now you really think he's going to make America great again, don't you? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Well... I'll tell you what I think. I think he is the best option right now. I think Hillary is a disingenuous cunt. I think Bernie is a socialist pig. I, 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 the rest of them, the rest of them are all undesirables. At least, about, at least Trump is. That governor of Ohio, that John Kasich. What, 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 where the hell? Where the hell did this? Where the hell did this guy come from? I had never even heard of John Kasich before this election. Where the fuck did this guy come from? And now he's suddenly the GOP front runner? Are you shitting me? Anyway, uh, you're, get, you're getting Cruz. me all up. Ted Cruz, why don't you Ted, like him? Booger-eating Ted Cruz? Oh, my God, are you serious? I, I can't stand that guy. I can't, I can't figure out who I hate more, Hillary or Ted Cruz. I, I, I literally sit here thinking... Who is worse? Ted Ted Cruz is a piece of shit. I can't stand that guy. Oh, God damn it, Brandon. Listen, calm down. Go ahead and finish drinking, and maybe we'll commence this in 10 days the next time the, the fraud show's running. We'll, we'll do a little brief oh, segment on politics. I will I'm never finish. I will I will never finish drinking. No, I mean, but, <laughs> but I um, upset, ruin your drinking by upsetting you about the politics. No, it's not, it's not. It's not. A, it's a, it's actually not upsetting. I, I get it. No, it's not. It's not upsetting. I get excited talking about it, but um, most people can't handle it. You know, you, you, all these people that are Trump haters, all these all these lunatics that support Bernie Sanders, they all freak out. They're 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 the they're the violent ones. They they can't handle the truth. You know, that's the thing I like about Trump. At least he's at least he's at least at the very least, he's genuine. I, I don't get the feeling that he's lying to my face like Ted Cruz or Hillary. You know, look, hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on one second. Hold on. Look, at the, at the very least. Yes, of course, uh, Donald Trump is an asshole. Of course, he's a uh uh, misogynist. Of course, he's he's a, an egomaniac. But all I know is this: he's not bought and paid for by the pharmaceutical industry or by special interests. Or the you know, Jews. He, of course. Go ahead. No, I said or the Jews. What's his name? No, <laughs> Look, the guy, the guy. No, I kid you not. The the the. Uh, leader of the nation, the leader of the nation of Islam, uh, Lois, uh, Lois Lewis, Louis Farrakhan, came out and, and, and literally gave an endorsement to Trump and said that he supports Trump because he's not in the Jews' front or back pocket getting money from them. This is what he said. Hey man, hey look, look, that that's all I care about. Really, is that I know that he's not lying to me. You know, I know that he's in it. I know that he's in it for himself. Of course, he is. He's an egomaniac. Trump is a fucking asshole, and I still disagree with a lot of his talking points. Like, it's the, 
uh, global warming is a hoax. I disagree. And and the uh, and the notion that he wants to deport 11 million illegal immigrants it's not realistic. Okay. That, with that said, I know that all I know is when I watch his rallies and I when, when I see this guy talk, I don't get the feeling he's trying to blow smoke up my ass. And well, that's why he, he made he made you know headlines here in the U.S. And you know we won't go into all this. We'll save this for the next fraud show. But he made headlines in the U.S. at a rally in Arizona maybe about six eight months ago when he when he, he called Mexicans rapists and criminals. Now you were living in Mexico at the time. Was this talk amongst the countrymen? Did like people in Mexico even know that this was going on? No, but I'm serious. He upset a lot of he upset a lot of American Mexicans when he made these remarks. So was this stuff that was kind of talked about in Mexico? I mean, you were there. You know what? I wanted to set up a campaign satellite office in in uh, Rosarito, but that would have been a suicidal move. So well, not not only want, that, but, but who who can vote for him there if it's a different country? That doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I, I, it, it, Mexico's not the best place to be a Trump supporter. So I didn't I didn't I wasn't wearing my Make America Great Great Again hat in Rosarito. <laughs> I mean, um, but the truth is, look, you guys, Mexicans really resent Americans. Okay, and I'm speaking from a year and a half there. They hate your ass. You know, they'll be nice to your face, but the truth of the matter is Mexicans really don't like Americans very much. That's the truth. That's after a year and a half being there. The matter is that, that most Americans don't like Mexicans either, so it's kind of equal. Well, I, I don't think they're um, – <laughs> you don't even want to get me started, man. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to drive away the Mexican listeners we have here. Oh yeah, all the, the anyway. Well, thanks for taking the call. I'll let you guys go, uh, okay. Brandon. Really good to hear your voice, man. I'm, I hope you're doing well, Brady. Thanks, man. Okay. Thank, thank you, Mark. No, I no, I mean it. I mean it. It's nice to talk to you. I haven't talked to you forever. It's good to hear your voice, man. Is Be this, well, Marty. Is this your number on the Skype here? That I'm six one nine number. Yeah, that's my. I have, I have a cell. Yeah, all right, I'll that's you my cell. Text the radio's over. Maybe we'll we'll, we'll reconnect and uh, catch up more. Yeah, let's get together and do some drugs, man. <laughs> All right. All right, thank Later, you. guys. Well, it was a Marty call where he actually hung up, that and I didn't... probably ha- the nicest call I think we've I, I was ever gonna, had. Any Marty call where he, he uh, leaves on his own and I don't hang up on him is a good call. That's really nice. Maybe you think we can take this momentum and use it moving forward? Maybe. You never know. It's uh, we've, we've said this before, and it's it's uh, it's never lasted very long. But uh, yeah. but he, he somehow always comes back though. He, he, Marty's never gone for good. It's it's always uh, always a return for him. So yeah. he, I, I mean, honestly, very, he, uh... he he asked me through somebody else uh, if I could uh, unban him, and I said okay, and I unbanned him. And whatever happened with the forty dollars? I paid it to him. Did he ask nicely? No, but I paid him. <laughs> so, so I, I, I just gave up. I just said, "All right, fine, yeah. take it." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> he wouldn't. Bre- he wouldn't break or bend. He either. wouldn't break. Wow. I actually, well, a few cases, I backed down. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, listen, I tried calling you about two and a half hours ago. I, I, I had a really, and I've been on this very bad uh, sleep schedule, and woke up with I thought it was a migraine, but it was just a really bad headache. And then I t- tried calling into the fraud show. Right around when you guys were talking about the edge sorting and just the Skype kept sending me, it sounded like a black woman. You've reached the 
Fraud Alert Radio. We're not here right now. Did you know about this? It's not a black woman, but uh, it sounded like a black woman. You know, oh, it's not a very good connection. No, it's not. It's not a black woman. That's actually uh, Benjamin's mom. So if you look at your Skype, you can see right here. Miss call, miss call. Look at all those missed calls on there for me. Uh, let me see. Let me see. It may not show on my end. See, I'm looking at it. Oh no, I see. Yeah, twelve missed calls. That's weird. And then last week you had me in in a real, uh, real pickle. Did you tell the users what you did to me last week? Um, what did I do last? Skype set up at the end. Oh, I we 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 had an incident uh, last week at the end of the show where uh, I still don't know how this happened. A caller who called in and then just. Uh, he was in Northern California too. He yeah. actually compared himself to the Northern California guy. Yeah, he he uh, he he left the phone on and just uh, never hung up. And when the show was over, for whatever reason, Skype didn't show he was still on. So I was convinced it was just me and Brandon, and me and Brandon just did like our after-show talk. And we we didn't realize there's someone listening in on us. And thank goodness we didn't say anything too private. And uh, to this guy's credit, at one point he revealed himself. He could have kept listening. But once he revealed himself, then I looked at Skype again and it showed him on there. But I swear, when when the show was over, he wasn't there. Just, uh, Skype wasn't showing him. It must have had a bug or something. <laughs> so that that was disturbing. So now, now Brandon and I are paranoid that, that whenever we're talking, somebody's listening. Uh, who's on reason. this line now? Is that Trey Ruski still here? He's here. He's here, yeah. He can't be awake at this preposterous What's hour. What's happening, Brandon? Ah, there he is. Hey, Trader Risky. How are you, buddy? Good. How you doing? Northern California guy, are you still here? I'm here. How are you doing, bud? I'm pretty good. I got called out on radio so I, last week, so I figured I'd better I called show you out. Again. Yep. You did. Some, I, sometimes I a, a, a good coach has to there. know how to motivate their players. Absolutely. And speaking of which, I'd be, I'd be remiss... I want to give a shout-out before I forget, because he said if I didn't give him a shout-out, he'd never listen to the fraud show. Uh, his name is Skidman61 uh, on the Twitter. <laughs> now, he says to me, because uh, we were talking last week, and I had mentioned that even with all of my creativity and, and, and how I eat food and I'm not afraid of anything, that I had never had frog legs. So he sent me a tweet and said that he knows a couple good places in southern New Hampshire – with frog legs and he said just an okay experience as you suspect but then he wrote if i don't get a shout out on radio i'll be hopping mad <laughs> so i'm giving him a shout out to bill k or bill d skidman 61 big listener in north uh north uh what i say it was new, new hampshire. hampshire yeah uh, hampshire. i had, i had a really bad headache so this is dedication Remember when you had the voice issue yep. and it knocked you out for weeks? I mean, I'm really dealing with a severe headache, but I nah, wanted to tough. call in because uh, you know, there are a couple things. I, I didn't write them down, but uh, the one thing I wanted to say, I guess I could just go real fast without all these different points. I started listening right around when the gentleman, you guys were talking about uh, the Caesars affiliation with uh, Atlantis. Atlantis. Now, the one thing I want to say is the way it's run there, it's kind of like being on a cruise where they make you pay. Like if you go on, a, or at least the cruises I've been on, where they make you kind of pay gratuity. Yeah, like that's, like what I, added, that's what I figured. Yeah, it's ten or twenty a day. It's run like that. Secondly, the food there is outrageous. I think I heard uh, the Chinaman 
talking about a $30 peanut butter and jelly sandwich or yeah. pizza or something. That's really accurate. Like $100 would get, like, you, your son, and, and, and your lady, that would maybe be a breakfast. Hmm. That So the, don't – I mean, if you're doing it with that, thinking, oh, I have $100, we'll cover food, it, it's not. You want to go to a nice seafood, you're talking like $150 for like an eight-ounce uh, filet. You know, mm-hmm. lobster tail, you're talking two, $300. I mean, it's very, very expensive, especially for quality food. Next thing I, I, I noticed, uh, oh, the passport situation. You need a passport if you go to the Bahamas by plane. It used to not be that way, but after 911, uh, they had some sort of time frame that they made this a law that even – uh, Mexico. Uh, I think even now I'm pretty. I'm almost positive. Maybe Marty could say this, but I think even now in Me- to go to Mexico, you need a passport. Well, I can you tell you, can, I know over. for sure that flying into Canada you need it, but fly, but but uh, driving in you don't. But back back before nine eleven and a few years after, you used to be able to hop on a plane uh, to go to the Bahamas. Um, obviously the Virgin Islands and places like that because they're U.S. territories, but even places like St. Martin, St. Croix, uh, anywhere basically in the Caribbean, Jamaica, and you would just need a driver's license. The first cruise I ever went on was in the early 90s, and I was in like five different islands, and I didn't have a passport. Well, no, I'll tell you something, Brandon. You, st- you can still not have a passport for those. Cruises are an exception. No, they're not. Not anymore. Um, I, I went on I, in 2013. I went on uh, one of those type of cruises. It started cruise. January 1st, 2014. I'll have to take a look at that. Google it now. And what I mean, what island did you go to? Because now, unless it's a, like a U.S. only. No, it wasn't a U.S. It wasn't the U.S. It was it was Belize. It was uh, Honduras, uh, Mexico. Go ahead and Google it. I believe it started in two thousand. Uh, I can't uh, imagine it would have been that close because I I checked into it before I went and and I don't remember seeing something like oh wow I just missed this like I, I was there days before New Year's. So let's see here. I'm pretty sure that was part of the law. I think it was okay. Wait. Well, anyway, you can look it up, but I'm pretty certain that that no, you, you don't need. It says as of June first, uh, two thousand nine, U.S. citizens embarking on a cruise that originates and terminates at the same U.S. port are not required to have a passport. Okay, so maybe that's a loophole if it originates. But if it didn't, if it didn't, if it originated in the U.S., then you're yeah, and you have to come back to the same port. It can't be like a one-way cruise. It has to be a round-trip cruise to the same port, and it has to be okay. in the U.S. Huh. But that's what it was. Like I was from New York. I do know because I've been there, obviously, that you do do need a passport to to fly to the Bahamas. I yeah, that that, saying, and that I said too. One, like yeah. if you took a carnival cruise over to the Bahamas and then came back. Like from Miami or Fort Lauderdale, because that's what you're saying. Yeah, then you wouldn't need one. Yeah. And the last thing uh, was I when you were talking, you guys were talking about the edge sorting, um, and your the, the card manufacturer. What was the name of it? At Gemico. That that their uh, their defense or one of the points they were making were the fact that the they contended that if the Borgata hadn't given, I guess, Ivy and his companions. Uh, some special privileges and, and, and gone ahead and honored their wishes uh, that this would never happen. But And, and that's probably, that's obviously true. But in, in actual reality, in the very, very, very competitive high roller market in Las Vegas, things like that are very, very commonplace. We're literally 
you could even say something like, uh, well, you know, I'll actually give you a real life example. Uh, I know when I was working at the Hard Rock, and this was like 2003 or so, there was an old man that would come in, you know, he's probably like in his late 70s, early 80s, and the only thing he would wager was craps. That was his only game, but he was a very big player. So he had a condition. Uh, he would bet, uh, he would bet 10,000 a hand, and then he would take full at, full odds, meaning that the hard rock was three, four, five times odds, meaning if the point was four, 10, he would back his bet with 30,000. If the point was five or nine, 40, the point was six or eight, he'd back it with 50. It's called three, four, five odds. And basically anywhere on the strip, uh, that's, that's one of the, you know, big properties, MGM, Caesars, Wynn, Vene- you know, Venetian, they're all going to be th- what's called three, four, five. So anyhow, he made a, he had an agreement with the Hard Rock in advance that win or lose, that if he gambled four, four hours a day with these requirements that he'd post at least 10,000, you know, every come out roll, and he'd have three, four, five odds, depending on what the point is, and he'd play for four hours a day during his trip, that they would take his wife to the forum for a hundred thousand dollar shopping spree. Huh. And he did this every three months. Now, but now, well, you have to still think, you know, doing the math at, you know, an average bet of at least 40,000 a roll of the, of the dice, betting for four hours a day. And you usually would say, I think maybe three or four days, like a long weekend, maybe even, maybe five days at the most. The edge is still enough for them to give him that shopping trip that he's expected to lose. But anyhow, nonetheless, the point I'm making is things like that where you negotiate even crazy things where you, like, you say, well, you know what? I'm going to play. $100,000 a hand of blackjack. I promise you I'll do that for six hours every single day, a minimum of 100000 But in return, I want a new Mercedes, win or lose. You know, or a lot of people will ask for rebates, and rebates are very popular too. Now, again, this isn't for someone that's betting, you know, 100 or 500 a hand. But when you're betting in the tens of thousands, you know, of dollars a hand, it's very, very common that beforehand you'll discuss with your host, and the host will get it approved by the casino manager that if you lose – that you'll get a proportion of your losses. Yeah, I know about that. There was that guy percent back, fifteen percent. Right. There was that guy. There was that guy, Don Johnson, who was profiled about uh, quote the man who broke Atlantic City. And at first, I was very skeptical of him because the the way the article made it look, it it, it made it look like this guy was just a fish who got lucky and it was that the casinos were helped promoting you know how He's he. He's the won. guy that killed, beat the trop in somewhere on Golden. Yes, Rocket, yes, yeah. But it turned out when I I. I researched him more that uh, it was actually a pretty uh, clever scheme that, number one, he, he was counting somewhat, but but creating a lot of distractions where they couldn't see it. But also he was, uh, um, like, like, for example, a, a form of how he was using card counting to his advantage was uh, when the count would go really negative, um, he would throw a tantrum about something that he pretended to be pissed off about. He, he like, pretended to be very eccentric and very... Uh, uh, ad- easily agitated, so whenever the count would go negative, he'd pretend like something, sli- you know, some slight thing pissed him off. Like, okay, I'm not playing anymore. If it's gonna be like this, you know what? I- I'm leaving, and then he'd walk off. Or uh, you know. T- but you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm there's not saying there's nothing wrong with it. Casinos I, I, are there to take your money. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not yeah, saying right. it's bad. No, no, but I'm just saying my opinion. There's nothing wrong with what he did. But yeah. So the point I'm making is it's not against the law in this state. I can't speak to. New Jersey or other states to make deals, you know, give rebates back, even things such as new automobiles, shopping sprees, you know, you can basically make any kind of negotiation as long as the game is dealt fairly, the Nevada Gaming Commission doesn't care 
what side deals you make as long as they're legal. Meaning you can't say, well, I, you know, I want hookers in my room or I want slaves or I want, you know, I want half a pound of cocaine a night, like things like that, that, you know, that are illegal, you can't do. But anything that's legal, you can negotiate. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's, I wish I really had more insight because I, I, I bet some of these stories would be absolutely fucking amazing to hear. Like yep. these real high rollers that come in with a $10 million marker and they're real, you know, they're buying in for 10 million and they're betting 10, 20, 30,000 a hand and they can literally break or, you know, make or break a casino's quarter. And they can. Some of these guys can. I mean, it's not the profit margin for casinos aren't what they used to be. You know, somebody like we talked about before, Kerry Packer, you know, a guy like that, and they'll never let anybody bet as high as he used to bet anymore. It's just not going to happen in the day and age of corporations and stockholders and accountability. But back in that day, you know, there was someone like that that literally, and he literally made MGM lose for, you know, <laughs> for I think it was their third or fourth quarter. Like the whole entire company had to declare that they were going to be unprofitable just because of his weekend there. So. But anyhow, I think that was it. Uh, so I don't, I don't. In, in, in terms of the edge sorting, I don't know how that would even play out because it, it is common for them to make deals. But you are right, and the differences in the cards. Uh, I, I don't know how far in depth you got with them. The way that they had an edge was that this this young lady was able to spot when they were going to be what, what in Bakra players call monkeys, which are ten jack, queen, or king, which or zeros. And it's very, very important if you can spot that, you know, the first card is going to be a zero versus a high card. Like, for instance, say you want to bet on the banker, and you know the first card for the player is going to be a face card, meaning a zero. Then you have an edge. And I think it, they said it got as high as like 13% using this method at times. Um, that's what they turned like a losing edge into a winning edge. I think, I believe, don't quote me, but I believe I, I read it was 13%. Um, but that, that was what they would basically be able to do. They would know when to bet really, really big on the banker or the player, meaning if they knew that there was going to be a face card coming, then they'd bet the banker because the player gets the first card. Or if they knew that a card was possibly coming that could help them, they'd bet the player because, as I said, the player gets the first card. Um, but no matter what, Ivy's not getting his money back. I mean, it's already, I think... Both cases, the one at Crockford's and the one in the Borgata, both courts have already ruled. Well, no, no, it's not his money back. He, the, the Borgata paid him. They're suing him. Well, I'm, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. In Crockford's, though. Yeah, he already lost that one. They kept his money on deposit and only refunded the money that he deposited with them. And they would not release his winnings. And then that went to court, and he was suing them and to get lost. the rest released. Yeah. Okay. And then I think it's a pretty astronomically high number, isn't it? Like forty million that the Borgata is suing him for, or thirty million? No, I thought I thought it was only to get back. Uh, I thought it was like. What did they pay million. him? I know. I thought it was a lot of money. I thought it was like eleven million or something. Okay, maybe it was or seven million. It was. It wasn't anywhere near forty. Okay. All right. So. so uh, look, and the last thing that's interesting about this, and, and you know, I, I just I've wondered about this for a while, was that MGM Mirage had a piece of. The pie, they own part of the Borgata. And I always wondered, would it be a conflict of interest? I mean, would they ban him from MGM properties? Actually, let me see. Did you know that? And I, I don't even know if they still own it. For all I know, they could no, have. No, I didn't know they, I didn't know they even they had it. They could have sold it because, you know, they, they were in so much debt. But when it was built, it was a partnership between Boyd Gaming and MGM Resorts. And I'm looking. Yes, 
Look, according to Wikipedia, MGM Resort still owns part of the Borgata. So wouldn't you think that'd be kind of strange? Like for him to be in the Bellagio or playing craps there in Borgata when technically that company is suing him. It's a little bit strange, but if they only own part of it, then they could just be hands-off with it and not really care. Actually, you know what? No, I guess it doesn't matter. In 2010, they sold their interest. That That's probably why. Okay. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's talk about here the uh, Steve Wynn situation with the Boston property. Uh, Boston, this was a highly coveted uh, license. Boston was going to grant uh, one license to a casino over there. Uh, Caesars was trying to get a property there, which would have been helpful to me. Is this by Gillette Stadium where the Patriots play? Um, it's, I'm not sure where it is. It's, it's called, uh, the Wynn Everett. I don't know if Everett's an area over there. I don't know the area too well, but I, I know it's in the, uh, it's in the Boston area. Anyway, they, there is one license to give and, uh, Caesars was trying to get it among other companies and Caesars had to back out of it. Because uh, that's when they were building the Cromwell, and it turned out they accidentally entered a partnership with a Russian gangster. <laughs> the Cromwell was a, you know, originally the developer. Of the Cromwell, one of the people involved in that was a Russian gangster. We've talked about that before. So it was very embarrassing for, uh, for Caesars, and they were afraid because of that that they were actually going to be denied uh, getting a gaming license. So they actually backed out of the Boston... The, the application for that license. Anyway, the license went to win, and they were going to be the only casino in that area, so you can imagine why that was so uh, coveted. Of course. So it's, ca- it's called the Win Everett, and the reason I'm mentioning this now, is this, you know, he got the license a while ago. It's not built yet. It's in the process of being built. But uh, uh, Steve Wynn was discussing uh, the property, and and made a politically incorrect comment that uh, made him look bad to some people. Uh, he told a group of investors on, uh, it was last week, he told them that nobody likes being around poor people. Now, there's no proof he said this. This is what's being reported. So uh, maybe he's being misquoted, but... This is what uh, supposedly he said. Well, it's kind of like Trump when he said, I like my the war heroes that don't get caught, in <laughs> yeah. reference to John McCain. Yeah. And then everyone thought that would end his campaign, <laughs> yeah. meaning Trump's, and it didn't. That's what he said. America, yeah, I know. I mean, listen, you don't like McCain's politics. You know, Maybe you and I disagree, but I think Druff, Traderewski, Northern California, I think the four of us can all agree the guy is a war hero. I, mean, yeah. I, I don't think any of us could argue any reasonable case that he isn't. Yeah. Is that, do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. So so anyway, he was uh, he was describing to these investors uh, that the casino's brand is going to be a luxury product, and that uh, uh, even though it's going to be a luxury product, that it's also going to be aimed at everybody, not just rich people. So he said, uh, "We're sort of like Chanel or Louis Vuitton, but unlike Chanel and Louis Vuitton, we're also able in our business to cater to all of the market by making our standards so high." That, uh, that, let me, that everybody wants to be in the building. Or to put it in a more colloquial way, rich people only like being around rich people. Nobody likes being around poor people, even poor people. 
So we try to make the place feel upscale for everyone. So I know what he's trying to say. He's trying to say that everyone feels good when they're in an upscale property, whether they're rich or poor. Everyone feels like they're important to be there. And and that uh, even if you don't have uh, a lot of money to spend, that you still enjoy being in a place like that. So that they're trying to make an upscale property that also has options for everybody who doesn't have a lot of money. So it's even bit- more so. What do you think about the fact that this the East Coast is it, and you know, they're talking about in Flushing Meadows uh, having a casino there uh, in New York, New Jersey? I mean. It, it, it's pretty obvious that the East Coast is just going to be overly saturated with casinos. I well, mean, yeah, and Atlantic I, City. Atlantic gonna, City, I don't think in 10 years is even going to exist. It, it's really going to suffer because the only reason they've uh, – and the, the problem is Atlantic City got, got too arrogant and, and uh, uh, it, it really uh, wasn't very good over there. But they, they didn't care because they were the only option on the East you know, Coast. And then when, uh, I was, when I was in Foxwoods last year, uh, this is how bad it's become up there. Uh, when I was in Foxwoods in, in 2015, I'd say a third, maybe even a little more of the casino. You know, there's like four different kind of casinos and they're themed. A third of the casinos were only open on Friday and Saturdays. And wow. they literally had police tape and security guarding it off. Like it was more profitable to keep certain sections closed. Or maybe it wasn't even more profitable. Maybe they just didn't want the embarrassment of just two people gambling in, you know, a, a, you know, I don't know a large radius, but yeah. you could tell when you were up there that it, it was hurting. And you know, I guess guys like China and others, you know, that place used to be a mecca. You yep. know, I mean, and I kind of got—I never was there back, you know, earlier in the decade and you know, beginning of the poker boom when it when it supposedly was just the greatest thing. But uh, I, you know what? I, I really think and I get it. Everyone says, well, you know, these casinos are great for the jobs, are great for the local economy, and. You know, this, that, you know, they make all these concessions to, to the county to approve them or to the city to approve them. But I think in the long run, we have too many casinos, guys. I don't think we need any more. Yeah, but we, we mean, do. And, and, uh, and I'm not, I'm sorry. Well, but the thing is, though, where there is, a, a there is still, uh, worth in building them is situations like this in a big market like Boston where people don't have to go a long distance to gamble. And so that's where that's where it's uh, – it's st- there's still areas of the country that they don't have anywhere to go to gamble unless they have to drive or in some cases even fly a long way. So it, there there is still a market for local casinos for big markets. But, but as far as uh, – but, but – Every time one of those springs up, that kills the existing casinos somewhat, uh, because now people are not traveling places, over there. I mean, they ever really, truly are going to be destination resorts? Is someone ever? And I'm not, you know, making fun of Boston at all, but I'm just saying, is anyone ever really going to fly to Boston just to visit this resort? No, they're not. They're not trying for that. Something that are for day trippers, seniors, and, and locals. No, that that's there. what it is. It, but it, it's such a big area that they don't have to. They don't have to bring people in. It's not like Las Vegas, which doesn't have a big population in its center. They, they, I mean, we have over a million people. But that's nothing it's compared small. to that. That's nothing compared to the Boston area. Well, no, I, I realize that. But pe- when people say that. I just laugh because it's not like we're – I mean, you know, it, it is a pretty big – Clark County is, you know, well over a million people live in it, which is not tiny. I wouldn't say it's, you know, it's not obviously a big market, but it's – Well, the, the the problem, though, with – I know it's We bigger, have a bigger market. I think they named like eight different professional sports that the Vegas market was bigger than. Well, I know, here's the problem. I, Vegas does have a bigger population in the area than people realize. It is over a million, but – 
after that, then there's nothing around there. So it's it's uh, you're not going to get uh, you get the LA people coming in, obviously, and people from uh, uh, but and people fly in. You know, Vegas is a big destination, but as far as a market of itself, if it wasn't getting the outsiders. Uh, it's it's just not close to anything else to where you're going to get people from 50 miles away or 100 miles away. There's nothing, so that that's where you're losing out. Where in Boston, uh, they're, they're, you take that radius from the 50 mile radius, the 100 mile radius. You have a lot of people, and that's and and, and a lot right, of them. I know, and I get that, but I'm just saying in general. I mean, it. it I don't know, at least to me, it takes the allure out of everything when there's, you know, it's not just because I live in Vegas. I'm just saying, you know, I've, I've visited, as I mentioned, Foxwoods. I've been to Atlantic City, and it, it just, it's hurting those areas, and it's, it's going to continue. Yeah, it will. It will, yes. Yes, it will, because because there's no reason for those people on the East Coast to now travel to Atlantic City and, and uh, Foxwoods if they live closer to another casino. And, and that's what's going to kill them. And, but that, that's what's going to happen, and it's about time that Atlantic City doesn't just succeed because they're the only option it's it's about time that uh that they they don't have the monopoly on that over there and and it's 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 fading and they they should only succeed because their product's good not just because they're the only option and uh now they're starting to suffer for it so uh, and and some of that will be good for, for the for the tourists, because it will help uh, with with more competition, with more options, it, it'll force Atlantic City to have to uh, offer more to to give people more reason to come there. But it, they will they will struggle though. That's, that's for sure. So uh, let's let's, uh, let's so so anyway, uh, when he was talking about uh, poor people don't like being around poor people, you know, no one likes being around poor people. Uh, obviously, what he said, he didn't think this was going to get out. And you always have to be careful. It's kind of like Mitt Romney with a 47% comment. Again, something that really hurt his campaign. But if you take what he was trying to say, he was saying something correct. He wasn't saying that 47% of the country uh, you know, he doesn't like or he's not going to represent them. He was talking about his campaign, Mitt Romney, at the time. And he was saying 47% of the people he's determined are never going to vote for him no matter what. So let's stop trying to please them. No matter what I do, they're not going to like me. Let's focus on the 53% of the country that will or might vote for me and make sure they're happy. That's what he was trying to say. But but uh, uh, and, 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 the, and the way he was saying it was that the people who are getting a lot of government benefits or, or barely paying any taxes, they're not going to be impressed with me either lowering government benefits or lowering taxes. So I'm, I'm losing those people anyway. Let me fake. So it was more of like a campaign strategy. And believe me, every candidate has their campaign strategy uh, discussions, uh, which, which can sound politically incorrect. He was stupid enough to say this in a speech uh, where, where someone reco- secretly recorded him, and, th- and that really hurt him. Similar with Wynn here, where Wynn said something where he was, he was trying to say something which – uh, is actually uh, not what, on the surface what it sounded like. He, w- he wasn't trying to be exclusionary of poor people or put them down. He was trying to say, I want all people, rich or poor, to feel comfortable to come to my resort. I want to cater to all them because everyone likes being in a nice place. That's what he was trying to say. But when he, when he says nobody likes being around poor people, that's an offensive way of saying it. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I wanted to bring this up last week and I think I forgot about it. I was listening to, of all things, it was a, it was the affiliate ESPN station here in Las Vegas, and I don't think 
the, I, I don't remember who the host was, and uh, I don't remember what he was speaking of specifically, meaning like if it was a subject of something that, that was ongoing or if he was just kind of giving you know, his opinion. But basically the, the, his thesis is in about 15 to 20 years, we're not going to have anybody in the United States who's electable. And the reason why is everyone is going to have some sort of baggage on them because of, you know, the way we live now with social media, whether it's Facebook or Snapchat or Twitter, that, you know, in 20 years when I guess, you know, the generation that's, I guess, our age now is running for president or maybe running for governors, everyone's going to basically be able to dig up something on somebody, whether it was someone, you know, you did something stupid on social media about a minority or you posted something, you know, like a, an awful comment about women or just something that, that, I mean, look at all of us. Do you think, Druff, I mean, obviously, if you ran for some sort of political office right now, okay, don't do you think that someone would find something on social media that would be controversial enough that oh, you would of not? Of course, be even 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 this radio show they could take clips of, or of course. or or uh, or things on the forum, or even things that I didn't say on the forum that others said that that I didn't delete. Uh, the people said like there there would be so many things that could be used against me in a campaign. I've thought of this before. I've thought of this when I watched the politicians out there saying, you know, if I wanted to run for a major office like this, it would never work. Because there'd be so much stuff they'd find that I've written on, on the internet and on social media over time that that uh, could be used against me, even if things that are actually not that bad, but just things that could be uh, construed to look bad. So so the guy raises a point. Really, if you, if you really want a future in politics, uh, you have to start early and either not have a social media presence or if you do, just always watch yourself. But very few people do that. Very few and people... what would you tell your kid when he becomes that age? Would you monitor his social media and just even say maybe, you know, hey, if he said to you, Dad, I want to grow up and I want to be, you know, a politician or I want to be the governor, would you say, well, you know what, son, you shouldn't, you know, broadcast videos and, yes, yes. and, and Snapchats because then, you know – because, I mean, if you really think about what this guy on ESPN was saying, it, it's, it's pretty, pretty true. Yes. I mean, I couldn't run for any office. Yeah. I mean, I, I, even if I want to do in five years, ten years, and you have to think most people that are in that age of, of 12 to 20-something, if you look at their Facebooks or Twitter or Snapchats or Instagram, likely that you'd find something that somebody did immaturely when they were young that was offensive towards another race or another gender, and most likely you're going to find something. Yeah. It's just... You know, so he was basically saying in 20 years, we're not going to be able to elect people because everyone is going to have some sort of dirt. <laughs> well, maybe everyone is thinking about maybe it. Maybe everyone then, will be uh, desensitized by then for that reason. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe. But it really is an interesting point. Just to, I mean, think about it now. We already are desensitized. Think about what, you know, I mentioned earlier and what we've heard Trump say in the last year. Yeah. Ten years ago, that would have been politically a death sentence and, and it probably would have led to somebody being in exile. And now it's it's like nothing. Yep. I mean, you think ten years ago, if, if somebody would have said those things about, you know, Mexicans, you know, publicly on on a you know campaign and just, you know, in front of a podium with cameras in their face, that he would he'd be he'd be revered like uh, David Duke was. You know, just 
Yeah, th- it's this amazing. is well, it's 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 the backlash. People got tired of what what they some people not some people got tired of what they deemed to be a politically correct and uh, speech and well, I realize that. And so, the so, so so they so they wanted so at that point they became so desensitized to anything that on the opposite end of someone who says offensive things instead of being offended they go good finally someone's uh, just saying what they feel and they don't care who's pissed off and that's that's what. Uh, that that's where he gets his appeal from. So that's uh, th- that's what caused it. So, but I'm saying that, that in itself it seems to have desensitized people. I mean, you know, when when you're having a presidential debate for this country, I mean, just think about how things were when we were kids, growing up in the early '80s, and they're talking about penis size, you know, on a national debate on a national yeah, that was stage. Weird. With, with, I mean, it's really embarrassing. I mean, it really it, it it's embarrassing for our country. I mean, it really is. You know, I remember. You know, 2000 was enough when I thought we were like the laughing stock of the world when, when, you know, we couldn't even figure out who our own president was and they were suing and we can't even run. You know, it's funny how when they have these elections in countries that, that either, you know, have democracy for the first time or just other dissension, they always send U.S. representatives to monitor the, you know, the voting process to ensure that the votes aren't rigged. But, you know, then look at ourselves 16 years ago, we couldn't even vote correctly and even now in these elections now how, how often do you hear in these elections that there were problems they weren't you know the, the one thing i've read about all these both uh republican and democratic uh primaries i get i, I don't understand this jeff i trader risky northern california explains to me the most common complaint that i'm seeing is they don't have enough ballots they don't have they're running out of ballots <laughs> i mean I, I i'm not making this up i've heard this in multiple states that they're running out of ballots and they need to go and print more ballots and people have to wait. If they know that voting is at an all-time high this year and it's killing basically every other record on the book, how can they be running out of ballots? It's the same It's the same way that the World Series of Poker would, would have a tournament that was very popular and they'd get uh, 2,300 people back. It was back before recently, like you know, five years ago. And they'd say, oh, my God, we were not used to this. Okay, uh, we're going to be careful next year not to let this happen. Then the next year they get 2,500 people. They go, oh, my God, we thought it was going to be 2,300. Sorry, we got to have an alternate. So it's like, you know, how do you not see this? Like, how do you so not? Are you saying that if the United States government was a casino company, it would be Caesars? Uh, pretty much, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus yeah, it, it, it's dumb. You'd think that they'd prepare for this. You'd think that they'd print so many ballots that there's no way they could run out. But. That's uh, they should. That's that's the type of thing you shouldn't cut corners on. You should make sure you just have a lot of extra ones, and if you throw them away, big deal. It's not very expensive to print ballots. So, uh, let's see what we what else we got here. Uh, we're almost at the end of the. Oh, I know. The I want to talk a bit about the different places in the country. I'm not. I'm going to try not to make this segment too uh, tedious because it, it could be if I just read off a list, but. People always ask about diamond, seven star. What's the cheapest way to earn it? And people always ask that. And uh, the simple answer is video poker. That's that's really the best way to do it. Don't try to play table games because it's very slow. And they the, the way you're rated, you're ne- you're never gonna you're not gonna earn it in the cheapest manner. It's gonna be slow time wise, and it's gonna be expensive money wise on average. So video poker is the best way to do it. And the, so what you're looking for are the best-paying machines. Best-paying meaning that if you played perfectly, that uh, it would pay closest to 100%. There's no 100% machines in Caesars, but 
any of Caesar's properties, but the closest to 100% you can get, you know, the closer the better. And then, of course, there's other considerations. Uh, at, at Caesar's properties, you earn bonus tier credits depending how many tier credits you earn in a day. So if you play, if you earn uh, 2,500 tier credits, you get 5,000 bonus. If you play 5,000 tier credits, you get 10,000 bonus. But that's if you play exactly 2,500 or exactly 5,000. If you play any more than that, like let's say you play 49,999, 49, 49, 49, 49, 49, 49, 49, 49, instead of 5,000, you still only get 5,000 tier credits. Where if you play 5,000, you get 10,000. So that, that one extra tier credit is, is a, is a 10,000 tier credit difference. So it doesn't take a genius to know that the most efficient way to do it is to play exactly 2,500 tier credits or exactly 5,000 tier credits and, and not one tier credit more. And that's in what's known as the Caesar's Day. Whatever You ask the casino, what is your day in total rewards? You go to the total rewards desk, you know, what day does it, does it start over for earning bonus credits? Whatever time they tell you, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., make sure you stay within that window for the day to earn it. So that, that's the basic way you earn tier credits at uh, a maximum. And, and the the fewest sessions you can do to earn seven stars would be ten. You on ten different days, you play five thousand tier credits. You'll get ten thousand bonus, making fifteen thousand total. Fifteen thousand times ten is one hundred fifty, and one hundred fifty thousand is what you need for seven stars. For diamond, you can really do it, as they say, in a day. You play five thousand tier credits, you've earned diamond right there. There's one other thing that they occasionally ha- will have bonuses where you'll get 50% bonus or 30% bonus or whatever, like between April 1st and June something. Right now, if you opt in, you can earn 50% bonus tiers. So that's something to keep in mind. That's that's another cheaper way to get there. And you do earn bonus on the bonus. So that's some general advice, but what about the right casinos to play? Now, I'm not going to give you video poker strategy on, on how to play each of these games. That, that would be a, a, a boring segment. and I'm, it would, it, This is really something better looked up. Basically, there's a site called wizardofodds.com. That's wizardofodds.com. And they he has strategy there for every single variant of video poker you could think of. Optimal strategy. And you can you can look at it on your phone as you play. You can print it out, uh, whatever. But you're allowed to consult it while you're playing. So you don't have to memorize all of this. You just have to follow it and not deviate from it, and you'll be playing perfect strategy other than if you make a misclick or a mistake, which will happen occasionally. But you'll, you'll your, your theoretical loss will be pretty close to what... Uh, I'm going to tell you here, but of course there's a lot of variance. So if you play a game that's 99.54% return, that doesn't mean you're only going to lose $46 every 10,000 bet. It means that on average you'd lose that. But uh, uh, you may do better or worse based upon luck, as with all kinds of gambling. So there is variance with this, and, and of course the higher you play, the more variance there is. If you play a high limit machine, there's more variance to it than a low limit machine. However, you have to make sure the machine you play is high enough limit to where you can earn 2,500 or 5,000 tier credits in a day. So if you play like a dollar machine, that's going to take you a very long time. Reason for it, a dollar machine, a one-play dollar machine, would be $5 a hand because you're playing five credits per hand. That sounds like a lot, but you have to put through $25,000 in coin in to get 2,500 tier credits. So you get one tier credit per $10 at the properties I'm going to name here. 
You don't want to ever do it where it's one tier credit for $25 or more. That's that's a bad deal for you. But one tier credit for $10, which is standard, it's still 25,000 coin in to get 2,500 tier credits. So that's going to take you like, it could be 10 hours at the dollar game, which you probably don't want to do. And, and 5,000 is about impossible unless you want to sit there for 20 hours. Now, if you can play really, really fast, maybe you can count, cut that uh, 10 hours down to 8, but uh, it's still too long. So you're going to want to look for either multiplay games or, or, or $2 or $5 games. So I'm going to quickly go through the different markets and tell you what games to play and the denomination and, you know, where, and where to find them. There's a thread on this in the Casino in Las Vegas segment or section on uh, the forum here. So you can look for that. The thread is entitled Best Ways to Seven Stars or Diamond in a Day for Caesars Properties Around the U.S. So follow the instructions there, but I'm going to quickly go over this, and if you want to see more, go to the thread. In Vegas, you're, you're pretty much out of luck if you want a good game. Uh, the, the best two you're going to find... There's a double bonus poker. Not double-double bonus, but double bonus. So make sure to look up the right strategy for just double bonus at the Rio. And that has a theoretical 99.11% return. It's located kind of by the All-American Grill between there and the buffet. I played it on Thursday. You played that machine? I played it with Genie on Thursday. Interesting, yeah. But you'll on average, you would lose $445 getting to Diamond and 4450 getting to 7-star. It's only one caveat to that machine, though. What? It's only, well, I'm sorry. What, what did you say the limits were? It's a one dollar a credit. It, they're now a dollar. They're on, now they're only quarter machines. They just changed it. I was there with Janie last. Are Thursday. you sure it's the same machines though? It's the same pay table that you're saying. We looked around that area. We couldn't find anything else. Someone told me they were there recently, so it's it's possible you missed them in some way. I mean, it's also possible they changed them, but. Uh... Uh, it can be tricky to find these over there. I, I've had trouble finding some machines there that actually are there. Yes, these are nine sevens. This is uh, double bonus poker. Yeah, nine seven. Yeah, that's what we played. It's mm-hmm. only double bonus. Yes, yeah, only double bonus. Yeah. Well, we were there on, uh, like I said, Thursday, and it's a dollar twenty-five. A quarter is, is a max. Maybe, maybe they've changed it to a quarter. I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to look. But very she recently, played it for an hour, I was helping teacher. Basic strategy. She made uh, almost 500 tiers in an hour, and she got lucky. She hit one regular four of a kind, then one time she hit aces, and she was up. I think she made $800. But it, you you can't make 500 tiers in an hour playing quarters. If something went wrong. Something's different than something's not right here. That's not possible. It, it, that's I'm telling. Okay, well, something's wrong then. There's no way. Because playing dollars, you would you wouldn't earn 500 tiers in an hour. She made maybe it was like an hour and twenty minutes. No, that's still not even close. I mean, it's, it's way what, off. What, what do you average an hour wagering five dollars a hand? Here's the thing: one of these machines, five dollars a hand. You'd have to play uh, to earn twenty five hundred tier credits. You would have to play uh, five thousand hands. So that's uh, and that's a dollars. At quarters, you'd have to play twenty thousand hands. Okay, I'll text her. Yeah, I know for a fact that. it was a quarter machine. Yeah. I know for a fact it was nine seven. I know that it was it was double bonus because it wasn't you know it just. Yeah, I believe it was a quarter option. machine, and I believe it was but the right pay table. That's the only option that you have. Well, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll ask around about there. Maybe I'll go look myself. So there's another there's another option in Vegas at Planet Hollywood. It's not quite as good 
but uh, number one, the game's a bit more fun, and and number two, uh, it, it won't take as long. At Planet Hollywood, I haven't verified it's still there, but someone told me pretty recently it is. There's a double super times paid nine five jacks or better machine. That's a ninety eight point nine five percent return. So it's almost ninety nine. It's in the high limit room. Uh, it's it. You have to make sure it's a double super times pay into nine five pay table. These are in the All Star Two machines. That's what they're called. But uh, they also are. It's one dollar, two dollar, or five dollar per credit, and it's three, five, or ten plays. So just playing dollars at three play, you you can run through it fairly fast, and you can even go faster if you want to play higher or more plays. So that's that's the better option if you don't want to sit there for eternity, unless you're a genie and somehow get magical tier credits. Uh, in Lake Tahoe, that's that's the best place to go right now in the West. Lake Tahoe has a, a nine six jacks or better machine, one dollar or two dollar per credit, a three or five play. Okay, I'm looking at a text now. She made three hundred fifty tier. This is what I wasn't there the entirety of the time. I got there when she got there. Was helping her. She said that she made three hundred fifty tier points in a little over an hour, and it was that quarter machine. I have a photo of it. Something's wrong. I, I guarantee you something's wrong. It's, she, I don't know what happened here, but that's not supposed to be that way. Okay. It just doesn't make sense. I'm looking at the text. Like right mathematically, now. it doesn't matter. I believe she told you that, but mathematically, it just doesn't make sense. So anyway, go, going back to Lake Tahoe, uh, they have a nine six jacks or better, which is ninety nine point fifty four percent return, one or two dollars per credit, and three three to five play. So it's a minimum fifteen dollars per hand. But you know, it's boring to play jacks or better. I'll tell you that. But uh, it's efficient at 99.54%. You can earn 7-star with an average loss of only 2,300, and a diamond with an average loss of 230. There's two other variants there called Quick Quads and Extra Draw Frenzy. I won't bother explaining them, but uh, the, the, there it's, it's, it's only a tiny edge percentage-wise over jacks are better, and it's, uh, it's a lot of variants. She I, I, swears to God she got 300 Plus tier points an hour playing this game. I'd like to see how that is. It's, it's just you understand why that's not possible because if you if you're playing quarters, you're doing a dollar twenty five per hand. You have to play eight hands. Yeah, I know it doesn't make. Yeah, sense. just just to earn one tier credit. So how's she earning three hundred fifty? That means she's so playing it like to be a do- it would have to be a dollar machine then, correct? No, even a dollar, a dollar wouldn't machine. earn it. Even a dollar wouldn't go that fast. All right, so you're playing – just so I can explain this to her. So if you're playing $5 a hand, a dollar, double bonus, and you're going reasonably fast, what what would you get? What would you, Todd, would tell us deem in one hour is possible in, in tier uh, Well, I've had debates with people about this before, but but if, if you're playing – You're just playing boom, boom, boom. You're not on your phone. I, I know, I know, but there's some people, who, some people who claim they can play blazing fast. But, but when I've played, in my experience, if I were to play that dollar machine – and not play the very, very possible fastest, but playing pretty fast most of the time. Uh, I, I would earn about uh, 250 tier credits an hour. Yeah, and that doesn't make sense. Well, you know, and there's also the possibility, and I only say this because I've seen it, that machines can be set wrong. Yes. I mean, that, that you know, I... Oh, you know what? You know what is possible? It is possible if she was there a little more than an hour or played very fast... And somehow, I don't know how, it's still set to be comping for the dollar level when it's really twenty-five cents. Now I kind of want to go. Now I kind of want to go down the ticket. Yeah, when I played that bot at uh, Harris, I wasn't getting anywhere near the comps that the other guy claimed that you could get. So, remember, there's someone that said he could, 
you could get seven or I don't, I don't yeah, know yeah. but I wasn't getting anything. It just none of it ever ma- it seems like it never matches up. I'm not <laughs> questioning anyone's honesty, but it's like I could go play something, you can go play something and and Sonatine can go place. This is an example, and we're going to get three different things. Well, I'll tell you the ones I've gone into. It's always been what I expected. I'll, I'll make that statement. I've always done that. That other machine we're talking about that uh, that 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 but, heads right, up. But I'm just saying, you know, people may not realize this, but you know, you can literally with the use of you know slot text key open up one of these machines incorrectly, hit something, and you could change everything. Like for instance, you know, these games that. Uh, they call them video, uh, you know, they're like, um, what's the term that they use? They're games like Blackjack or, or Baccarat, craps, but they're in a video form. They're not, you know, dealt as a table game. Uh, they upped all those, or they're supposed to all be upped, that it's, and this is at Caesars, where it's, I think, fi- every $50 of coin is one tier. Do you know what I'm talking about, Druff? Like, yeah, just like, yes. you know, where they have like a virtual dealer. And, yes, yes. If somebody hits something wrong or the settings, like, Okay, you know, we talked about this before, the bot that we used to play. Literally, I don't remember how much coin in was one tier, but we came back one day and they, the next day and they changed it. Yeah, they so changed they, it by they, a factor of six. It's yeah. all done, you know, manually. Yeah, but, but so I don't want to, you're right about all these things, but I don't want to, I don't want to scare okay. people. I don't want to scare people no, no, that if you go, if you go sit at these games, I'm telling you to sit at, you're not going to get the right tier credits. Well, you can always, I mean, you could always pull your card and look. I yeah, mean, it, it's anyone yeah. can do that. But I can That's tell you, when I've earned my tiers for video poker, every, it's always been correct what I was expecting. Okay. So okay. So so uh, going. I'm to, just saying we both do agree that these kind of mistakes are commonplace. These mistakes, but usually, believe it or not, these mistakes are usually in your favor. And at the at the end of this, I will give you a few tips though to avoid mistakes that are against you. So so in Laughlin. Uh, which is also in Nevada, as most of you know. Uh, they still have a few playable machines. There's a few 8-5 bonus machines, which are one play, but they're $1, $2, or $5 per credit, and it's you know 8-5 bonus poker, 99.17% return. 8-5 is playable. I mean, when you can find 9-5 machines so commonplace, wouldn't No, not, not, not 9-5 bonus poker. Oh, you're oh, just okay. Bonus. Yeah, 8-5 bonus poker. You can poker. find a 9-5 double double bonus. No, no, that's different. That's that's way different. We're talking about eight five bonus poker, which is a ninety nine point seventeen percent return. Okay. Uh, then, in Southern California, there is only one casino in the state of California that is a total reward Caesar's property, and that is the Rincon, also known as Harris Resort, Southern California. They used to have a lot of good options there, but now it's it's okay, but not great. They have eight five bonus poker there too. But they have a variant called Aces and Faces, where the bonuses you're going to get on are on quads, uh, uh, jacks, queens, kings, and aces instead of uh, two, three, four, and aces. Believe it or not, that increases your return a bit, so that's 99.26% return. Uh, the strategy of this is the exact same as normal bonus poker, so there's nothing to learn if you already know bonus poker. It's one, two, five, you know, $1, $2, $5 per credit, so you can earn pretty quickly if you want. That's what I would say is the best option. They actually have a higher return machine, but I don't recommend it. It's 8-5 Aces bonus poker. This is a weird one where each ace has a symbol on it saying A, C, E, or a dollar sign. And if you get quad aces and they line up as A, C, E, dollar sign exactly, you hit the equivalent of a Royal Flush as far as the payout. But that is so rare, way more rare than a Royal Flush. So rare to hit that, you're never going to hit it. So even though it technically adds to the return, it's something you're never going to hit, and it, you might as well just discount it. So uh, that that I, I wouldn't 
otherwise it's just like regular bonus poker. I would stick to the aces and faces. So that that's what I would play there. And uh, th- these are like, uh, I think it's right like right outside the high limit room. So, and what are the bo- bonuses again for those that don't know? What bonuses? The tier bonuses. Oh, it's at twenty five hundred. You get five thousand. At five thousand, you get ten thousand. Well, per and, day. and what is it? Five hundred is a hundred or. Uh, those, just all of it. I, I don't remember the other. No, a thousand you get a thousand. I think at five hundred you get one hundred twenty-five. Those aren't worth doing. Okay. Those aren't proportionate to the other. Uh, also, just a little tip: if you are a Seven Stars member, you get two free entries to the buffet every day at uh, uh, Harris Rincon. It's kind of a fail buffet, but you know, if, if you're there anyway and it's it's free, you know, why not? The Phoenix area, Harris Akchin. It's it's not a very good place. Uh, it's not even in Phoenix. It's it's somewhat south in the middle of nowhere. But if you really don't want to leave Arizona, there is what they call the LV the Las Vegas Airport Deuces game, which is a form of Deuces Wild. It's a ninety eight point nine one percent return. Uh, again, it's only one dollar per credit one play, so it'll take you that same ten hours or so to earn the twenty five hundred tier credits. And even slower if you're not familiar with Deuces Wild. Some people. Uh, are slower with that because they don't. It's not as natural to play just juices wild and the right strategy as it is with jacks are better. So, uh, but that's what's there. I, I wouldn't play any other game except for that uh, deuces wild game, which is a twenty-five, fifteen, nine, four-four pay table. Atlantic City, there's uh, really not much there. Everything in Atlantic City, similar to Vegas, uh, most most of the, most of the machines are. Uh, not one dollar per ten, not ten dollars per tier credit, like twenty five or fifty. So that's why the not good to play to earn tier credits in Atlantic City. However, there is one playable game there at Harris Atlantic City, a nine seven four triple double bonus deal draw game. This is a weird game where there's different pay tables for what you get dealt and what you draw to. So if you're dealt a hand right off the spot, off the bat, you get more money than if you draw to it. There's a lot more variance to this game. Uh, this is uh, a one-play game, $0.25, cents, $0.50, cent, dollar, $2, $5. Uh, and and uh, you are going to rack up tiers twice as fast because it, it, it costs twice as much to play because of the deal-draw thing. Uh, the overall return is approximately 99.20%. It hasn't been exactly computed, but it's around there. Uh, so that's uh, if you go to the thread I just talked about in the, in the casino in Las Vegas forum, you'll see a link to the proper strategy for this game, which is a bit different. Again, not the best option overall, but for Atlantic City, that's really the only one you should be running the credits at. Otherwise, you're going to lose a lot of money. In Mississippi, if you're in the South, a few options: Harris Golf Course, also uh, no Golf Golf Coast, not Golf Course. Harris Golf Coast, which is formerly the Grand Biloxi. Has a 9-6 jacks or better game, 99.54% return. However, there is a lot of variance because it's three, $5, $10, $25 per credit and a 3, 5, or 10 play. So the minimum you could play per hand is $75. If you're willing to run $3, three hands of that, we're at $25 each for a total of 75 each time, you can rack up tier credits very fast. And still your average loss is going to be low, but just with a lot of variance. There's also a 9-6 double-double bonus game, which is $1 of credit for a one place. So that's a, the opposite problem. It's slow and it's lower limit, but also the return is only 98.98%, so that's nowhere near as good. Horseshoe Tunica has one playable game, double bonus poker, 
that same 99.11% return we were just talking about that Brandon and Jeannie played tonight. Uh, Louisiana. Harris, New Orleans used to be a great place to go to earn tier credits. I, I went there and played a few times. They have downgraded all the pay tables. So now the best is that same crappy uh, Deuces Wild game that Akchin has, 98.91% return. I wouldn't recommend it. Elsewhere in the state, Horseshoe Bossier City. Bossier City, how do you say that? I don't know. They, they have uh, a lot better options. 9-6 jacks are better, uh, but it is only a dollar per credit, so it'll be slow. The 9-4-4 bonus Deuces Wild, which is 99.45% return. Again, kind of slow. If you want a faster game, there's an 8-5 bonus poker with 99.17% return, which is uh, uh, supposedly located just toward just to the north towards the bow of the tournament area, whatever that means. That's someone else's description, not mine. But you can earn credits a lot faster there because it's a 3 or 5 play. Uh, in Illinois, Harris Joliet has... Two video poker variants worth looking at. There's a 9-6 double-double bonus poker, which is 98.98% return or more because it has a progressive. A progressive is where uh, the royal flush is worth more than usual, and it keeps going up over time until someone hits it. So if the progressive has been going a while and nobody's hit it, uh, you you could be in line for a nice return. Uh, the rule of thumb here, by the way, at this game is that for uh, for every twenty dollars over four thousand in the progressive, uh, this is for a one dollar machine. You you add zero point zero one percent to the return. Also, there's a progressive for the four aces with a two three or four kicker. That one for every sixteen dollars you see over two thousand, again add zero point zero one percent. So if if both of these have been going a while without getting hit, then you can uh, take the average well above ninety nine percent. There's also a double bonus poker, that same 99.11% return machine we keep talking about. That is there as well. And uh, in Ohio, Horseshoe Cincinnati, don't really bother with that. That's the uh, same 98 or 98.91% return, so the deuce is wild. Or the so that double John double. Kasich wanted to earn diamond in a day, that's probably where he'd go. He could, but he wouldn't be getting the best buy there. He's def- he'd definitely lose more money. Like, for example, in these games, you're going to be losing over 5000 trying to get a 7-star and losing over 500 getting to Diamond, and that's on average. It can be much worse so than that if you don't run well. Ago, if he is out of the public life and is just in the civilian sector and he wants to earn Diamond in a day. Yeah. And, and well, he or could also go to, to go then. And he could go to Cleveland, <laughs> but uh, it's pretty much the same situation that is that the crappy dudes is wild there. So Ohio the is worse. Ohio is well, actually John Kasich can't go there because in June 2016, both of these casinos are going to stop being Caesar's properties. And that'll be that. So by the time he drops out, he probably won't drop out till June. So yeah. by the time he drops out, it'll be too late for him. North Carolina, I was just there at this place, Harris Cherokee. Now the weird thing is, there's two Harris Cherokees. There's one in the city of Cherokee. And there's one in the city of Murphy. You don't want to go to the one in the city of Murphy. The games suck. The one in the city of Cherokee, the one right by the uh, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, that is the one you want to go to. That's just where I was. Uh, They're in the High Limit Room. And they have the Deuces Wild game, 99.73% return. It's called the Not-So-Ugly Deuces. That's characterized by the 25-16-10-4-4 pay table. And 
these are located in the... There's actually four others that are located in the second room on the left side of the aisle after you enter the room, for, after you enter the parking garage escalator. Uh, there will be some variants because these are $5 per credit, one play. If you play any lower than that, it'll give you a worse pay table. And these are hidden in these old Game King machines. So if you see like the old crappy-looking Game King machines, that's where these are. you got to go to one of those, switch to Deuces Wild, and switch to $5 per credit, and you'll see this pay table. Uh, they also have uh, 9-6 bonus deluxe, which is same strategy as double-double bonus poker, 99.64% return. 9-5, what's called white-hot aces. Again, same strategy as double-double bonus. Uh, 9-6, jacks are better... Uh, with a $5 per credit one play. Uh, then there's a 9-6 double-double bonus aces and faces, which is 99.46%. Same strategy as double-double bonus poker. And finally, 9-6 double-double bonus plus with 99.44% return. But there's no point to play these. You might as well play the deuces one. That's by far the best value. 99.73% return with the best play. That's the best machine you're going to find. Uh, there's certain places you shouldn't bother, by the way, to try to earn tier credits. Any of the Atlantic City properties other than what I just noted with Harris. Any Vegas properties other than what I just noted. Harris, North Kansas City sucks, so uh, Lannister and Jay Searles shouldn't bother. Harris, Metropolis, which is in Illinois, sucks. Caesars, Windsor in Canada has nothing of worth, nothing worthwhile. Harris, Reno, no good anymore. They downgraded. I mentioned Harris, Cherokee, and Murphy. Harris, Philadelphia, Harris, Horseshoe, Baltimore, and Harris, Council Bluffs in Iowa are all not good options. So uh, at, uh, if you do want a good option in Iowa, there's Horseshoe Council Bluffs with a 9-6 double-double bonus poker. It's a weird machine. It's $0.25 cent per credit, but it's 100 play, and you don't have a choice. So that's actually $125 per hand. It's a quarter machine where it's $125 per hand. Isn't that crazy? But the problem is you're only getting 98.98% return. So a lot of variance on this, too, because of the $125 per hand. I wouldn't really bother with this unless you don't want to leave Iowa. And uh, so so what's the best of the best? What, what you, what, if you just say, forget geography, I just want to go to the best places. Well, number one choice is Harris Cherokee. Number two choice, Harris Lake Tahoe. Number three choice, Harris Gulf Coast in Mississippi. And number four choice, Harris Southern California, a.k.a. Harris Rincon. Those are the four in order of, of best to fourth best. And uh, this this is a, there are some better choices than these if you're willing to put in the uh, the 10 hours to earn it at $1. But I just find it kind of brutal to play dollars. I only play dollars if it's uh, three or five play. And uh, one more thing I want to give as, as a tip when you're playing at Caesars Properties. Uh, there's a bug in these machines where sometimes it just is not counting up your tier credits. So what you should always do is uh, pull out your card, I'd say about every hour, maybe even more than that, and put it back in and see if it's reporting that you earned the tier credits you thought you should have. If it does not, if, it's, if, if I pull out my... If let's say I sit down right now at a, at a machine and I have zero tier credits for the day. I play an hour and I think I've earned and I and I've, I've earned 500 tier credits. If I pull out the card and put it back in, it says, "Hello, Todd, you've earned zero credits today." Well, that's a problem. Then try pulling it out and back in one more time. If it still says that, go to Total Rewards. Make sure that they show up on your account. Uh, this usually doesn't happen, but it does. Also, be careful that you uh, that when you start, it shows you've earned zero for the day. If that's what you've really earned. 
if it shows you what you earned for the previous day, like let's say I insert my card, and and it's and the date is July, is uh, April tenth, and it says hello Todd on April 9th you earned whatever. Well, I don't want to see that. That's not good. That means it's still stuck on the day before. So you, you want to pull it out and put it back in. That'll usually fix it. Then it'll go back and say, uh, hello, Todd, on April 10th, you earned zero. That's what you want to see before you start playing. Otherwise, it can end up going towards the previous day, which you don't want. Uh, another thing is watch out that the uh, watch out that the time doesn't roll over that of whatever the, the end of their day is because sometimes it'll be stuck on the previous day, but sometimes it won't be. So just don't, don't ever play through the time that, that it rolls over to the next day. If you do, pull out your card and put it back in and know that it's starting a new day of play. And uh, also, just in general, pull, you know, pull your card a number of times and look at the tier credits that were given to you and always make sure they're correct. And uh, and if they're not, uh, don't keep playing. But don't don't just sit and play and then pull your and then leave and just expect it all to be right because sometimes it won't be. I've personally never been screwed, but I've watched people right next to me get screwed. And I watched a guy play like 10 hours once next to me. And and then he pulled out his card. He's like, "What the fuck? I should have earned six thousand tier credits. What the fuck happened here?" And he was all pissed. And I don't know if he ever got it resolved. Sometimes they can go back in and uh, examine the machine and see if you really played this amount and manually give you the tier credit. But it's such a pain in the ass. You don't want to even deal with it. So just make sure it's really awarding you these tier credits. Make sure you're starting at zero. And uh, especially if you play two days in a row, make sure you you. You put your you pull your card and put it back in once before you know you, when you play the next day, so it shows you're starting with zero. So these are things to watch out for, and I I apologize for people listening here who found all this boring, but uh, I, I get these questions all the time. If you want to see in more detail, go to the thread I talked about on the casinos in Las Vegas forum. You can also text me at seven seven five three seven two eight three five five, and I will uh, I will try to help you. And I I just want to say one other thing. When you're trying to earn tiers, do not do this because you're expecting better offers or better comps. Now, you may get some anyway just from playing to earn them, but making diamond is not going to get you better comps. Making seven stars is not going to get you better comps. It will not. You're, the, the offers you get of how much free play, about a free concert, free food, that has absolutely nothing to do with your tier level. Nothing. So the only reason you earn a higher tier level is because you like the benefits of that tier level. So if you look at the benefits on uh, for, for Diamond, look at the benefits for 7 stars, and go, eh, I don't really care about these. These kind of suck. I, I don't really give a crap. Then don't try to earn these because it's not going to do you any good. Some people have a, a the wrong impression that they get to 7 stars and they're going to be lavished with amazing sweets and $1,000 of free food every trip and... and uh, you know, all the uh, uh, free tickets to, to every uh, concert and show. No, it's not going to be like that. So when you're shooting for these tier levels, make sure you want the, the, the benefits they offer, the benefits that they tell you you're going to get. Do not expect wonderful offers. They have nothing to do with your tier credit. So that, that's my advice to you, and uh, I, I kind of waited to the, towards the end of the show to do this so people don't get uh, too bored who have no interest in this. Or if you do, you can turn it off. So, uh, let me look at the uh, other... That's the end of our gambling stories. But uh, let's look at the rest of the agenda, which I've lost. I always lose it once per show. 
Let, let's take a roll call here. Is, is Brandon, you still here? Yeah, I almost lost interest, but I hung with you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Northern California guy, you here? I'm hanging in, buddy. Okay, and, and Trader Risk, have you fallen asleep yet? I'm no there, but I'm, I'm fading fast. Fading oh fast, God. okay. Well, that, well, he made it at least. So, so look at this. Uh, look how do you notice how invigorated, uh, invigorated this Northern California sounds? Yeah, yeah, he's he's wide awake. So he's he's got a, a youth advantage here. Everybody else here is over forty. So okay, uh, Bernie Sanders has been on a winning streak. It seems like every time you look up, you see he's winning another state. But uh, truthfully, it's about to end. Truthfully, uh, the the hard times are coming back. Uh, he was fortunate to have a lot of primaries in a row where he's favored. And basically, it, it's very simple to tell where Bernie Sanders is going to win. If the Democrats in the state are mainly white and rural, he's going to win. If they're not, he's going to lose. That, that's been the case almost everywhere so far. Because he does very well in rural areas and very well with white people who are Democrats but does poorly in urban areas and with non-white people. So to show you how hard times are coming for Bernie, he's currently polling uh, behind everywhere. He's polling 14 points behind in New York. He's polling uh, 16 points behind in Pennsylvania. These are big states, of course. He's polling behind 24 in Maryland. He's polling behind 9.5 in California. So he, he's really – he's not going to – he has to pull off, like, victories pretty much everywhere to, to get the nomination. And it's not going to happen. There's so many states he's way behind. The states coming up just don't favor him and uh, don't have the large white rural Democratic population as, as in other states where he's won recently. So the, the Bernie Sanders uh, momentum, it appears, he has is not what it really is, though – he is gaining favor with Democrats in general. The latest average of all polls shows that Bernie Sanders is just one point behind Hillary with Democrats. One point, but it's not going to matter. So uh, between the superdelegates and just the, the fact that he's going to lose in, in these big states, he's just not going to quite get there. If, if he only could have somehow found a way to do better with minorities, he may have been a force. But that has been his kryptonite, and it, it still will be. So you may talk to the Bernie supporters who think he's got a chance and he's got the momentum. He's been winning so many states. No, he's been winning states that favor him. So it, it's going to go to Hillary. There's no question. Anyone who tells you differently is deluding themselves. Now, what about Trump, though? If we had Marty on the line, I'm sure we'd have a lot about Trump. But Trump, he needs to get the 1,237 delegates. Or otherwise, he probably won't be the nominee. Because if it goes to the broker convention format, uh, it's probably not going to go to him. Who it's going to go to, I don't know. But it probably won't be him. So the question is, can he get to 1237? And I, I was reading about it, and believe it or not, it seems like it's going to come down to Indiana. Indiana is a winner-take-all state with 57 delegates. This is going to be so close, it looks like, that 
if he wins those 57, he'll probably get the majority of 1237 or more. If he does not win them, he probably won't. However, Indiana has been so ignored, there, there's not even any polls for Indiana that I've seen. Let me see if I can even find one. So this isn't really being talked about, but it may really come down to the state of Indiana. Now, this article I'm reading from the Washington Examiner is claiming that uh, Cruz builds early momentum over Trump in Indiana. And I don't know, what, is, what does that mean? Does it just mean he's showing up there and campaigning? I'm not seeing anything about polls. Yeah, I'm not seeing polls here. I, I'm just not seeing polls for Indiana, so anything can happen there. But if, if Cruz wins it, I think that's going to really be a tough situation for Trump to get the nomination. Brandon, do you think if it goes to the uh, the, the convention without Trump having a majority, you think he's going to get it, or you think there's not much chance of that? Uh-oh. Brandon? Sorry, I was on mute. I'm here. Okay, so what do you, th- what do you think? If it goes to the brokerage convention, you think he's going to get it or no? I I still believe Trump is going to get the nomination, yes. That's what I think. So what if he falls short? I, what if he falls short of the, uh, the number, though? I think... Or at least I'd like to think that educated minds are going to sit down. They're going to think. I think you and I even discussed this over the long haul. What kind of damage it will do to the Republican Party if they basically rob the people of their will? Well, that would be the smart um, thing to do, but I don't know. If and just think short term. And this is what you even said, if I recall correctly, that, you know what, we're just going to suck it up and we'll reevaluate things in four years. I think it will do a lot more potential damage to the party. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. You know, maybe I'm in the minority. I, I, you know, I think you said there wouldn't be rioting. There may not be rioting per se, but I think that there is going to be a lot of outrage if he falls a little bit short, and it's clear that the majority voted for him, and then they give it to somebody like. Uh, I, I don't think under under any circumstances Cruz is going to get it. I just I, I don't. Um, I think the more likelihood is someone like Paul Paul Ryan, maybe Scott Walker, uh, maybe even maybe even Jeb Jeb Bush. I, I don't. I just I don't see Cruz getting it. And Kasich, I don't even know how they can even justify that. I mean, because he what does he he's won only one state, right? Yep. Has he only won Ohio? Yep. Um. So. You know, and, and Cruz is, is – I mean, in any other election, you, you take Trump out of the equation, he'd be public enemy number one within the Republican Party, at least, you know, within the elite – of the Republican elitists. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to th- – you know, and, and they've even said – it's funny because everyone said, well, you know what? This was after Bush uh, left and, you know, it looked like Rubio was about done. Everyone said, well, you know, we all need to just – suck it up and unite around Cruz. And they still haven't done it. They still haven't done it. Um, you know, just shown a united front. So I would just like to think, and, and again, you're right, in this election cycle more than any, anything's possible. But I'd like to think that they'd show enough common sense and respect, you know, and, and, and carry the essence of every vote counts and, and 
You know, what kind of message is it going to send to first-time voters? Whether you voted for Trump or not, that, that basically your vote doesn't count. And that's what they're going to be saying if they just ignore the will of the people and, and, and put another candidate, you know, in this. Um, so I still think I'm going with it. I told you, I think last week I made a bet with my accountant. And I have Trump, Cruz is a push, and then he has everybody else. And he is he is steadfastly committed and believes that Trump will not get it, that they'll do everything they can to steal it from him. And he doesn't think Cruz will either. He'll think he'll be, he'll be an outside party. I, well, I still, um, I still think that there's a good chance that the broker convention, they're not going to give it to Trump. I think that he, it, yeah, I think it's more of does Trump manage to get the majority or not? It's not, not, uh, I think once, the, once he doesn't get the majority, I think he's in trouble. Who's going to get it from that point? I don't know, but I, I just don't think it's going to be Trump then. So I think that they're all going to talk well before, you know, I think they've already obviously talked and uh, who's the head of the RNC or the Republicans? Renee something, I think is his name. Uh, his name's Renee something, I think. Hold on, let me Google it. But I think, you know, just hearing this guy. Yeah, Rince, it, 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 Rince uh, Priebus. Is it Renee? Or Rince, no, Rince. You, Rince. Okay, I thought it was Renee. But just hearing his some sound bites from him and, and quotes, I'd like to think that this guy's enough common sense. He seems pretty bright. That he realizes the damage that it would do to the big picture of the party, and it will. It may very well blow up the party. Yeah, good. I know it. It it, it very well could. Right, that's why I said, um, you know, when I was talking to you privately about this, that they need to just concede that they kind of screwed everything up, and that they're they're going to lose now, and <laughs> they need to just uh, lose uh, in normal fashion. Just let whoever gets the most uh, delegates be the nominee, which will be Trump. Let him be the nominee. And let him go forth. If, if if he pulls off a miracle and wins, then he does. He'll probably lose. Then he loses, and then they just go on from there. And then Trump, once he loses, won't you know, he won't be relevant anymore. So, yeah, like- I agree, I agree with you guys on that. And I I speak as a person who's I'm admittedly not that into politics, especially not as much compared to you guys. But this whole brokered convention and the idea of taking it away from the will of the people this is the exact type of shit that just makes me lose any interest in being involved in in politics to be completely honest with you guys yeah i think it's very discouraging there's some belief that they're going to hide behind the technicality of well if he doesn't get a majority nobody got a majority therefore uh you know they say well look tell us there a lot of elections if someone doesn't get the majority, then they don't win. But the difference is those usually go to a runoff where the people vote again uh, to just have someone just selected by the party at that point is really offensive to the voters. And they can try to justify it all they want, saying he didn't get a majority. But uh, if you look, there's uh, a lot of times, especially if there's a third party running, that uh, the presidential election the general election that the winner did not get a majority when bill clinton won in 92 he didn't get a majority because of ross perot so uh you didn't even hear many people saying even republicans you, you didn't have many people saying oh uh, clinton didn't really win the election because he didn't get a majority well he did he, he, i mean he won he didn't get a majority but he he won he got the most votes he he won and i know it's not just by the popular vote it's by the electoral college but by the system they had set up he won and, and anything that would have deviated from that would have really gotten everyone angry. Now, there was no chance of deviation because the rules were clearly set for this, and uh, he didn't have to win a majority. But it, it's not true to say 
if you don't win a majority, you don't deserve to win the election. That's not true. Otherwise, we we wouldn't have had Bill Clinton as president in the first place. So uh, I know this is a bit of a different situation, but they they need to understand that people are going to get very angry to see this. They're going to believe that it's the party just being run by elitists who don't care what the people think and, and, uh, and, and why even bother supporting the party anymore if they're not going to listen to anyone. So it's a big mistake. And not only that, it's not even like they say, okay – if Trump wins the primary, he's our, not, he's our candidate, we're going to lose the election. But if if we put up a different candidate, like Paul Ryan, then we're going to win the election. No, you're not. You're going to lose either way. So, so lose with the one who's going to create the fewest waves within the party. And then there's also the argument, well, Trump is going to drag down a lot of uh, local candidates, because people are going to show up in droves to vote against him and at the same time vote against uh, other Republicans. Well, that might happen. But if you put up a candidate like Paul Ryan or you, you put up someone else that's not Trump when uh, Trump ends up with the most delegates, there will be a similar backlash that will ruin it for local candidates. So, so again, either way, you're going to be screwed. So, so the, what the party has to accept is that they made a mistake by not uh, – uniting against Trump by not taking him seriously. And even when it became clear he was a force, still nobody was – everybody was out for themselves and nobody was uniting against him. And, and then look what happens. Everybody loses. So that, that's uh, – they made a mistake. They didn't handle the whole thing well. And they, they kind of created the situation themselves. I mean they blundered this thing from the start. Yeah, they, they did. In fact, you could say that they blundered this going back a lot further than this in that there was uh, – uh, Within the party, yeah, I'm not talking about the general public. I'm talking about the people who vote Republican, people who identify as Republicans. I mean, even when they, you know, to me at least, the epitome of, of just how awful all this is, and just how much of a utter disrespect I have for politics. How I guess you can even say how evil, uh, unscrupulous, whatever bad adjective you want to throw in that they are, is when they all basically plotted together. And had Mitt Romney come on, uh, I think this was right after the, the Bush, uh, Bush dropped out, and basically Romney told everyone how they should vote in various states just to make sure Trump didn't win. And then this wasn't just something Romney did on his own. He had talked with, you know, people. He's well, from what I read, everyone says he's still well respected within the party, and there was even talk of him. I, I forgot to leave out his name of him being the. Uh, candidate in a brokered convention, which would be a major LOL, because he'd have no shot. I'm not saying Trump has a great shot. I'm not saying Kasich or Cruz. I just don't think the Republicans are going to win this year. I think, you know, we've all agreed, or when I say all you and I, I think you and I have agreed this since last summer, when we first started talking, that whether it was Bush, when he had the momentum, and he had the war chest of money, you know, when Rubio looked like he may be the rising channel, you know, in fact, I think we thought maybe Rubio would be the only one that may be able to beat Hillary. But I think we already conceded almost a year ago, that none of the other candidates could. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So when someone like Romney comes out there and he tells people who they should vote for in what states with the sole purpose of blocking Trump, I mean, don't you think that's just so – I mean, it, it's an insult. Unsavory. Yeah, it, 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 unsavory. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I only use that adjective when I describe my fellow co-host Todd Wittellis. That's, that's why that's for, what he's referring to. That's you. for LOL reasons, obviously, <laughs> not real life. You know, he's unsavory. Do you do – you, uh, 
Northern California, do you know the unsavory story where that comes from? Yeah, I think it was a word that was slipped into a poker news article after the It wasn't the fact, slipped. But... It was some douchebag. No, no, no. It was, no, he's right. It was slipped. It, what happened was the, the – Oh, the... I thought he did it as a shot to you. No, no, it was a no, shot to me. I think someone added it after the fact. Yes, it was – right. It was added after oh, the fact. I didn't at first, know that. I, I, I thought I, it was a scumbag writer that I, I, th- I thought shot. it was too, and I couldn't figure it out at first because it was someone I didn't have a problem with, and he insisted he didn't do it. And then I forgot how I figured it out, but I found a way – to look at the original feed of the article, and indeed, it, it, it wasn't in there. So someone, someone who had, a, they told me they said that they had poor control that year. People, a lot of outsiders had access to it, so it could have been one of so many people who. It could have been someone outside of Poker News even who did it, that slipped it in there. But uh, uh, so yeah, that, that was during the day six of the main event of all things. <laughs> day six of the damn main event. People who know me are reading that thing, and it says the unsavory Todd would tell us that was uh, pretty offensive. So. So anyhow, that to me, that was the epitome of just awfulness when, when they basically came out in this guy, this this multimillionaire, billionaire maybe. I, is Romney a billionaire? If not, he's pretty close to it. Comes out there, this guy that's lost you know, two presidential elections, and he tells people who they should vote for. And, and, and just, I don't know, it's just mind-boggling to me. Um, you know, do I really think Trump's, like I said, Trump's main support, which is, you know, white, Men, I guess that's his primary uh, demographic in their, I guess, what would you say, 30 to 40 to 60? I and mean, what would you call his? I don't even know there's best... an age range, but yeah, it, it's, it's. Well, I know that younger it, people now are on Sanders and. Well, but that's the, the, that's the different younger people. The, 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 the younger people who are for Sanders are the liberal young people, not the. Uh... What would you, if you had to guess what his demographic, I kind of always thought I was like in the maybe mid 30, 40 year range to like 60. There's probably more there, but I, I don't even think this is mainly an age thing like it is with Sanders. I think it's more of a, um, a race and gender thing. And, so let's and, say if they broke it all down and, and, and you saw what his highest demographic was, what would you guess it would be? I mean, we'd, I guess it would have to be white. Yeah, well, actually, I've heard also that the 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 the, the more educated part of the Republican Party is, is against Trump and the less educated part is for him. That, that's something that's been found, too. So uh, anyway, the, the the point is here, they've they've got to uh, I, I felt that they were already ignoring to some degree what the people wanted, you know, the people in their own party, what 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 they wanted. And, and, and Trump kind of filled that void. They they. Uh, and, and I saw this over 20 years ago, back in 94, when they did everything right, when they when they zeroed in on what the Democrats weaknesses were and how they were out of touch. And, and hammered them on that, and, and the Republicans all unified that year. They all unified and said, we're going to stop fighting with each other. We're going to find a simple and easy message, uh, which everybody can understand, and, and where we feel the Democrats are weak and out of touch. And they did it, and they were very successful. Uh, and that's and then they kind of started getting away from that. Then they, they started to get away from what the, the average citizen is going to want. And... Uh, and it became too much of a contest on uh, you know who's more conservative than the other, and that there was a mistake. So, uh, a lot of people, a lot of the the just average people, who uh, many of whom were Republicans, they felt kind of left out. They felt they felt left out, and they felt that Trump kind of spoke their language. They felt that uh, here's finally someone who understands what we're looking for, and that's that's why he got this. Uh, 
this type of support, and that's why they overlooked so much of the outrageousness. In fact, this is a plus to them because it made it look like that uh, this is someone who's not going to BS them, that even if he says something unpleasant or offensive to say, he's going to say it anyway. So what do you, so what do you guys think then? If they do indeed steal it, and I'm going to use that word, steal it from Trump, what what would you even guess the option? I mean, do you even just speculate? I mean, I, like I said, those are just the names I threw out there. Walker, yeah, Ryan, yeah, Walker and Ryan are would be two big ones, and yeah, they, maybe Romney. I mean, maybe if they yeah, get the, Romney, enough. Romney, and even Bush are like outside choices, but probably not. And then, of course, and Cruz is another outside choice, just in case they decide that, well, if we're going to do this, we won't be, we won't go too far. We'll we'll go to the, at least to the one who finished second. But of course, there's the big factor that they don't like him. I know there's been a lull for about two weeks. Is there a Republican primary on Tuesday? This Tuesday. Uh, I want to think that I've read that it was like middle of April is the next one. Shit, hold on, I'll look it up. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And what is what is his path? What is his path looking like right now? So I know He's I read that very California close. was trying to. That's okay. A, there's one Republican uh, primary. I know California was trying to change their rules in an adverse way to Trump. At the moment, it's it's very unclear, but it looks like, and as I was mentioning Indiana, that it looks like it's gonna be so close that. Uh, that if he wins Indiana, then he'll probably get the majority. Not for sure, but probably. If he loses Indiana, he probably won't. It looks like Indiana, which is a winner-take-all state, is, is the big one. Okay, so let's see when the next... I, want to say, I thought there's got to be one this week. I know it hasn't been, it's been two weeks, right? I think it's been two weeks since there's one. Okay, so let's see. The next one, we're going to have the primary schedule right now, let's see, tomorrow's going to be, today is the 11th, so we have April, oh no, there isn't one, again, there's, okay, it's next week, uh, a week from, a week from Tuesday uh, will be New York, and there's 95 total delegates, I don't know if it's spread out over, do you know if it's, if it's a winner-take-all state? I mean, how would you know that? No one. Okay. Well, the next one's in New York, and I mean, obviously. No, that's not. That's not winner take all. It's not winner take all. Okay. Obviously, though, he's gonna. I mean, he has to crush that. I mean, I. I let's see how many delegates are there. There is a total of ninety-five. I mean, could he? Not. I mean, what? He's got to win about eighty-five of those at least. I mean, can you see Cruz, a guy from Texas, you know, beating Trump out of more than ten, even if it's relegated to just by district, by congressional district. So, I mean, you had 95. Then after that, the following week, you have a bunch of states. And I guess this is what's going to determine it, or it could, I guess. Uh, then the following week, on the 26th, you have Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Rhode Island. Those are all those are all northeast states. I mean, would you, wouldn't you think that would kind of favor Trump? Um... I mean, has Cruz shown any power anywhere in the Northeast so far? He won in, uh, let me think. I'm trying to think if he won anything over there. So, okay, so New York is 95, and then the following week, Connecticut's only 28, Delaware is 16. I think, he won, I think he won in Vermont, actually. What are the odds that genocide's going to tweet who she uh, supports for president? Probably not much. I've never seen her be political before. It would be interesting, but she probably won't. 
So over the next, uh, I guess, three weeks, from the 19th or two weeks, from the 19th to 26th, you have 95, 25, 140, 180, 250. You have to, roughly 270 delegates up for grabs. Um, and then after that, I don't even know how he's pulling. And, uh, and then there's Indiana, which I, I was just reading an article now while we were talking that says that he's getting trounced in the polls in Indiana. Well, I haven't seen many polls in Indiana, though. Well, I just saw – let's see. What, let's, here. I've had trouble finding polls there. If, if he's losing in Indiana, here, he's in I'm, trouble. I'm looking at Politico. If you go to Politico, Trump is getting trounced in Indiana. The state hasn't even voted, and convention delegates are already lined up against the front runner. Well, then, um, then, then he's it, in trouble. 20, it's 27. Uh, no, it's 57 in Indiana. Oh, I'm sorry, 57. No, hold on. 57 or 27? I says here 27. Maybe, 57. Oh, maybe you're right. It says 27 here. I'm reading an article. This is, well, I'm going to quote this. This is from Politico.com. Indiana hasn't cast its ballots for president yet, but Trump is already losing. Republican Party insiders in the state that will select 27 delegates to the national convention, uh, say Trump is assured to be nearly shut out of support, according to interviews with a dozen party leaders and officials involved in the delegate selection process. Well, Anti-Trump delegate runs so hot among GOP leadership in Indiana, it's driving a vir- virulent rejection of the mogul among likely delegates. Well, I'm, I'm seeing something different. I'm seeing um, it, from the Indiana Indy Star in Indiana, it says, how many delegates does Indiana get? Indiana has 57 of the 2472 Republican delegates. Okay. I, mean, I don't know what this means. They must have mistyped. Okay. I've seen 57 I mean, I'm reading. I'm looking at it right now. Indiana GOP insiders are working to engineer slates of delegates that will turn their backs on Trump at a contested convention in July. 27 will be elected at the state committee meeting next week. I don't, I don't even know what that means. So our, our percentage of the, the – what did you say? They're 50-something? Oh, I see. I see. I see what I elected at a state. I, I see. Next week. It's a th- three. That's that's what we're missing here. Yeah, uh, three delegates from each of the state's nine congressional districts probably get selected. See, that's bullshit. And then, I, then, I the, the, then the other thir- the other thirty go just to whoever gets the most votes in the state. That is such bullshit. I mean, I said this for the for you know, and you know, even if I was a Clinton fan, and I'm not, but if I was. I would still say what I've said in the past, and I'll continue to say the, the whole thing with all these delegates. It, it just gives somebody. I mean, what would be the incentive for me to even vote, knowing that one person's vote, say, you know, every governor, every Democratic governor, every former Democratic president or congressman, their vote counts for a fifth of, of my county. You know what I'm in my state. I mean, do you know what I'm saying? One person's delegate is the equivalent of. Well, yeah, that, that's on, that's on the Democratic side. Yeah, there, the, there are situations like this which are bad it's on just, the Republican side too. But the, the the Democrats have it much worse than the super delegates, much worse. I, I I don't even get how no one has called for reform in this. Like maybe this has been the way that we've gone about electing candidates in this country forever. And I'll be the first to sit here and, and say on the fraud podcast, I'm uneducated and I didn't know any of these things until this year. This is the first time I've ever paid attention. And I think probably most people, unless you were, you know, a political science major or, you know, or in politics or just a junkie probably didn't know that either. But I read this and I'm flabbergasted. It just, it doesn't seem democratic well, at all. It's not. Um, and, and, and uh, the truth is, 
I mean, I've said this before. If it was just a little bit closer with Bernie and Hillary, they would be risking the same thing with the party falling apart with this, the super delicate crap. If they, if 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 Bernie had won in in uh, elected delegates and then uh, and then the super delegates pushed it over to the other side, there would be outrage. There would be absolutely outrage. It's not going to happen because Bernie's not going to get enough support. But uh, if he did and then he lost anyway from the superdelegates, there would be outrage and that could break that party. So that they, they have a ticking time bomb over there in that party. So they, they've both got problems, but just they're not going to – not as much of a deal is going to be made about it this time because Bernie would lose either way. So the, they'd say, hey, it doesn't, the superdelegates don't matter. He, he was, he was going to lose even if he did it the way you claim is fair. So, okay, let's, uh, let's get to the last thing here. And that is, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. And Northern California guy, and, and even Trader Ruski, if he is awake, Are you still awake, Trader Ruski? No shot. <laughs> yeah, he, he's sleeping. Okay, so when I was posting about my valet parking mess, and I'm not going to rehash all that, but when I was posting about that on the forum, uh, a, a longtime user on the site who even dates back to the other sites we were part of, named Corrigan, who I know also said something uh, uh, not very kind to Brandon recently there. But uh, uh, Corrigan said Wait, that... what happened? He said something Oh, he, he said something me. like that you were a crybaby recently. But uh, that's not... About that, what? Oh, about the about, thing? Yeah, about... about uh, yeah, ban, well, about, you know what? If expressing how I feel and, and what I'm reading is, is intolerable and being honest about it is being a crybaby, then I guess I'm a crybaby. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I didn't agree with what he said, but I'm just saying what he said. There. Okay, that, that's, that, that's, that's not what I'm bringing up here. I'm actually bringing up that he said something about me that wasn't the nicest, that he called me a pathological customer, but this was not his term. This was... Uh, and he, he didn't take credit for the term. He, he referred to where he got the term. There's a term that uh, the pathological customer is a term for a customer who, of any business, who is very demanding, very time-consuming for the staff, uh, complains a lot, points out things that are wrong, will sometimes ask for some some kind of concession if things are wrong, like like something free or something discounted, and even if nothing goes wrong. That customer is always going to be looking for the best value. So they're, they're, they're always going to be looking for the best deal. They're always going to be taking advantage of loss leaders. They're never going to just come in and, and, and pay full price retail. So there, there's a theory of the person who came up with uh, the concept of the pathological customer, and, and it's since been embraced by others who write about business. Some feel, this is not universally accepted by any means. This is just kind of a... Uh, a theory that's being floated around now. Some feel that the way to make businesses run more profitably and efficiently is just to identify the what they call the bottom 20% of customers, that is the ones that take up the most time of yours, the ones that just uh, seem to complain the most, the ones that seem to have the most issues, and just get rid of them. Say, we don't want your business anymore. Not that you're not making some profit on them, but that the profit you're making on them is so little that the time they're wasting and maybe even the, the morale that they're costing your employees is not worth whatever little profit you make from them. So that if you focus on the other 80% who usually just comes in, buys something, and leaves and never says a word, 
if you focus your effort on them, then your time is being spent much more efficiently. Well, this this sounds like a, a very smart theory on the surface. This sounds like something that uh, every business should do, that they should realize you know, who the customers are that are sucking up all their time and realize these people are barely making them any money and just boot them. Say, I, I don't want you guys anymore. I'm not here for charity. I'm here to sell things and make money, and you're, you're, you're getting in my way with this, with uh, constantly complaining, constantly uh, uh, looking for an angle to get discounts and, and, and constantly pointing out things you don't like. Just get out. Goodbye. Now, this could only be done at certain types of businesses, like uh, – a large supermarket chain can't do this. Albertson Supermarkets is not going to identify the 20% of the customers who complain the most. It's impossible to do. So, uh, but, but it's more talking about smaller businesses or even businesses that have uh, fewer clients that, uh, that, that, uh, that they work with. But just whatever the business is, if it's small enough to where you actually see a lot of the same people over and over and you, and you identify the ones who are uh, bitching about things the most, then get rid of those people, and everything will be great. Everything, everybody will be happier. And since those people are always trying to get the best deals anyway, you're not losing a lot by losing their business. So it was suggested in that thread that number one, I am a pathological customer, and that I, I fit this description perfectly. And that uh, all these businesses, every single business I deal with, said Corrigan, would be better off if I was never their customer in the first place. So is that true? Am I actually somebody that no business would ever want to deal with? That they'd all be better off not dealing with me, even if they don't realize it? Well, I'll give credit to a few things here. I will give credit to the fact that I will be difficult if things aren't going well or if I'm not getting what I'm paying for or if something has gone wrong. I will speak up all the time. Just about 100% of the time I'll speak up. Uh, It is true that if I feel there's been enough inconvenience to justify asking for a discount or something free, that I'll do so. Not to necessarily angle for free things, but because I feel like I, I didn't get what I was paying for. Uh, so, so these things are true, and, and it's also true that I, I, I do try to shop for value. I do try to uh, – I, I don't necessarily buy cheap crap, but uh, even the expensive things I buy, I try to get the best possible deal on it to where the their profit margin is, is as low as possible. Not that I'm trying to give them a low profit margin, but just try to save money for myself. So I always like to get value, as you guys know. So uh, the the description of what, quote, is the pathological customer, which I think is a bad – term I don't think I think pathological makes you sound like you're you're evil or you're you're psycho uh, but I, I think that uh, at least the definition of it does sound in some ways like me in a lot of ways like me but I'm going to tell you why that I think it's a huge mistake to take that approach a customer like me actually does a favor in one way for these businesses and that is they point out what's wrong. Now, if you have someone that's really just honestly angling for free things and making things up in order to get free things, that person's of no value. You should get rid of them. But someone who's just honestly telling you, if they've noticed things that are wrong, and they're honestly telling you something that they have noticed is wrong, that's upsetting them, that's probably upsetting other people in their spot, then you should listen to them. 
These are the people you need to listen to because a lot of times businesses fail because no one ever tells them that why it's not good, why people don't want to come there, why people don't come back. I've, I've said to managers before that you know if I'm in a situation that I know has happened to other people, I say, look, uh, I'm the one who's talking to you about this right now, but for me, there's 99 other people that this just happens to them. They don't want the trouble. They just don't come back, and you never know why. And that's the, if if you don't have customers who speak up about things that are going wrong, about employees that are mistreating them, about incompetence there, about uh, other things that that are happening that shouldn't be happening that the manager or the owner may not be aware of, if you don't hear from them, you're never going to know what's driving people away. Now you don't want a whole you don't you don't want every customer to be like me. That's for sure. You'll you'll never get anything done. But you need at least a few of them. Because otherwise, you, you, you're not going to understand how people are reacting to your product or service. There's actually value in somebody coming to you and saying, hey, here's what I don't like here. here here's what I think could be done better. Here's what I think uh, – um, here's what's frustrated me and pissed me off. And, and I know this from the other side uh, in various things I've done in my life, including Poker Fraud Alert. When people come to me and complain about certain things on the radio they don't like, or when they come to me and complain about things in the forum, I listen. And I don't always agree. I don't always take their advice, but I listen and I think, hmm, do they have a point? And I'd much rather hear that type of thing from someone who has something to criticize, that that, that they want to provide a valid criticism, so I can think about it and say, hey, can I do this better, than somebody who just leaves and never comes back, just turns off the radio, stops listening, stops going on the forum, and I never know why. I don't know if it's just because they lost interest or, or doing other things or, or because I could have done something better here and didn't do it. So uh, a lot of times the businesses that fail are the ones that don't really understand what they're doing wrong. And having someone on the other side, someone on the customer side who's providing you with this free feedback they're not doing it for, you know, to help you, but they're, they're inadvertently helping you by giving you free feedback. You should listen to them and see if they're full of crap or, or, or if they've got some good suggestions. So that's, that's why you don't want to just eliminate anyone who ever says anything critical or complains because then you're never going to know what direction you're going. So that's, that's why I, I think that model's a mistake. Unless you have so much business that... Uh, that it doesn't matter how you treat customers because the, you're always going to be full. You're always going to be sold out. Then you never have to worry about anyone returning. Then, in that case, then, by all means, then you should be uh, – you can act whatever way you want and, and there will be no consequence. But very few businesses can say that. Uh, here's one who could. This line is huge. It's like this all the time. Isn't that that Banya guy? Oh, no. It is. Just be still. Well, too late. I think he picked up the scent. Hey, Jerry. I didn't know you liked soup. Hard to believe. This guy makes the best soup in the city, Jerry. The best. You know what they call him? Soup Nazi. Shh. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm not letting you cut in line. Why not? Because if he catches us, we'll never be able to get soup again. Okay, okay. Medium turkey chili. 
medium crab bisque. You didn't get any bread. Just forget it. Let it go. Excuse me. I, I think you forgot my bread. Bread? Two dollars extra. Two dollars? But everyone in front of me got free bread. You want bread? Yes, please. Three dollars! What? No soup for you! The soup Nazi could afford to do that. He had such good soup that, that everyone would come there. But uh, so, so, so what? What is uh, Brandon? What, what's uh, what's your reaction to what I just said there? I, mean, I agree with what you're saying. I, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like I think a lot of people. I mean, I know this is kind of off topic a little bit, but I think what a lot of people like about. Uh, that's not to say, you know, this is the tarnished Northern California guy or Trader Ruski. They just haven't known you as long as I have. But I think a lot of people like the dynamic between us because we can disagree about things. And you'll still listen to me, and I'll listen to you, and sometimes we'll go back and forth a little bit, and then we'll just have to say, well, we have to agree to disagree. Um, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, I... I I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, our views are different on a lot of things, but we you know we at the same time we share a lot of the same views. And you know, it's it's always funny when I'm out somewhere and someone I don't know. You know, this really does happen a lot. You know, I can I made that comment uh, in the post the other day about someone asking me about clit, and I mean that's really true. You know, people people ask me. You know, they'll say, you know, when when Marty used to, you know, the first time I ever, I, I said it's the first time. This is fuck, almost 10 years ago. The first time I ever met Ari Angle, first time I ever met him was at that Maven training center. It was, you know, it was his house, but he was running the business out of there. And one of the first things he ever said to me, one of the first things he ever said to me, he said, uh, I'm a really big fan of Judon. That was one of the first things he ever said to me. You know, I was like, hey, nice to meet you. And he's like, oh, you're, you know, you do radio, you're from NWP. And he's like, oh, I love that Judon. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you. I don't know. Yeah, they like having. To, you don't want to have customers who are trying to trick you or roll you or just making up things that are wrong to get free things. That and you don't. And you don't want too many. You don't want every single customer being one who comes in and. I, uh, but yeah. you, you've got to have some. People, I, I really know people that. Uh, you know, this is. The, well, I shouldn't say I know them like they're my friends, but my girlfriend has told me stories of people that she works with, and sometimes they get very low on money, um, towards you know between paychecks. I mean, these aren't like, you know, scumbag drug... Well, maybe you can say they're scumbags after what I tell you what they do, but they're not like drug dealers or, you know, they're just, they're run out, they've run out of money. So what they do is they'll call various fast food restaurants, pizza places, places like Panda Express, and they'll make up false claims of, you know, bad food, um, getting upset stomachs, just things along that nature to get free meals. Right, and right. People that, 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 there's nothing, they had no problem with them the service was great but they just know hey i'm hungry i know if i call this place you know we such and such and just say this that in the, there are people that do that and you know what i i you know it's, it's actually funny I, I uh tonight i swear to you i swear to fucking god i'm not making this up you tell me how this how you'll react okay uh tonight <laughs> I, i'm not cheap when it comes to food okay I, I really really am not i i you know that's something you and i are a little bit different 
about Druff. I mean, I won't, I don't eat a lot of fast food. It's because of my health, just that, you know, I'm older. I don't want to eat food with a lot of cholesterol, a lot of fat, especially saturated fat. So I kind of stay away from pizzas and, and, you know, fast food. But tonight I ended up going, uh, I woke up, I had a massive, massive, what I thought was going to be a migraine. It was just a really bad headache. Like one of those ones where like I literally had tears coming out of my eyes. It was that, that strong. And I need to eat. I want to come on radio. I need to get some food in me. So they mailed me, uh, a while ago, maybe two months ago, a free burrito or th- a free three tacos from Chipotle. And the reason why they were doing this is because of the bad. I'm sorry. No, I didn't say anything. Go on. Oh, okay. I heard something. The reason why they did this and they did this all over Vegas and probably all over the nation is because of the bad PR they've gotten from the various outbreaks of E. coli. Yeah, I know about that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really crushed their business. I mean, their stock is tanked. It's lost over a billion dollars. In, uh, you know, in, in their stock value because of this, and they want to start getting customer base back. And, you know, this that's a pretty big deal. I mean, the, the million also saying basically every resident didn't have my name on it, just said resident. And I know other people that have got this, and, you know, Subway and other local places will send something, buy one, get one free, or buy one, get one half off. But, like, literally, it's a free, it's a free burrito, you know, with everything you want in it. You know, anyhow, so it was about, I guess, 9.30 or so. They, you know, they close at 10. And there's not a lot of places near me that are open much later than I just wanted to put some food in me. I didn't have much here that I wanted to cook. So anyhow, I take this coupon and I go there. I'm like, might as well get rid of this. I pull up and I was going to get a bowl. Okay, not a burrito, but it's, you know, a bowl with rice and it's basically a burrito, but without the burrito. And I was going to, I was going to get steak. Uh, I did not want, I was going to gamble. I know the E. coli, but I don't want to eat pork. <laughs> I find their chicken, you know, the few times I've had it very dry and, uh, you know, that those are really your only options. They don't have any kind of, you know, seafood. So I look inside the little, I don't know, the bowl or whatever you want to call it where the steak is and there's like seven little pieces, little square pieces. That's it. And it looks dry. So the young lady, and it's about 30, 40 minutes, it's about 930, maybe 925 and they close at 10. So the lady looks at me. Okay. It's a young girl. And she says, we're going to be closing in 40 minutes. That's all the steak we have for the night. And then I, I there's, uh, I don't know, like maybe three other people behind the counter. One of them looks like an manager. And I just look at her and I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm not going to eat that. Like, that's ridiculous. I didn't yell. I just said it. It's like five or six like pieces and they were dry. So then and she's like, sorry, you know, we're done cooking for the night. So then a manager immediately came up to me. I mean, immediately and said, sir, give me five minutes. We'll have a fresh steak for you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, thank you. So, and anyhow, they ended up doing it and, and uh, you know, so, but the point is, you know, I didn't complain. A lot of people would have gone off like that girl when she's telling me 40 minutes before. And at that point, I just was like, you know what? I'm going to go to another place to eat. I didn't want to sit there and fight. I wanted to just get some food in me. Um, but, you know, that that's an example right there. And, and, you know, I'm sure tomorrow if I wanted to, if I wanted to call up and talk to someone that was a corporate or talk to somebody else, you know, they'd probably say, we apologize. And that, never, and that shouldn't happen. I mean, we're not talking five minutes before they close. We're talking 40 minutes. And of all places, that corporation, with all the bad press they've gotten, they should go out of their way. You know, and I just was somebody that had a coupon. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not their, their you know, their target base, and I'm probably never going to go back there. Or maybe it'll be another year. It's not somewhere that I frequent a lot, but I just kind of all worked out. I had a free coupon. You know, I wanted to eat real fast, and, and it was close to me. So, but yeah, that happened tonight. I think someone like you, and this isn't, to judge you, of course, but I think someone like you would have made a much bigger deal about it. You would have probably, you know, 
gotten outraged, and, and I'm not saying you're wrong. Well, to do it, that, it depends. Just... You know, I'll, I'll tell. I was thinking when you were telling this story, if, if this was, I've run into it before where they just run you out of in and out, the in and out story. Well, no, no. But let me tell you the difference. I, I, if I if I'm at a place and they literally legitimately run out of food for the night, they run out of something. So if, they, if this was all the beef they had left. And they're like, look, we're closing. We can't go out and get more beef uh, 40 minutes before closing, so this is all we have. So either accept this beef or – then then I, I actually would accept it, believe it or not. I, I may re- I may say I don't want to eat this. I want to return it and get my slip back for the free thing, but uh, that's what I would have done. But I wouldn't have made a big deal. Where, where I would have made a big deal is if they're just choosing not to. If they say we're not, we're not making more beef. Uh, that we admit this is kind of uh, not very good at the moment, but uh, we think we're closing, seeing so we're not making any more. That that would piss me off. Uh, the In and Out story you're referring to is uh, I, I drove to an In and Out once. This is many years ago, but uh, I drove to an In and Out. I didn't live by any of them, so this was probably about 15 minutes of driving to get to. And I, I drove over there, and it was uh, it was 12:50, and they closed at one. I went to the drive-through. They said, "Sorry, we closed early tonight. We uh, we were slow, and that is a big no-no at In and Out. Every In and Out store is corporate owned. There's no franchises. The corporate In and Out has a very, very, very tight control over every store. That they follow each rule to the T. They they overpay every single employee, including the managers, and they 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 are very, very particular that that corporate rules are not violated. And they do that to create a standard." To where the customer always feels like they know what they're getting and don't ever get screwed there. They're very, they they're very big on on brand integrity and in and out. And I've always known that. And I've always appreciated that. So they don't have a right to close ten minutes early. They they it's just not allowed there. It's not like a mom and pop place. A mom and pop place does it. I don't even say anything because I understand it. Uh, th- this is different. They, these are just minimum wage employees deciding on their own they're going to close ten minutes early when they're not allowed to. So I, I said this isn't allowed. And they said, uh, "Sorry, we've put everything away. We're not. We're not taking everything out again. We've cleaned. We've we've taken. We've, we've put everything away. We're just. We're not going to make everything dirty again and take out all the supplies just for just for one customer. We can't do it. We're closed." So uh, I reported them. I reported them to corporate for it. Why not? Not to be a douchebag or an asshole. I did it because I drove 15 minutes, and the reason I drove 15 minutes is knowing that 100% sure I get there at 12:50 is going to be open. That, that, otherwise, I, I wouldn't have chanced it. I wouldn't have gone that far if I thought they could have done that. But but I knew that this was one place that was not going to close 10 minutes early. And that's why I made the half an hour round trip. So it pissed me off that they decided on their own to do it. And then and then when I told them they're not, you know, I know they're not allowed to, they just basically said F you. So, so I, I reported it. And they, it, when you report something in and out, they send you uh, uh, basically like a free meal certificate and they sent that to me the, everything and by the way when you report anything to in and out you can't even call each individual store they will knock you out that phone number you've got to call the main corporate number they basically want to know everything but i respect them for that i respect them for wanting to know what's going on for asserting standards on their stores for not letting low-tier employees ruin the brand or, or decide on their own what they're going to do and getting rid of anyone who does that i mean that's the that's the way it should be they, 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 employees like that shouldn't make the decision of when they can close. The, the, the boss should make that decision. So that's uh, so that, that that's why. So like with your case today, um, if it turns out that they could have made more, which they did for you, 
then then I would have definitely said so. I, that would have been my question: is do you do you have any more? You're just choosing not to, or are you uh, or are you out? If you're out, fine. No, she didn't say they were out. She said that they just were done cooking for the night. Yeah, no, I would I wouldn't have accepted because, that. You know, meaning that it would be wasteful to start grilling up steaks at nine thirty when they know that they were closing. In 30 minutes, and I was the only single person in the store. Nobody was even well, in the I, store. Other than me. You, you, I, I had, a, like I said, I looked at her, and it's like it wasn't, you know, what they should have done. If anything, was just throw the fucking steak out and say they're out of it because they leave five or six dry little squares there, right? And say that to me, and then again, you know, the manager, very quick thinking, and and you know, obviously aware of the fact that I already have a free coupon which was sent out because of the company's past blunders. As soon as I said, okay, well, you know what? I'm just I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, I don't want that. Immediately, like, charged towards me and said, sir, give me five minutes. We'll make you a fresh <laughs> Well, I'll t- I have a similar situation to what well, – I had a similar situation to what you went through tonight, not at any fast food place, but in in, in college. At the, at the dining commons there, they, uh, they had hours I didn't like because I always stayed up late. And the hours of the dining commons uh, – one of them would close at 6.30, the other one closed at 7 for dinner. So it was a joke because you're, you're hungry then later at night if you stay up late. So, of course, I always waited to the very end to go because I'm not going to go at 5 o'clock or 5.30. Then I'm really going to be hungry later. If they had later hours, I wouldn't have gone at the very last minute. I wasn't trying to be a, a problem there. I just, that, that was, I, I just wanted to eat later. So it was, it was uh, buffet style. And what they always did was they'd start putting things away and they just like you said they weren't cooking food when it came towards the end they just they'd start kind of shutting everything down 15 minutes before closing time to where there's a you know a limited menu of what you can get they're not going to make anything new uh, they're going to turn they're going to take away a lot of things they weren't supposed to do that these were just students who didn't feel like working anymore and wanted to cut out a bit early so i told them if you are accepting people walking in all the way up until 6.30, because when I say closed at 6.30, it doesn't mean 6.30 or when we get kicked out. It means that they are taking people in all the way up till 6.30, and, but then obviously you have to give them time to get their food. So I said, if you're going to be taking people in until 6.30, you need to have these same offerings for them at the end as you do at the very beginning when you open. If you, it be, why? Because I'm paying the same thing as the people who are paying. When, when the, if you want to give me less offerings at 6.30, then, 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 then charge me half price. Otherwise, you're cheating me. So, so, so at first they tried to BS me, telling me that this is, uh, this is uh, because they're going to waste food then. That they're, they're trying to stop wasting food. This is an anti-food waste program. I said, this is BS. You cannot run a buffet without wasting food. Part, part of a buffet is you will always waste food. If, you, if you're not comfortable with wasting food, don't run a buffet. It's not possible to run a buffet without wasting a lot of food. So they, they tried to fight with me about this, and they got, they got really nasty with me there for a while. And, and finally, I, I took some action. And the action I took, uh, I was part of the, the dorm student government, which was, was kind of lame, but... Uh, I decided to finally have them do something meaningful over there. I, I, I presented this to the dorm student government, and I said, uh, you know, which I was already part of, I explained the whole situation to them, and I said, you know, who agrees? Well, they said, well, can you write a position paper for us about this? So I said, okay, I, mean, I don't really want to do this, but all right. So I wrote up a position paper about the whole thing, distributed it, and I, I think uh, everybody voted on whether they agree with my position paper, and I think I won, like, like, 19 to 1 or something that uh, everyone but one person agreed with me. 
So, so the, on behalf of the dorm student government, we submitted this and we uh, like a formal complaint, basically, of the way it was being run over there. And uh, the head of the food services actually called a meeting between uh, me and uh, me, some other person from the dorm student government, and the uh, and like the heads of each each dining commons there and, and talked about everything and by the end the uh the person who was running you know the, the one in charge of the whole thing said she 100 percent agreed with me she said she had no idea all this was going on that they're making a mistake that yes they should have a a full thing of food out at at uh at, at to, to the end there that they shouldn't be quote trying to eliminate waste and that uh i'm entitled to the same meal as the people who come in at the beginning blah blah like she said that they were totally wrong i was totally right so she promised change well, th- guess what? This made a lot of people pissed at me because the people who used to like to go home early not couldn't anymore because of the policy changes because of me. So this was, there were some people who were really mad at me for this. But I wasn't trying to be a dick. I just wanted to get the same food. But it wasn't like a, a small difference. They were like shutting down half the thing by the time I started eating where I couldn't, I couldn't get like half the food I could have gotten earlier. And I just knew that wasn't right. And it turned out I was correct. That was against the policy. That was against what they should have been doing. So, and, and you'll see that at any at any buffet, you, they don't they don't shut things down. You, they, they're not supposed to take anything away until closing time, until a little bit after closing time, because of people who come in right before closing time. That's just the, not the way buffets are supposed to work. So whenever they, you hear this crap about oh we should we can't waste food, they, yeah, they, it's kind of off the subject a little bit. But I remember and I, this is years ago, so I don't know. If people still do this, but uh, at least with the locals, um, this is at the Bellagio, and I'm talking about the Bellagio buffet. Uh, up until I want to say maybe three, four years ago, uh, and this is why a lot of people got fired at the Bellagio in the poker room, and the whole system kind of just got uh, just just had a big overhaul done to it. But if you played regularly at the Bellagio and you knew Florman and you wanted a comp. You would just ask, and they'd write you a paper comp. And now they've gone to the more normal, just point system. And I used to kind of think, even back then, even though I would, you know, be playing medium to high stakes, the system was kind of unfair because you, know, you could literally sit there for six, seven, eight hours and play one, two, no limit, and you know, or maybe even two, five, and not know anyone, and, and you're not going to get a comp. Or if you sat there and you played thirty, sixty, you know, there was there was really no there was no system. I mean, it just it made no sense. So. What people used to do when they'd get these comps, and it, it was for an amount of money, it wasn't for like you know an entree and a, a beverage, is they'd go to the Bellagio buffet. But there was a big difference between the lunch and the dinner. I think you already know what I'm getting at. So what people would do, and this was very common, they'd go right at the end of lunch because at the Bellagio there wasn't any, uh, I guess you'd call it cleanup time or you know where it's just closed. Yeah, I, I know they'd about that. They yeah. get in for the lunch price and they just have like a little salad or something, and then. Dinner would be served, which was like ten or fifteen, maybe even twenty dollars more. I mean, it was a it was a substantial difference. Well, that, that's a common dinner. buffet trick, though. People pull that all the time, everywhere. Yeah. Well, well, I know though now a lot of buffets have a closing period because of that in, in Vegas. They they've started doing. Oh, that. really? <laughs> like the Cosmo, for instance. Now, like you know, I, I, when I say close, like employees don't go home, but they make sure everyone is off the premises before they let the dinner crowd in. And yeah. I want to think you know this is that's probably why they were. Yeah, doing I, I, it. yeah, I've, I've heard of this trick in many places before. But at the Bellagio, I mean, that was where I played poker, and you know, there was 
and there was a big difference. Like for lunch, you didn't have prime rib. There wasn't shrimp cocktail. There were other, you know, fishes and seafoods. Like there was, a, you know, there was a notable difference. Hence, you know, the additional. I, I want to say maybe it was as close as really 20, 20 bucks and up. I mean, I think dinner now there like close to forty bucks a night, uh, per person. It's a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that's, let me let me tell you about money. let me tell you about uh, something with Bla- I was at the Bellagio today and ate on a comp, so I want to tell you a bit about uh, something I think is really dumb over there. That is the fact that the poker room, uh, the comps you earn over there are not the same as express comps, which means. In order to redeem any of the comps that you've earned at the you poker have to room, speak with a human being. You have to not to speak. You have to go to a, a specific person who has authorization to do this in the poker room, who and then tell them exactly the amount that you're going to want to spend, and then they give you a paper comp for it. So, if you want to go to the Bellagio Cafe, you've got to know before you even go in the cafe how much you're going to spend there, and if you don't, then if you get it wrong, you're either going to have too much money, which just gets wasted. Well, and that's that's. Just to expand on what you're saying, that's one of the things that I hate the most about these casinos. That if you ask for too much and you don't use it, you lose it. And I, you know, a perfect example, and I never understood why the fuck they do this is Red Rock, where literally, if, if you want to really save your money at Red Rock, or I shouldn't say Red Rock, at all station casinos, uh, they have uh, you know the sit down restaurants. You can basically express cop yourself, like Druff is talking about. But everything else. You know, they have, like, every station casino has a big-ass food court. Like, Red Rock has uh, Capriati's. They have a Mexican place. They have a, a Tropical Smoothie. They have a Panda Express. They have a McDonald's or a Fat Burger. So you have to literally go, make your order, find out exactly how much it is to the penny, and then walk all the way to the Total Reward Center, wait in line, and get an exact comp for that amount. That amount. And I think it's the most annoying thing in the world. Like, why can't you just... Self-comp yourself like like MGM does with the express comps. Well, yeah, but then MGM but, gets it wrong with the poker room that you have to actually get do this crap too. Right, and the, exactly. And like, and like, yeah. and like, why why can't they just make it the same system? Why why can't they just let the poker players earn express comps and be done with it? Why why do they have to do this nonsense? I, I don't know. And and I don't know. and, and, and so, here's an example: a place like the Orleans, which you would think, you know, is is just I mean, it's not as big a company as MGM. You can use your your points, and they're right on your card. You don't have to see a goddamn person. Yeah, and and, and you know what? Dollar fifty an hour, and then you can just comp yourself whenever you want to eat. Yeah, and and here's here's what's really annoying is that I wanted to, they don't have much selection. Basically, you can only go, take it to the Bellagio owned outlets, which means no fix and no you know various other places over there that uh, that you may want to eat at the Bellagio with these poker comps. So. They don't even have menus for every single one of them. So, like today, I wanted to go to Cafe Bellagio. And they do not have a single menu for Cafe Bellagio at the poker room. So I had no idea wh- what I was going to spend there. And I tried to look up the menu online. It doesn't have prices. So I, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out in advance and ask for the right comps so, so they don't take too much or, or, or even I ask for too little and have to pay money. But there's no way. So I, out of principle, th- this uh, I think this calls for uh, the appropriate theme music. Out of principle, I said, you know what? I'm not going to waste my comps by asking for too much and then not using them all. And I'm not going to fall short and have to actually reach into my wallet to pay for this. So I I went to the Cafe Bellagio, ordered, and said, okay, I'll be right back. And once I ordered, of course, I already knew what I was going to be getting and how much it would be. And I walked back to the... uh, poker room 
and said, okay, write me the comp now. And then I walked back to Cafe Bellagio and, and ate my meal. Now, I wasn't letting the food getting cold. The food was, you know, it was being made during that time. But that, that's how important it was to me to get the right amount there. But it was so stupid I couldn't just see a menu, then I wouldn't have to do all that. If I just saw a menu there, like if you're going to have this dumb system, at least have all the menus present. But for some reason they're missing Cafe Bellagio. Just so dumb, just make it all part of the express comp system and just let people swipe their card and be done. I just, I was with someone else there and I, I said to him, you know what, it is outrageous that in 2016 that uh, we have to actually have a boss print us a paper comp from our comp balance. Yeah. That's, that's just obscene. This should all be totally computerized now. Well, you know what's funny? Uh, with board gaming, and, and board gaming is uh, Coast Casinos and Boyd, um, the reason why they went away with this there, and this is just a, a funny quick story, uh, at the Suncoast, you know, up until five years ago, four years ago, it still used to be paper comps where you literally would go to a pit boss, they look at a computer and they would just come up with like an arbitrary number and write it on the comp. And you could even negotiate. I'll give you 50. And then you'd say, well, you know what? I really need 75. And they're like, well, I could do 60. Yeah. I remember and that back in the nineties. I did that here. Like that's how it was. And you know, the sun coast for those that don't know, um, it's in Summerlin and I've talked about it before, but it's in Summerlin and it, it's in an area. It's an area of this, of this town where there are a lot of retirees and a lot of older people. And what I found out they were doing, and the reason why they switched to, you know, a state-of-the-art, you know, digital, uh, and when I say digital, they just do it through a computer and it's sent to whatever restaurant you're going to. And that's basically, for the most part, how every casino, I think, is done now. I don't think paper comps are used anywhere, was because there was a series of, a group of old people that were making photocopies of the color of the paper. And these were, like, (laughs) senior citizens that were going to, like, a... uh, What's the, what? What are the the the, the photo place? The Kinkos. The Kinkos. They're like a Kinkos or somewhere, using color paper, and they were making copies of it. Now, when you get these comps, you know, at least back in the day, there was no uh, there was no you know checks and balances. Like you literally order your meal, and you give it to your server when you're done, and they didn't verify it. There was no you know. There's nothing. And that you just give it to them and you go. So if you had like printed up a thousand dollars worth of these, you could spread these around like they were money. By the so, way, I, I had to hang up on someone. I think it was handicapped me calling in, and I think he was exercising. Where it sounded like, uh, oh, he's just waking up. Like I think maybe he was doing his morning workout because I was hearing like running or something. So I had to hang up. Uh, he's calling back here. If there's any more exercising, I'm going to cut him again. Uh, handicapped me. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Hey, so, buddy. How you doing? Hey, dude. How's it going? Were you exercising um, or something? What's up? I hear it again. What is that sound? Oh, I'm at the gym, dude. Uh, okay, so you're, <laughs> that's right. You are, you are exercising. What the hell? <laughs> Wait, sorry, sorry. I'm at the gym. I, uh, right now, I just finished up on the treadmill after like 35 minutes of running. But um, wanted to play a little bit of, of devil's advocate. And uh, you know I like you, buddy. But I got to be honest with you. If I was a business owner, in my mind, regardless of whether or not I fail, I feel like you as a customer, I would lose the money out. And it's simply because you are the type of individual who will take advantage of every single coupon, who will take advantage of every every type of way to save money within my business. And by doing so, yes, maybe I'm not losing money because maybe even with the coupon, I'm still making the dollar at the deal or whatnot. Hey, I'm but sorry to interrupt. Take, for example. Hold on. Yep. I'm sorry to interrupt. 
I need to get a drink real fast. So just if you call me, uh, I, I apologize. Hand okay, go, go get your drink. Yeah, you ahead. guys go debate. I'll be back in like two Okay, minutes. okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. Cool. Have fun. <laughs> so, so my whole thing is this. So take, for example, the um, airline internet thing. Now, granted, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to pull up the little chat log and say XYZ, that's service last time. That's great. But in my mind, I wouldn't have been the first one to think about it. I wouldn't have tried to get an additional $10, $15 off for a service that they're charging the price on. For me, I would have just taken out my credit card and been like, here, take my money. That's fine. Now, if I get bad service and I feel that I deserve to be compensated, then yes, I will complain. But I feel that even if the service is slightly, slightly bad, that you would try to get something out of it, where I would stare at it and go, okay, this is maybe $3 of my time or of my value. Is it really worth fighting for an additional 2 to $7 to get $5 coupons? But believe it or not, I actually will. Sometimes I will just say... This isn't this isn't major enough. I'm just not going to say anything. Like there's been there's been a number of times that happens where I, I just don't. I, I think everything's not perfect, but I just say all right, whatever. I'll just uh, uh, I'll just deal with it and not even say anything. It it, it just depends on all the circumstance. And I, I I think what 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 gets me to say the most is when I think someone is doing something. They're just knowingly breaking their own company's rules because they feel like it or they're lazy or whatever. That's that's when I tend to say something the most. Like like as I said, like that in and out situation that got me pissed that they're I drove all the way there and they decided to close early when they're not supposed to. That, that that's the type of thing that gets me mad. Uh, sometimes things that just kind of show up substandard but not terrible, I I'll just kind of tolerate it. it. It depends on a lot of things. So uh, yeah, the thing you're okay, referring to with like, let's say for example. That, like, if you get your hands on a coupon saying, okay, this is for new customers only, but yet you know for a fact you've been going to this one restaurant once a month for the last, like, five years, I guarantee you that you would show up and you would try to use that coupon. No, I actually don't. You know, believe it or not, believe it or not, I wouldn't because I'd be embarrassed when it, uh, it says new customers only and they say you're not a new customer. Like, I, I don't want to get in that conversation. That, that's the one th- I, w- I won't try to do that. Now, like, what you're talking about with the airline thing, some people don't know what you're referring to. I posted a suggestion on the forum that if you if you fly – this is a, actually a good suggestion for those <laughs> who don't know. I, I, I read you 100%. Yeah, like, like this, this is something. I'm not trying to knock it. Yeah, I know. I just, I just, I'll tell the people what it is. It, for the GoGo Internet, which they provide internet on a lot of flights in the U.S., uh, you can negotiate with them. So even if whatever, even if the thing wants twenty-five dollars for the for the flight to get the internet, you can go into chat mode for free with their uh, employees and just say this price is too high. Uh, or I saw I saw a deal the other day for cheaper, but I didn't take it. Whatever, and then they'll say, "Okay, well here uh, we offer you this price instead." And then uh, what the way they'll give you that price is they'll give you a coupon code to use to take the price down. So my last flight I did that; they lowered the price from like twenty five bucks to like sixteen. And so, so I mean, it's, it's not huge that I saved nine dollars, but I saved a good percentage on it. And and, and also, the GoGo Internet, they're very lenient with giving you a free one if you had a problem the previous time. So, like, the previous time I, I paid normally, I don't even think I negotiated with them that time, but, but then uh, the service was terrible. Like, I know Internet inter- on the airplane is not that good, but this was, like, horrendous. Like, it was almost unusable. So the next time, I didn't say anything then, but then I, the next time when I, uh, this, uh, when I flew, 
I said, uh, you know, the, the connection really sucked last time, and they, they just take your word for it and give it to you. I'm not suggesting people roll go-go internet and just say that every time, but I, I think it's fine to ask for the cheaper price every time, and, and, and if the service really does suck, the, the, the following time to ask them to uh, give it to you for free. So, I mean, I, I think that's that's fair enough, and and uh, so, I, but but I won't go to extremes with this stuff. I'm not going to take a, a new customer coupon in when I've been coming there all the time. And but will I? I feel like you go you go much further than let's say eighty uh, percent of the average consumer. Though I probably go further than ninety five percent of the average consumer, maybe even more. I mean, that's <laughs> okay, great. So you just made that. So as a business owner, now granted, if there is sale, if if the employees in a franchise or whatnot are doing something incorrect, then yes, I think what you're doing is a service, like 100%. However, since you go further than 95 and you just admit it, as a business owner, if you were a business owner and you had one individual who was in the top 5% of your, A, least profitable customers, and B, customers that you spend the most time on, whether or not they are profitable or they aren't, as a business owner, would you want this individual to... Well, it depends what time I'm spending with it, 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 it depends what time I'm spending with him. If I'm spending the time with him over bullshit, then no. If I'm spending the time with him with him reporting legitimate problems that I that I would love to know about as the owner, uh, then 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 that's where his value is, not even so much in uh, in, in, in what he's buying with coupons. And just to let you know, a lot of these places that I've used coupons and stuff, these are very widely circu- circulated coupons in many of these places where I, I'm not just like the unusual one bringing in the coupon where like a whole lot of people who go there bring it. So a lot of these places I go to regularly, even if I bring the coupon every time, they've still obviously got to be making a good deal of money on me because they make these things so widely available. They wouldn't do that if they're making almost nothing on it. It's one thing to put a coupon in every so often to bring in business, but but to have one that's like always available and very easy to find and, and publicly promoted uh, – uh, it's. I almost feel like the whole thing is is almost like a game where they're uh, the coupon price is really what they think is the fair price to charge, and, and they're just making you feel like you're saving money. So like if so if they want to charge sixteen dollars or something, they'll put a. Uh, but then they'll realize uh, maybe we should charge twenty one and put a five dollar coupon out there, and it'll make people feel like they're getting a good deal. So so the, I, I think a lot of these are that kind of situation. Uh, so. You know, every situation is different. I like to think I, I, I try to be fair in these and don't try to angle or, or, or roll them. Uh, and okay. and also, they, I they and, I, and I said they wouldn't want every customer to be like me. That's true. They wouldn't. Every If every customer was like me, that would be a problem. But but they're not going to be like me, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, then you kind of prove like, my point in saying that, like, why, why even have one customer like that? But, but okay, let's move away from that. Now, I do have one more question, and I want your opinion on this. So let's say you go to a casino, right, and they offer you they offer you free play. Let's say the free play is 100 bucks, but it must be used on the table game. can't be used on, like, a video poker machine store. You can just run up your, your tier score. So you say, okay, I am actually leaving right now. I'm going home. I'm going to print this out. I'm just going to throw it on the roulette table. Now, when you print out the ticket, it says nowhere that on the roulette table you have to bet only a certain color or or even odds, right? So you go, you want to put it on black, right? Let's say you want to be like Pooh or the anti-Pooh and go for the black. That's great. So you put it on black, and the spinner or whatever the person's called, I'm not sure if they're really a dealer. 
What? You talking about the dealer? The croupier. Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So they say, no, sir, only red or even. And you look at the ticket. It says that nowhere that you have to put it on red or even. What would you do in this situation? Would you put it on red or even, or would you argue, call for the floor, and demand that you want to be the anti-poodoo and go for the black? Well, I, I don't see why they would make red okay, not black, since they're the same thing. But, but, but putting that aside, uh, if I didn't really care, if I didn't have some superstition, well, uh, I'm sorry. Hold on, I want to make sure I'm understanding. You're saying that that and I, I apologize for interrupting you, Todd. You're saying that no, there's no, a fun. coupon that said you could only bet red on it, or the dealer's telling you you could only bet red or an even number, but it doesn't say that on the coupon on the free play. Wait, Is that what you're saying? Wait. What would you do? Yeah, so like you go to the Kinko's machine, you print out your free play. It doesn't say that anywhere, but when you put it down the table, the dealer says, "Sir, only red or black." I would immediately go to a pit boss. Well, see, I was gonna, I was gonna give a, a actually a lighter answer to that. I was actually gonna say, if I don't, if, if red is the same bet as black, and I don't really care which one I'm betting because I'm not being superstitious, I, I just want to run the free play on some kind of even money type bet. And I don't care if it's red or black. If if they say something stupid to me like you can only do red, I'm going to think it's ridiculous. But I'm not going to fight for the principle because it doesn't matter. So I'll just do it. But if it's if it's let let's say for whatever reason I have my heart set on black, or let's say they're putting some restriction which does get in the way of what I think I should be able to do, uh, then then I will say something. And, and, and well, that's one, a whole different story because especially I mean this state, any kind of false representation, something like that. I mean that's a big deal. I mean, it really is. Like, no, it is a big deal. It is I'm a not, big deal. And, but and you're right. I guess you're right. Now that I'm, I'm understanding it more, and, and I, I apologize because I am a little off because my head is still kind of pounding. But if if it didn't interfere with what you were trying to accomplish, as Druff said, then yeah, what would be the point? I wouldn't argue for the sake of arguing, but no, and no offense, handicap me to you, but that's kind of a bad no. example because you'd never really see anything like it. Just no. Wait. So actually, in AC, that's apparently the rule. For every season's own casino, any free play that's played on the roulette table and you want to bet outside, you are only allowed to bet on red or even. Oh, wow. And this has happened (laughs) multiple times to both myself and my friends. And now I want to give Todd credit here to where I have complained multiple times saying I don't see what the difference is between me betting either or color. Like the odds are saying the odds aren't changing the outcome is going to be determined by that actual sentence. So what's the problem? And they said it is our policy here at Caesar Casinos in Atlantic City that free play can only be used in these two. Well, so, in, Vegas, in Vegas, those things are very common, but mostly what they I – mean, I think almost all of them what they always say is that these bets can only be used for an even money bet. Yeah, that's what I, I mean, think. If, if – you know, if you're playing roulette, they don't want you to put $5 on, like, number seven and get lucky and hit them for 35 to 1. Or they don't want you to put yeah. the $5 in the field and craps and somebody roll a 12. So everything's usually even money. And that's how it's been, fuck, for, for the 15 years I've been here. It's very rare that you'll see any kind of free bet or match play bet that isn't an even only bet. So, but I, I'm not discounting what you're saying. I've just never heard of that. That's kind of bizarre to me. It's it's happened to me quite a few times, so that's why I never use the free play at the roulette table anymore. Even if like I'm walking out and I go, oh, let me check to see if I have any free play, and I check and I have like even a hundred bucks, I'll just turn around, see that my friends or my girlfriend just go, guys, I'm going to go buy check table for like five minutes because it's it's happened multiple times. So 
in that situation, I feel like there I would actually say something and I would be a slightly difficult customer because I feel that, you know, it's not in the spirit of what they want. Like, this Fubon, this is best to be. But I feel like in other situations that maybe Todd goes a little bit further in what the spirit of the coupon or whatever it is is actually supposed to meant to be, that if it isn't in Todd's liking, he would take it to the next level. So well, I, 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 it depends. Like it depends. Actually call someone. I, I will. I'll take it to the next level if if something really is unfair and they're not uh, and they're not budging. I, I I'll, I'll never argue just to argue though. Like, like if, Bob if, if, Newhart Day. If, if right, if it's if, if it's never right, if it's weren't all those old Newhart fans pissed off over the free play. Yes, yeah. I, fortunately, I wasn't part of that, but yeah, yeah. Th- that was a good example. So why would you even guess in New Jersey that would even matter? I'm trying to think mathematically. Why would they only want red? It doesn't make any sense. If I the only thing I could come up with is that maybe it's easier to track, but it it, it still doesn't make any sense and. I tried to explain that to both the dealer and the floor the multiple times I said something. Now, granted, sometimes I may have been uh, more than slightly inebriated, but even the, the even once, it's simple math. With, the tracking thing has nothing to do with it because if you can, if you can, if you're that skilled that you're that you could peg a quadrant and roulette, it's irrelevant whether you're pegging red or black. Yeah, it doesn't it, matter. It, it, yeah, that it's very interesting. That, that's why I I, I just don't. Uh, if it's something that doesn't matter, I'm not going to ever make a deal just because of, for the to argue or just for the the principle. I, I only do something that really affects. I only complain if it actually affects something. I'm not going to ever complain if if I, I I like to tell this story sometimes with one of the first supermarket club cards I signed up for back in the early days of them. Uh, I think it was Vaughn stupidly required you to have to give your social security number for them. Like they they demanded that as part of the application process, so I I wouldn't. Can you put a fake social? Well, right, right. That's what we got to. So, so I said I said it's against the law to require someone to give their social in a circumstance like this. You can only require that uh, um, if, if in various spots, uh, checking someone's credit or, or or paying them a certain amount of money, or they go to work for you, whatever. But you can't just sign up for a supermarket club card. You you are not allowed to require this as a, as a term of signing up and, and so the the cashier who of course has no clue of these type of things uh, huh no uh, uh you have to put your social security uh number if you want to be able to get a card here i said no you don't understand it's not legal to ask for this i'm like explaining this to her again she's no well that's the policy i'm like okay then i realized why am i arguing this i go you know what you're right uh, I'll, I'll put mine there and i and i just made up nine random numbers i go oh, there you go here's my social and and that was that because they didn't need it. I didn't have to give it to them. I wasn't committing any crime by giving a fake one, and and they had no way to know I was giving a fake one. So that was a case where instead of standing there arguing, there was a simple solution to get where I was going, and and that was that. So, I first well, I, I, I think you're committing identity theft. Yeah. Well, that's why that's why I that's didn't want to do it. That, that's why I did not want to give it to them. So how could you? How could you? <laughs> so, so that was uh that was a, a case where. I thought as I was doing it of a solution that was going to not involve arguing would get me the same place. So that's what I did. I made it appear like I was backing down when in reality I was doing what I wanted. So. All right, boys. Um, I have to go and shower because I'm already running late for work. So uh, 
glad the show is on display. You know, I love long shows, and uh, hopefully keep it on just a bit longer. Okay. All right, guys. Have All a good right. night. Have Bye. a great morning. Cheers. Bye. So it's it's uh, speaking of the time. It's uh, yeah. I'm gonna have to go. See yeah, I'm gonna have to go too. It's almost almost three a.m. I've been doing this since uh, a little after eight o'clock. This is uh, almost a seven-hour show. So we still got NorCal. Yep, I'm here. That's a very. You know, I people ask about this show, and I and I tell them, oh, it's around six hours, and that's uh, it's pretty amazing. That the show's averaging around six hours these days. Six hours used to be like the super long episode. Now it's like uh, average. Well, that was because there was digital poker that had to be attended to. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was required for a while. I actually heard one of these in the streaming reruns to turn on sometimes. I, I, I heard a, a 2012 episode where I was having to end it because uh, I had to put Benjamin to bed. That was in the old days when Benjamin went to sleep so late that his mom went to sleep before him. So then when his mom went to sleep, I was... Required to stop the radio show to uh, be with Benjamin the rest of the time until he got him to sleep. But then once his bedtime got a little earlier, still isn't early, but at least it's earlier, and now his mom can put him to bed first. So, so Brandon, did you happen to catch any of the Masters tournament today or yesterday, I guess? I was asleep. Uh, oh, okay. I've, I've been on a very bad sleep schedule. I was hoping today would be the day to turn around, but... Uh, it's not looking well, maybe, but I, I, I had it TiVo'd and I watched, I was, I'd been watching it, you know, not live cause I, you know, obviously I wasn't awake and I TiVo'd it today and I still have not seen the infamous, uh, what was it? Uh, was it the 12th hole? The 12th yeah. hole? Yeah. Uh, the par three where he shot, what he shoot it? Was it an, a seven or an eight? It was, an it eight. was a seven. Seven. Um, I, I woke up with the intention of not knowing about it, but I, I realized I was going to come on radio and I, I, you know, text messages. I knew there was no way to avoid it, so I started reading about it. Um, so I didn't watch it, but I, I know what happened. I read all about it. I watched the previous three days, um, and uh, you know what? I, somebody from ESPN.com wrote that it was the biggest meltdown uh, in golf history, and we're of course talking about Jordan. Uh, Spieth, Spieth, yeah. How he had a uh, four-shot lead and then became a one-shot lead, and then one hole turned a one-shot lead became a three-shot deficit. And you know, I I actually watched live. I guess the only other thing, and ironically enough, it was in the Masters as well that you could even compare it to that kind of meltdown. I and I don't know, Nor- you know that, Norman, yeah, Norman yeah. against Faldo, and Norman you know started the day with I think it was like a seven-shot lead and ended up losing by like five or six. But as they pointed out in the article I read, and I kind of agree, uh, the Norman, you know, that that Sunday was different because Norman just started shooting off from the beginning. It wasn't like it was one bad hole. Like, it just was a monstrous round. Like, I think he even shot, like, 80 or 81. And this was just different because he had a, you know, a fucking pretty secure lead, you know, heading, uh, you know, into, what do they call it, Amen's Corner and then, you know, the back nine. And, you know, I guess he decided to play conservative and, and everyone already was handing him the trophy and then just like that it was gone but obviously you saw this and I, I've yet to see it I've only read about it so please tell, tell me tell us your take on it and, and just visualize it for us well I don't I certainly don't think it was like the worst collapse at least the worst collapse I've ever seen was uh, that Jean Vandeveld at the Open Championship yeah 
on the last hole. I think because a lot of that was like he didn't need to like he he did some stupid shots on that one that he didn't need to do. Like one hole and you're up by that many strokes. But you know, this one was he still had the rest of the But that Jean Vanderbilt, he was like a one hit you know, a one tournament wonder. I mean he never Oh yeah. yeah. He never competed again at a high level, never competed for majors again and you know, this guy's this kid's twenty two years old. He would have had a record for, you know, back to back it would have been eight rounds in a row that he led from wire to wire, which had never been done. I mean, it's it's pretty he had a lot to play for. I mean, basically yeah. from what I've read, everyone just said he choked. That it just was you know, he just got nervous and Sorry, go on. Oh. So I think we're boring. I think we're boring Todd with the golf. So I'll I'll keep it short. No, 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 no go, go ahead. No, no, I, I was it just something. Did he choke on. in your opinion? Uh, yeah, I suppose. On the on, you know, he made a mistake. Like he said, he made a mental mistake. So I guess that would be considered a choke. Um, more so than like you're in golf, you're just going to hit bad shots and that happens. But even in his own words, he admitted like that was a hole where he needed to play left and play safe. And he just had a mental lapse, uh, twice in a row. And then, and he dropped in an area that he said he shouldn't have dropped in because it was, you know, not a good at yardage or a spot. He didn't practice. He just, he basically said for like 30 minutes, it's just, he made poor decisions and his mind just kind of let him down. Um, but, I mean, it's understandable. I, I think, like you were talking about, having the lead for seven rounds in a row or at least three rounds, there's, that really, like, taxes you. Like, that's a lot of mental stress and pressure and focus, and it just especially goes to show. 20, especially on a 22-year-old. Yeah. So. You know, I was, it, think, I was thinking yeah. about this while I was driving with my uh, burrito bowl. It's actually kind of amazing because – you know, normally in any of these tournaments, you're always going to remember who finishes first and not second. You know, it's always like that in, in every sport. But I think five years from now, ten years from now, people are going to remember that Jordan lost this tournament. They're probably not even remember who won it. I mean, I ne- I'm going to be honest. I, I, I mean, I, I follow golf. I follow the majors, you know, more than other tournaments. So, you know, I, I know the top pros, whether they're in Europe or the Americans. I've never heard of this guy before. I mean, you know, Dan, Danny, Danny Willett, the guy yeah, who up won? Until this, yeah, up until this tournament where he was, you know, making a little bit of noise, I never heard that name before. I See, mean, I, I've known I've known him pretty well, and this would probably surprise most people, but he was actually the 12th ranked player in the world going into this tournament. So it's it's not like he was, like, kind of a nobody. I mean, that's pretty strong, 12th ranked in the world. But, yeah, he plays a lot of golf in Europe, so a lot of the American audience isn't too familiar with him. And how did uh, Berlard... Bernard Langer finish. He shot 79 today, so he Oof. fell back quite a bit, which was, was pretty yeah. expected, you know, for me. But it was amazing that he was even, you know, that close for that long at that age. Um, I mean, he's fucking close to 60, and he hung yeah. with the best in the world for three rounds. I mean, that's amazing. You don't they, see that in any other sport. No, absolutely. And the, the, they had the one kid, in the, an amateur. Playing ever in his first ever round at Augusta, who was up there too. Bryson DeChambeau? Yeah. You want to know the interesting thing is I actually have played in several uh, junior golf tournaments uh, with him when I was a kid. He's from Northern California as well. He's oh, younger. Shit. He's younger than me, so he was Truff, in a different age. Did you know we had a little uh, golf protege on the show? Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it it seemed that? like he was very. Uh... 
He really wanted to talk about the Masters tonight. He mentioned that when he came on. But did so. you know he used to play golf? Like you know. No, the, I didn't know that part. So tell us about this now. I mean, you, you were you on the junior circuit for a while? Well, there's just uh, it was called the Junior Golf Tour of Northern California. It's just basically a bunch of tournaments for for juniors. And I remember seeing that that his name all the time. He was always you know two or three age brackets lower than me, but he, I remember always seeing him winning like his divisions and stuff. And then I never really you know heard the name again until last year when he won the college. NCAAs and the U.S. Amateur, and I was like, "I'll be damned! That's that's the kid from from around here." And then, sure enough, they were doing a little feature on his hometown. I'm like, "Yep, that's that's the same kid." So it's just kind of interesting huh. what he's what, gone on to. Do you, how often do you play golf these days? I would say I'm a pretty avid golfer, like multiple times a week. So if we had a uh, a PFA golf tournament, would it be a safe bet? You'd be at top of the leaderboard, probably. Yeah, if you lost, would you would you be considered the big uh, the biggest choker in golf history? Yeah, I'd say I'd probably be a lock for PFA. No shit. Huh. So okay, or may I mean I don't really I don't you know I'm not that involved in the forum, so I mean there could be some good players out there. I I'm not sure. So an average you know good weather, you know not hot, not cold, not not breezy you come to vegas and i take you to a par 72 uh, muni golf course here in vegas what would you shoot on average what uh what kind of tees are we playing what what yardage are we looking at i mean we're, we're just out of what are what are normal muni- municipal courses? see i play the the course i play where i live is like really really short but i, I would say like an average municipal course is probably like i don't know 6500 yards yeah, okay. That sounds about right. Um, average conditions, I don't know, maybe like 75. Wow. That's pretty good. I mean, give I mean, me, uh, the, game, the game's yeah. fickle. I mean, you know, it could be 80 one day and, you know, 71 the next, but, you know. What's the know, lowest 75. 18 holes you've ever shot? I've shot a 62 on a par 70. Wow. It's pretty impressive. On a pretty on a, an admittedly very short, easy course, though. So. And so, whatever, what kept you from? I, mean, I know it's expensive, obviously, but what kept you from pursuing this and making? You know, I don't know whether it be a golf pro somewhere or on one of the lower tours to try to one day qualify. Like what I mean, you obviously have some talent. Why haven't you pursued it more? Well, to be honest with you, I just I don't have the game to compete at that level. I mean, I do all right, and I, you know, I enjoy the game and I play well. But honestly, just I, I don't have the game to compete with those guys. There's a lot of good players out there, and I, I do play some amateur tournaments here in California. But even at that level, there's many, many, many much better you know, players than myself. That's the thing a lot of people don't realize. Like the guy that's ranked 200th in the world. If I played with him, that'd be like the best golfer I've ever seen in my life, or you know, ever played with in my life. I mean, that's oh yeah, it's, like it, it's 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 amazing. Uh, I'd say the other thing that probably held me back is that where I live, there's only one golf course, and it's not very very good for developing one's game that would be translatable to like tournament courses and tournament conditions. So that's, and there's not like good practice facilities here. Like we have no driving range at our course or anything. So I don't know. I do it. I enjoy it. It's a hobby. Um, I actually have a couple friends 
college and high school teammates of mine who are playing semi-professional golf at the moment and they're they're struggling it's it's pretty tough but by the way i want to mention something unrelated to golf but uh i forgot to mention this at at the link uh if you were foolish enough to this is the link uh shopping area you know that's uh caesar's owned if you were foolish enough to park on the ground floor there today or sorry it was yesterday uh, you probably got an unpleasant surprise. It was uh, it was like whitewater rapids coming out of the the garage. I saw a video of this. It's it's pretty amazing. I've seen this Busted before. Waterline or something? No, no, it's from the rain. It was very heavy rain yesterday. Oh. So it seems like whenever there's heavy rain in Vegas, that uh, you get something like this, where one of the casino's garages is uh, not built right, and you end up seeing just mass water coming out of there. This happened to the link. So. That is not a good place to park if it's raining. Just keep that in mind. It doesn't rain in Vegas very often, but when it does, there's there's some days it comes down pretty hard, and yesterday was one of those days. That's how it was when I was living down in, like, the Palm Springs area where Brandon was just visiting. Like, they get, like, you know, about three inches of precipitation a year, which is, like, some of the lowest in the entire world. But when it does rain, there's just everything. There's so much, like, pavement and asphalt, and it just everything runs off, and it just it – just, you know, like you literally can't go through some of the streets that dip down through those washouts. They'll just literally just be totally flooded, and you'll have to go around. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen some other flooding videos from yesterday. I I, I didn't I didn't drive much yesterday. I drive, only drove a little bit, so it wasn't uh, wasn't I didn't get that much of a sample of it. But uh, when I was driving between L.A. and Vegas on Friday, it was raining the whole way, and I hit some uh, hit some floods in the Victorville area. But uh, it, it was it sucked that with with how little rain that uh, both uh, California and Las Vegas got this year that I, I I get the unfortunate drive where it rains the entire way. But oh well. Okay. Well, I I think we're done here. Thank thank you, uh, Northern California guy, for being here. One more, the one more question, Northern California guy. When you said your game. Uh, isn't good enough. Is it just one component? Like meaning, like you just a bad putter, or you can't drive that far? Or is it just all the little intangibles that you makes you think that you're not as good, or you're not good enough to compete on a high level? Uh, I, I definitely don't drive it as far as you know a lot of the kids these days. And um, yeah, my putting's probably not quite up to snuff on those tough greens, but. Okay. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just tough. There's a lot of great players out there, and I think, like, especially like living in a small town, I think like a, like a lot of people, you get used to people telling you like how good you are and and have expectations for you, but they don't like really realize how tough it is out there and like in the real world. Or every little town has like you know the, their own best golfer, but there's thousands of towns across the country, so people don't really think about that. Interesting. I did not know that about you. Awesome stuff. We learn new stuff every time. <laughs> yeah, I figured I would sprinkle in, a, you know. Drop it every so often. Just drop in a new fact about uh, Northern California guy. And uh, so Northern California guy, we're going to be back. There's going to be a ten day, I guess, mini hiatus, and we'll be back on the air on the twentieth. Yep. Is that correct? April twentieth. Will you? Uh, if you're not touring on the Nike tour or West Coast, whatever, Northern California, will you be uh, possibly free to join us? 
Ooh, on 420? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> no, actually, Wednesdays are, Wednesdays are good for me. So Sunday is not the best, but I figured since there hasn't been much radio going on and the schedule's been erratic, and actually I've been having home internet problems too, which is another reason why I haven't been up for radio. Oh, that was I like me at the beginning of the year. Well, I just I've, had, mine, upgra- I, I had mine upgraded last week. I had them out here to install like a new, better service, so hopefully my connection was was pretty good. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they fixed it. Boy, boy, I had a nightmare for the month of January. Boy, that was a pain in the ass. I, I, I was, I took for granted how nice it was to have just reliable internet until it just was terrible. Oh, you don't realize how you know how nice you have it until it goes out. I mean, mine was probably cutting out at least three times every hour. Yeah, I, I had I, I had big problems too, where it was just uh, disappearing, and yeah, and you just never never knew it was going to come back, and and so I got it fixed by happen chance. Actually, I was pulling a druff and calling up and you know, telling Directv, you know, hey, you raised my bill, and it's more than I'm willing to pay for my entertainment budget. So what can you do for me? And one of the things was, well, your neighborhood is eligible for upgraded internet, and for 12 months we'll give it to you for da 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 free installation. And so hey, so, so wait a minute, you, you have together. you have satellite internet? No, it's just through Directv. Well, they... Directv Directv is like now part of AT and T. Oh, I see. Okay. So and I have I had AT&T you just sound like a internet. commercial right there. Yeah, you know, because Directory yeah. is not part of the AT and T network. <laughs> he does awful. sound like a commercial. He does right. sound like a commercial. Yeah, it, I'm not, I'm not getting paid by them. I swear. Yeah, sa- satellite uh, internet sucks, but uh, I see you're just part of a partnership. Yeah, some like bundling thing, and they offered like an upgrade from DSL to I don't know what the new thing they call now, UVerse or something. I will tell you one thing, Druff would have, whatever you're paying, Druff would have paid less. <laughs> oh, oh, there's no, there's no doubt about that. I'm, I actually have a lot of similarities to Druff in that department. As I don't know what that term was, the pathological customer. I don't really like that <laughs> one, but I'm not as hardcore as him. But you know, I'm not afraid to, to be a bargain shopper. I, uh, I go with the coupons. I go with the loss leaders, the good deals. You know. Yep. Nice. Well, very good, and. Uh... We will thank you for being part of it. I would thank Trader Ruski, but he, he can't hear me. He's in dreamland. Well, and if he listens to the end of the archives, we'll thank Trader Ruski for, you know, for being in there in the beginning two-thirds of the show. But speaking of being in dreamland, you know, on, on Friday night, you know, I, I got to Vegas after that tough drive, and I had a sleep deficit, and boy, was I. I was so tired that uh, I, I couldn't make it uh, – or so, it wasn't Friday. No, it was last night. It wasn't like it, it was. I had to wake up early on Saturday, and it was last night. I was so exhausted from a sleep deficit that I, I collapsed at midnight. I could, I tried to stay up later. I, I collapsed at midnight, and I I had like a hard sleep for ten hours where I didn't wake up once, and I just uh, slept right through. And I it's one of these things where you wake up and you felt like you were dead. You were sleeping so hard. So. I, I wonder if that's what Trader Ruski's like when he's uh, falling asleep on this show. Oh, I think he's just peacefully, like, just drifting off with his, you know, chamomile tea or whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back in 10 days on April 20th. We should have talked about the, the weed casino story on that day. More appropriate. But, yeah, April 20th. There's a weed casino? There, there may be one, yeah. Yeah, that's one of our topics earlier. Also, free software. Well, 
maybe. I, I've been in contact with Fluff for a bit. So, April 20th will be the next show, and then we should be back to a regular schedule. I know since uh, March 18th, which is our uh, last regular show, we haven't had many episodes. We've only had uh, last week's, and then uh, I think that's, that's we had April 3rd, too. Yeah. That's what it was, April 3rd, last week, and this one. That's really the only two in between March 18th and April 20th. But, hey, at least we're squeezing them in. And we'll be back to the regular schedule. I appreciate those who followed us on the live broadcast to the off day. And for those in the archives, I guess it doesn't matter. In fact, you guys get another Monday show to just be right there for you at the beginning of your work week. So that, that's not that bad. Northern California guy, is that you uh, in the Skype photo? Is that no, you don't know who that is? I mean, I see the poker star. Uh, uh, Ash, I, I, I would expect you of all people to know who that is. I, I don't know who that is. Up there. Well, who is it? I don't know either. Oh, my God. That's really dangerous. We got to stop the music here. He's actually using a... Daniel oh my God! He's, he's using Daniel Schreiber's picture as a Skype picture. That's really. I've never seen him before. So how would I know it? I thought awesome. this. I th- I was looking at him the whole time. I'm picturing that voice is matching this guy here. Me too. <laughs> All this yeah, time, I'm, I'm thinking the, you're Daniel Schreiber. Quick Unbelievable. Little, quick little bonus story, actually. Um, Go ahead. We do bonus stories. Here. I'll try not to take up too much time, but uh, so this this gal who I used to see once in a while um, actually texted me that she was going to be in town tonight and. For the sake of radio, I just texted her back, Daniel Shriver, I'm a goddamn subscriber. <laughs> so I what got did you... the obligatory, like, WTF with, like, five question marks, and I just said pokerfraudalert.com slash radio. Tune in. So, shout out, Melissa, if you're uh, Well, you think she's, ta- you think she's put up with this for seven hours? I don't, I don't think that. <laughs> I'm sure she never even went to the link. But, okay. you know, this is a sacrifice as I make. I mean, that's a big sacrifice. Show. I'm oh surprised about that. Wow. fucking hell. I mean, I don't know what he looks like. I, I, I... <laughs> that's so funny. We used, we thought he was uh, Daniel Shriver. When I look rolled. at him, he's kind of chubby. I'm like, how can't this kid drive pretty far? He's got some meat on those bones. Oh, my God. It's Daniel Shriver of all things. Wow. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> well played, sir. Thank you. Good game. Good game. All right. Uh, I guess that's Shalom time. Oh, yeah. Let me finish the song. I'm looking at it, too. He's got a right off. That's great. Look at that. Oh, my gosh. All right. And, and Brandon, I ha- I'll have to talk to you off the air here, but I'll, I'll make sure to uh, do it in a fashion to where there's no one listening this time. All right. Well, actually, call me on my cell. That, that's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm afraid of Skype now. Skype scares me. All right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and... Ten days from now, April 20th, next show. Everybody, of course, invited back. Brandon, Northern California guy, Trady Rischke, Daniel Shriver, whoever. Shalom. Shalom, everybody. Shalom.